episode 323. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushover. Pop culture. Leftovers. And you're the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. sure only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five four, four, three, three two, 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 one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm a leftover. No Jake this week. Jake has some things going on with his cat, Maui, that he needs to make sure that uh, he's taking care of Maui. Keeping an eye on his cat uh, has had to take the cat to the vet quite a few times. Actually missed uh, two days of C2E2. Was able to spend the last day Sunday with us. But uh, only for a, sh- a few short hours. And I am short of breath because I am sick. You go to fucking C2E2 and you're around a bunch of fucking people with, like, I don't know, germs and fucking sickness. You tend to bring it home with you. So it fucking <laughs> sucks. But, uh, you know, it, this kind of worked out. Uh, sad that Jake's not here. Kind of worked out, though, because we've got ourselves a little mini C2E2 reunion. 2020 C2E2 reunion going on here. Got Melissa from the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Welcome, Melissa. Hi. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. I'm pinch hitting today. What, what are you doing? I said I'm pinch hitting. Oh, yeah, you are. Thank you. No, thank That's a sports reference, and I did it correctly. You did it correctly. <laughs> you did it correctly. Um, and uh, then, hey, guess who else we have? We've got, we've got your co-host from that Game of Thrones podcast you did, mm-hmm. Michael Winkler. Welcome back, dude. Hey, hey, how we doing, guys? We're good. We're good. Other than me being sick and shit, we're doing pretty fucking good, man. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm at my sister's house too. Everything's all fucking. What, is it discombobulated a word? Do people use that word a lot? Discombobulated. I do. Do you? <laughs> are, are you, you, you oh, I'm all discombobulated today. Is that a thing you do, <laughs> thing you say? <laughs> I would. I mean, I said say. holy mackerel the other day, so you could say pretty much anything. Holy mackerel. Oh my gosh, that sounds like a 75 year old fisherman or something. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have one of those fucking, those, uh, yellow fisherman caps on? Oh yeah, the whole suit. The man. whole suit? Fucking fish flopping around on the deck that you beat with your fist? <laughs> That's, I always hate that. I always hate that when I'm watching something and there's a fish flopping around, people are just looking at it and then the one gruff guy, with fucking hands made of sandpaper, calluses all over his hands. He's a working man, <laughs> and he just beats that fish to death. <laughs> is that a thing in movies? Is that a thing you see a lot? I guess it is for me. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm watching. What's that? What's that one show where they go out fishing? Alaskan Deadliest thing? Catch. Deadliest Catch. Have you ever watched it? I've never watched it. 
Oh yeah, I've watched it. Uh, I was I went like on a kick for a little while where I was like, oh, I'm gonna go up to Alaska and uh, fish for fucking crabs. It's gonna be crazy. And then I watched that show and I was just like, yeah, not not a fucking chance. Ah, fuck that. Yeah, I want to see somebody do like uh, do like a wrestling elbow on a fucking fish one time on a boat. You know what I mean? Where they where they tap their elbow a couple times and they go they drop it, drop that elbow. Is it is that is that they call that the people's elbow? Who's who does that? Who does that? Is that oh yeah, the rock. The rock. Is that his thing? He does that. Oh yeah. I want to go fishing with the rock. I'm picturing like <laughs> slapstick comedy where you do that, but the fish slips out from under you, so your elbow falls on the deck, and you're like laying on the ground. And then a guy in an all yellow fucking outfit, like that rain gear comes over and does the three fucking count. <laughs> I want to play rock, paper, scissors with the rock. Be fucked up. You think he would always go rock? Dude, he could go scissors, but then still go rock if he wanted to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, you're kind of fucked on that one. This episode's dumb. Um... <laughs> Thank you guys for doing this last minute. I, you know, I fucked up. I didn't even have a guest for this week, and then I asked you both uh, last minute to to join me. So I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. And we're talking about. I'm excited. Talking about fucking yellow rain gear, fishermen and shit. This, I, I, I bet you're regretting the choice. No, it might be dumb, but I'm excited. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about C2E2 a little bit. I mean, I don't want to get into it too much. Uh, all I'll say for me right now is I had a great fucking time. I got to meet you. Winkler, first time I ever got to meet you, man. Oh, dude, it was it was awesome. Like, it was, it exceeded my expectations, man. It was seriously one of the best times I've ever had. Oh, man, it was one of the best times of my life. I think it's tied for, like, my favorite year of going to C2E2. Um I, a couple times walking the floor, it felt like I was in the wrong convention. It felt like I was like at the walking into farts con. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> welcome, welcome to walking into farts con. Oh my God. You turn a corner, it's like bam. And it's like, you can't pinpoint who the fuck did it. It's not like you can point a finger because there's like fucking thousands of people on the floor. It could have been anybody. Dude, and like notorious serial farters love going to conventions like that because they could just dip, oh, yeah. like dip in and out and just fart all over the joint. Welcome to Crop Dust Con. That's what they're, <laughs> that's what they're saying. They, you know, Jesus Christ, take some, they, take some gas X before you go to the conventions. Oh my God. It's like, I, my nostrils, I swear. It's like, uh, just, just burning nostril hairs. Walking through the convention floor, fucking nasty, Christ! Um, did you guys go to any panels? I, I did. I went to Rainbow Rowell in conversation with Faith Aaron Hicks, and they talked about creating their graphic novel Pumpkinheads. And Rainbow is currently writing the um, Marvel's Runaways. That's her name, right now. Rainbow. So she talks a little are... bit about that. Yeah, that's her real name. That's fucking. And awesome. she has a brother with like a super normal name, but her parents named her Rainbow and him like I don't know Steve or something. <laughs> Rainbow and Steve. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Rainbow and Steve. Yeah. That, um, do you go in any any others? <laughs> sound like no, Chris, I didn't. <laughs> well, like I Chris only Farley. went to the convention on Saturday. Okay, Moinkler, did you go in any panels? Uh, I went with um, you guys to the Walter Koenig one. Yeah. yeah. And um, 
and then I went to one on Saturday night with Nana, um, the Gorgeous Women of Gaming. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was super cool. They had like a representative, uh, like platform gamer, uh, tabletop gamer, and then like a uh, live action role playing gamer. So it was just a really cool kind of all aspects of gaming, all women, and I thought it was really cool. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Years ago on the podcast, uh, we helped promote a Kickstarter for women in gaming and, and I uh, had some collaboration with the person that was doing that Kickstarter. It was kind of like a, kind of like a movie, kind of like a documentary. And that was really cool. Um, yeah. I went to the, uh, Walter Koenig panel. I went to the Umbrella Academy panel and then I went to the boys panel and then I saw a couple crunchy roll panels that I'll talk about later and the devs panel, the Alex Garland panel, which I'll talk about later. Oh, cool. But yeah, the the Umbrella Academy and the boys panels were absolutely fantastic. I uh, got to get my picture taken with the boys. Uh, I was joined by uh, Dan Ramirez of Heroes of Noise, Kevin Shanks of, uh, oh God. Uh, nobody, nobody asked, asked you, Nobody Kevin. asked you, Kevin. Yeah, thank you. And then uh, Nana Pratt of Blurds R Us. We all got our picture taken with the cast of the boys. And uh, I got a fist bump from fucking Judge Dredd himself, <laughs> Carl Urban. Like, I heard he wasn't shaking hands and shit. But they said he would do fist bumps, so I put my fist out, and I did not move that fucking thing until I got a fist bump back, and I got a fist bump back. <laughs> and then after it was over, after we took the pictures, I look at Carl Urban, and I was like, dude, I love Dread. I loved it. I, lo- I just sounded like a, such a dork. I said it like three fucking times. I love Dread. It was great. I love Dread. Uh, but yeah, it was cool. I, there's so many great memories over the weekend. Got to meet so many new people that I hadn't met before. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, got to spend more time with people that I have spent time with in the past. It was just a wonderful thing. Uh, met Stephen Farshad and, uh, we're up in, uh, Scott Shooty. Got upgraded to a suite. So we were going to party in the suite that night. And, uh, Stephen Farshad gave me a, uh, CGC graded Signed Chris Claremont giant sized X Men number one and I about fucking cried. It's beautiful. Thank you. That's super cool. It was yeah, that was a really great moment, man. Yeah, it was awesome. Um Yeah, I we partied pretty fucking hard. <laughs> I thought it was a great we weekend. We sure did. There was one there was one point in the night, I think it was Friday. Was it it was Friday Nana's on the fucking phone, he's like FaceTiming somebody, and then he puts the phone in front of my face it's fucking matt kirby i'm talking to matt kirby from across the pond and, and i was like matt you need to like matt's all laughing and shit looking at us and stuff and and at one point i'm like matt you need to get out here and his face just like his face his smile just dropped and it was the most serious look like no never <laughs> so, it was beautiful it was fucking beautiful Oh my god. Hey, what's your favorite memory from C2E2? Oh, I think, um, to be honest with you, I think when I went in on, uh, Friday, I went in solo, didn't see anybody, and I was gonna go to the meetup spot. And that's when I met up with you, Dan, and Nana waiting for the Wolverine number one. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I didn't even, like, they were talking to you, but I thought you were just another guy in line because I'd never seen you before. <laughs> yeah. And then I was talking to Dan and Nana, and then I just heard your voice, and I was just like, holy shit, dude, it's Brian, <laughs> man. Like, honestly, like, that was, like, the fun, like, that was the best, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Melissa, what was your favorite part? 
<laughs> well, really, I mean, I, I was really excited to go to the con because, like I said, Rainbow, my favorite author, was going to be there. So I was super excited to see her and, like, tell her that I'm obsessed with her characters. But also, it's so cool because everybody comes to Chicago and I already live here. So, I mean, my favorite part was basically just having to take the train and then I get to meet all of you guys and see who I've been talking to, you know, all the time for a couple of years now, so it's awesome to actually meet everybody and have it happen right in my city where I have to do minimal work. <laughs> yeah, you know, can't beat that. I just, I just, for me, it's just another year of hanging out with like people, and we just kind of like all get along. It's crazy, like that that night where we got got a little too. <laughs> We got told by the hotel staff that we were a little too loud in Scott's suite and that we'd either have to get out of there or we'd get Scott kicked out of the room. So we all headed down to the lobby and partied, and I had so much fun in the fucking lobby at the Hyatt. You know, that lobby party was a fucking blast. I had a great time at the lobby party. It was so much fun. Dude, that was a rager, man. And, like, to be honest with you, when we were all just, like, everybody was just vibing, like you said, there were like I was expecting like okay maybe there are going to be a couple people like that are like off putting or don't see eye to eye with or but everybody was just so fucking cool like yeah. it was insane and like in the lobby we were mingling with like convention people and then our group and then it was just crazy man people were doing X Men moves to each other wrestling moves like it was wild yeah it's a fucking party where people are dressed in cosplay it's just, you know it's. <laughs> It's just nuts. By the end of the night, we're wearing Brooks fabric on our head, Mike. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Those pictures are so funny. I Those was like, dude, great. our Survivor fucking gear last night. I was like, I'm half tempted to put that fucking picture on this week's uh, episode art. <laughs> I'm so half tempted to just put that fucking picture up. Brooks just like, what are you guys doing? We're just like ripping up her fabric. Like, uh, yeah, headbands. It was so great to just finally meet some people that I haven't been able to meet. Nana Pratt came over from across the pond. It was awesome to meet him. Got to meet Stephen Redgrave. He was fucking cool as shit. Got to meet Stephen Farshid. He was cool. Finally got to meet fucking Paul Hart. Uh, got to meet Dan Ramirez of the Heroes of Noise. Uh, if, if, uh, Rod Clairbout came back. I got to meet Rod a few years ago in Indianapolis. Uh, Rod Clairbout came out with his girlfriend and that was fucking awesome. So, I'm just so happy that uh, all these people were able to make it out. Philip Guillet and Jesse, uh, Jesse Candelori came back two years. They missed they missed last year, but they came back together this year, and that was fucking awesome to see them. Brooke missed last year, and she came back. It was so good to see her. Fucking Brooke is one of a kind. I fucking love Brooke. Uh, she does so much for the podcast. You guys have no idea what goes on behind the scenes in the podcast, and she's doing some of the social media stuff. She heads up all the... Um, the, uh, what we call Rotten Leftovers, which is our Rotten Tomatoes reviews. She takes care of that every month, her and Rebecca. It was great seeing Rebecca again. I love seeing Rebecca every fucking year. So this was just, this was a special fucking year. This was a really special year. I felt, I felt so comfortable this year. Just, just the comfort level this year that I felt. I usually wear my sarcasm as a security blanket. So previous years I've been a sarcastic bastard. This year, sarcasm, I just kind of turned it off and just had a great fucking time. And, um, it was, I, I, I gotta do that more. It was a fucking blast. You guys were amazing to hang out with. And, uh, everybody was calling it like adult summer camp. And it really kind of is in a way. Cause like once it's over, we're all like, 
teary-eyed, you know, we're misty-eyed and shit, and like, oh man, now we gotta wait 13 months for the next one, but, uh, once we all get back together again, we'll, we'll, it'll be like we haven't missed a beat. It's like that every year, so, I wanna thank everybody that did come out to C2E2 this year. If you couldn't make it out, please come out next year, you'll have a fucking blast. Um, and, uh, if you wanna know how to get involved in these things, uh, we do have a, uh, community, uh, Facebook group. Jesus Christ, this dog over here. Hey, that, my sister's dog is like Fred Astaire on the fucking floor dancing and shit. What the fuck are you doing? He's attacking a bag. All right. Yeah. Pepper one, bag zero. But you can join our, uh, it's called the Leftover Army Group, and it's on Facebook. You can join the group, and that's where they'll post about all this shit. You guys, you guys talk here real quick. I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna put this bag up, cause this shit's driving me crazy. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you were saying, Melissa, how your like travel was like super cool and just like really easy? Um, yeah, easy but time consuming, right? So I took yeah. like a 45 minute train down to the convention center and then I had to walk about like 18 minutes from the Chinatown red line stop to McCormick. So then I hung out all day and actually then ran into you guys and was like, oh, you guys are uh, going back to the city. I'm going to go ahead and split Ubers with you <laughs> so that I don't have to uh, figure out a train schedule when it's that that long at night right. but yeah it's super easy yeah because my like flight in like because i don't like i don't mind flying but i don't really love it um if i can drive i will kind of deal sure but i took my you, flight I, you technically from, could have driven is this is this yeah, the, yeah is this the yeah hour. is this the travel tips portion of the podcast going on yeah. And this segment is, no, yeah. <laughs> this, this section is brought to you by Travelocity. I'm the Travelocity gnome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, on the, uh, on the flight from my, like, connecting flight from Detroit to Chicago, we had, like, the worst turbulence I've ever had in my life. Like, people next to me were calling their families and stuff. Oh, and God. It was, yeah, it was the worst. <laughs> like, it was the worst. Did they that drop down that the fucking, drove home. they dropped down that fucking oxygen mask and shit? Dude, no. Dude, the overhead bins, like, even a couple of them even snapped open. And I was like, all right, at least I'll get some oxygen before I die. And they didn't even pop open. I was like, is that a myth or something? Like, That's crazy. The pressure has to, like, break in the cabin, right, for those to come out? Yeah, I I listened to the speech at the beginning (laughs) of the flight. (laughs) It's like, mute your headphones. Uh, No, I'm good. I know things. (laughs) I got to zone out during that. I'm just, like, listening to a podcast or something. I'm like... I'm listening to like Elon Musk smoke a joint with Joe Rogan or something while that's going on, you know? <laughs> they do a crash landing into a river and everybody puts on their life vest and Brian puts it on backwards and just rips the fucking cords. <laughs> um, I'll be like, like when they find me in the water, I'll be like the only human that's ever died from like one of those fucking plastic rings that they put around the soda cans. You know what I mean? Like you see ducks die with those things around their necks. They're going to find me with one of those rings. They're going to be like, it's going to be like a mystery for the ages. People are going to be like, a human died from one of those fucking plastic rings around their neck. How the fuck did this happen? 
He survived the fucking plane crash, yet he gets his head stuck <laughs> in the plastic rigs. Everyone, everyone survived this flight except for this fucking idiot. Anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, no, no iTunes reviews this week. I like to save those for when Jake gets back. We got a couple of them, but I'll save those for when Jake gets back. Uh, I did want to let everybody know that I did finish Punky Brewster, all four seasons, all four seasons of Punky Brewster. <laughs> that is a thing that I did. And, uh, I'm looking forward to have you, you guys are a little too young for Punky Brewster. Have you ever jumped into the Punky Brewster pool? No. I watched when I was oh sorry. I I watched when I was uh, like 4 or 5 years old. I used to watch it. Yeah. I don't really like remember in good detail. I sure. just remember like the ponytails and or the pigtails. Yeah, it was probably in syndication when you were watching it. I was uh I was uh I'm I'm really excited for the HBO. I think it's is it HBO Max? No, it's Peacock. It's going to be on Peacock where they're going to do the whole revival of Punky Brewster. I feel I feel really prepared for it now, having watched all four seasons of Punky Brewster. Um, it's kind of like once you get to the final episode, it's really anti-fucking-climactic. I don't think they realized that it was the final season. So it doesn't go out on, like, the best episode ever. She's got a dog named Brandon. And the final episode is titled Wedding Bells for Brandon. And the dog gets married. And that's the fuck. Yeah, it's a final episode of Punky Brewster. Her fucking dog gets married. They have a ceremony and all this shit. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, that is just heartwarming and lovely. Yeah, but, but, but anticlimactic. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about a story here where a young girl is abandoned by her mother in a supermarket parking lot, and well, at least someone can still find love. <laughs> yeah, at least the dog fucking found love, right? I mean, but here's the thing. It's like. uh We've waited 32 years now to see where Punky's at. I have. I've been waiting. <laughs> Just all this wasted time. All this. Wa- I want I, when they when they do the revival show, uh, they got to address the mom thing. Did she ever find her fucking mom? <coughs> Excuse I, me. <laughs> Is the revival show going to be like the same? Actor? Yeah, they're getting Salil Moon Fry back playing Punky Brewster, and then uh, Cherry Johnson is going to be coming back. Her real name's Cherry Johnson, and her name on the show is Cherry. Or was it? No, her name's Cherry something. Hmm. And she was Cherry Johnson on the show. And she's coming back, and she's playing uh, She's playing the same character. And I don't Does think- Punky still go by Punky? Yeah, I hope so, in the new Went one. There. Her real name Girl. is Penelope. Just throwing out some Punky Brewster trivia there for you. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so Punky Brewster, I'm, <laughs> I'm a 42 year old man who enjoys Punky Brewster. Fuck you. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna die alone. Um, <laughs> okay, let's jump into this week's good pop, bad pop. For more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. 
The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Yeah. So, uh get back this week from C2E2. A lot of my a lot of my good pop bad pop is uh, I guess I guess C2E2 related. And then the other part is stuff that I basically got to watch Thursday night, Friday and today cuz it was I mean, recovering this week after last weekend, I just did not get a lot of time to watch everything that I wanted to watch. But I did watch the first episode of Castlevania season 3. Um Winkler, I don't know. Is is Castlevania something that you've been watching on Netflix? I'm not caught up. I, I started the earlier ones, but I'm not up to date. I highly recommend it, dude. It's fucking awesome. Castlevania season three started off pretty fun, man. I'm I'm really digging it. I mean, there's each season they get kind of like a an, uh, more episodes ordered. First season I believe was four episodes. The second season was. Six six episodes and now we got 10 episodes in season three i'm through episode one i enjoyed it uh it looks like um you know we get to see a really cool beast battle uh belmont's back i I, i'm enjoying it i gotta it feels like i do need to go back and like do a recap of the first you know couple seasons to get my get familiar again but uh, overall i am enjoying it um but yeah castlevania Season three. Years ago, I think I made a joke about Wrestlevania, which was, uh, wrestling, <laughs> wrestling vampires. Wrestlevania. <laughs> and so now I'm gonna throw out this idea to you. Tasselvania. It's just every character in Castlevania wears those booby tassels, whether they That be, is exactly what I thought it yes, was. Yes. <laughs> whether it's, whether it's male or female, all the characters, and they, they never address it. It's never addressed. It's like a normal thing. <laughs> like we might even get to see scenes of them putting on their booby tassels in the morning, just getting ready to go out and, you know, do what they do for the day. And as they fight and as they walk around through town, we see the swinging tassels and it's called Tasselvania. Where all the characters wear booby tassels. Would watch. I'm with it. Yeah, I, I, and I can yeah, start be playing that in the background that. of like the. There's like a bar in my neighborhood that plays like old old burlesque routines in like black and white. So once we get Tasselvania, we can replace that footage. The Castlevania footage serves the same purpose. Absolutely. Michael, you were just saying that you'd probably be caught up on Castlevania had it been Castlevania. Oh, I mean, booby tassels, beast battles. <laughs> I mean, you just signed me up right there. And, and I don't Because want, I got to, yeah. like, prioritize, like, some shit. So obviously, like, you know how it is. Some stuff takes the back seat. But, I mean, booby Castlevania. I'm about it. It would be amazing. It would be fucking amazing. Tasselvania. Like, and I even want to see, like, they're in a farm community, and I want to see, like, a cow with, like, booby tassels on each one of the six teats. You know? <laughs> it's like, let's go for this. You know what I mean? If we're going to call it Tasselvania, even the fucking farm animals are going to have tassels on those titties. Milk just sprang off each individual <laughs> thread spinning. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful. Thing. Even the farmer jerking off the fucking cow. It's got booby tassels. 
it's fucking, I don't want anyone to even acknowledge it. It's just a thing. It's, 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 it's part of that world. You know what I mean? It's not something they have to address. It's just part of that world that they live in. I've gone a little yeah, too far with this with one. It. Yeah. All right. I went to two Crunchyroll panels, um, which was awesome. I, I actually spent both of the panels with Nana Pratt. Nana, uh, if you've listened to Blurred R Us, you know he's a huge fan of anime. So this was really cool for me, being able to watch anime with Nana Pratt. And these were world premieres uh, that they were showing us. And they were showing it to us like on a big screen with the with the speakers and everything. It was pretty fucking awesome. These are two animes they haven't even premiered yet. They're going to premiere in April. Uh, one's going to premiere April 1st. The other is going to premiere April 2nd. The first world premiere was Tower of God. And this is an upcoming Crunchyroll and Webtoon production-based uh, anime on the comic, on the manga series Tower of, Gra- uh, of God, created by uh, SIU and published by Webtoon. And uh, Tower of God centers around a boy called 25th Bam, who has spent most of his life trapped beneath a vast and mysterious tower with only his close friend Rachel to keep him company. When Rachel enters the tower, Bam manages to open the door into it as well and faces challenges at each floor of this tower as he tries to find his closest companion. So basically, it was like... I did I, at first I was thinking like, did the girl die? No, she goes into this fucking tower. He goes in there. His whole reason for going into this tower is to find his friend Rachel. And each floor of this tower, there's like a different challenge that they've got to uh, overcome. And um, the first challenge was basically he had to uh, defeat the dragon. So there's this egg and he had to crack the egg while it's being guarded by this dragon. He's got no powers uh, he's helped out a little bit and he's able to, you know, crack this egg and then move on to the next level. And this is where the show gets really off the fucking rails crazy and awesome. The next challenge, there's like 400 combatants that are in the tower and they're dropped off in this field and half of them need to be, uh, killed before the challenge is over and they can move on. So it's kind of like, it felt very much like a Hunger Games slash Battle Royale type of thing going on. So you'll have like one character that's like focused on killing another character. So you got a guy with a bow and he's getting ready to shoot somebody with the arrow and he does, kills them. And then behind him, he's got somebody who grabs his head and crushes his head. And then another person comes in and kills that fucking guy. It's crazy. Just people are just dropping off and die. and it's super gory, super bloody, super fun. And found out, uh, got to watch the first episode. Found out that they've been doing this manga for ten years, so there's plenty of uh, of stories that they can pull from because they've been doing this for such a long time. I loved it. I'm gonna Tupperware it. This is one that you've got to watch. You got to get Crunchyroll. If you don't have Crunchyroll, you can get the Verve app, and then Verve. You can get Crunchyroll on that, and you get a bunch of other shit on fucking Verve, too. But uh, I Tupperware the fuck out of that one. The next one I saw was the next day, and it was called The Eighth Son. Are you kidding me? And it's um, <laughs> it's uh, it's a comedy, um, comedy mixed with fantasy. And uh, after a long day at work, 25-year-old man Shingo Ichinomiya slept on his bed, but woke up as a six-year-old boy called Wendelin Baumeister, who is from a poor royal family. So yeah, this this guy, it's like, you see this guy, 25-year-old guy, and uh, he just works like a regular job. He's like a, an accountant or something. I don't remember. But he like fucking goes to sleep, wakes up, and he's a six-year-old boy, five, six-year-old boy, and he's part of this noble family. Um, he's the eighth son of a poor noble family. 
He's blessed with a very rare talent, the talent of magic, though. Uh, later, he was tasked to find food from the nearby forest by his father, but Wendelin found a forest spirit named Alfred who wanted to teach him magic, as this was his last wish before he died. Years later, Wendelin attended an adventure school and was invited by a royal noble that knew about Wendelin becoming a magician, which Wendelin's skills were similar to Alfred he met years ago and soon making his name known throughout the kingdom. Got to see the first two episodes of this one. It was very, very funny. I I, I really liked this one. I thought it was pretty damn funny. Um, You've got, uh, you find out like he's from a noble family. It starts off with like this big, you know, extravagant party that they're having. Once the party's over, uh, it's kind of like a wedding reception. Once the party's over, they start to, it's the, the, the whole facade, like starts to, he starts to realize that they're poor. Like they basically put all their money into the, this one party. And, um, he realizes that he's like eighth on the list as far as being like, you know, um, you know, the, the leader of the family, the one that inherits everything. And, um, it's really funny when like each of the brothers shows up. So like at one moment he thinks he's like the third and then like another brother comes in from hunting and he's like, Oh, okay. I'm the fourth. (laughs) And then all of a sudden another brother comes in and he was out, you know, fishing or something, beating a fish over the head or something. I don't know. And he finds out he's the yellow raincoat. Yeah. He's yellow raincoat. He finds out he's the fifth. And then it just, then finally it comes down to like, he's the eighth one. And it's really, really funny. So I'm going to give this one a Tupperware as well. Both of these are shows that I'm going to be watching on Crunchyroll week to week. Uh, if you love anime, check them both out. The first one is actually my favorite, the Tower uh, Tower of God. I think that was my favorite. But definitely check out The Eighth Son. Are you kidding me? That is really funny as well. Um, moving on, I did watch the first two and a half episodes of I Am Not Okay With This on Netflix. Now, Melissa, I know you finished the series. Mm-hmm. Seven episodes, correct? Yes, and I thought there were eight. So... Anyone who's listening that's finished it, when the seventh episode ended, I was like, all right, for sure. One more episode. Let's see what's happening. And then I was like, oh, fuck. No more episodes. Like, how? So they leave you on a cliffhanger then? Um, Like, cliff- not cliffhanger as much as, like, something significant. And then there is set up for the second season. Okay. All right. Hopefully. It reminds me a lot of Impulse on YouTube. Oh, Yeah. Which made me think of that show and how I thought there was a season two, which has apparently been out for four months. It has. It's been out for four months. I haven't even started it, and I fucking I, <laughs> I no, didn't I didn't know about it. I loved the first season. Me too. Yeah. I, well, see, I'm subscribed to the Impulse subreddit on Reddit, so I get well, the updates, but like, mm-hmm. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't gone and watched it. I am not okay with this. Is uh, a coming of age comedy drama web television series based on the comic book of the same name by Charles Forsman. Uh, synopsis: Angsty Sid navigates high school awkwardness, family drama, and an unrequited crush on her best friend while trying to uh, trying to rein in her budding superpowers. So. Yeah, I mean, we can make comparisons to Impulse. We can also make comparisons to X-Men uh, mm-hmm. on this one. It's, you know, you've got a, a girl whose um, uh, father had, had, had commit suicide. Uh, was it six months or a year before that? He had commit suicide, hung himself in the family basement. And yeah, it was not long enough ago for her to have dealt with it in, like, any tangible way. Yeah. This one stars uh, Sophia Lillis. uh she plays Sydney Novak. 
she's the girl who's coming into these powers. And she's from uh, It. She was Bev in It. Uh, she was also Gretel in the new uh, Gretel and Hansel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Young Amy, Amy Adams in Sharp Objects. Ex- yep, exactly. Yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff. And, and I, I, you know what? I was surprised. I was thinking like when I saw, you know, the, like the uh, ads for this popping up on Netflix and stuff, I was like, oh, this is going to be PG-13. This is our, this is our rated. Like they're dropping mm-hmm. F bombs and everything. And, and, uh, there's teen sex involved and things like that. So this is pretty adult. Um, they do drugs. They do drugs. <laughs> I, um, I'm two and a half episodes in and I'm, I'm really digging this one. I, I, I um, she's, she's, there, there's moments where she can't control her anger. Uh, she's upset about maybe like you know, how things are going at home. She's maybe upset about, you know, feelings, uh, unresolved feelings that she had about her father's death. She'll get angry and things will happen. Uh, a lot of it's kind of like telekinetic shit. She can move objects, but she also at one point threw an object at a sign and the sign goes flying. So she's got so far, it's like telekinetic powers. And then, um, she's also, dude, come on. I'm trying to do a fucking show here. Um, <laughs> it's like, it sounds like a squeak toy, but that's my sister. It does. It's a, it's, a, it's my sister's teacup Yorkie. <laughs> and yeah so god i'm the one making the noise on this episode it's so fucking embarrassing i'm the one this time it's me this dude time. i'm like Stuart little this episode no though. shit dude <laughs> it's like it's me this time i'm the one i'm that one that's got the noisy shit going on jesus christ <laughs> i wish i had superpowers it'd be a fucking i'd fucking blow a hole in this wall right now all right <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so it looks like she's got telekinetic powers and then, like, superhuman strength or something. But she's trying she, to, like... She like, doesn't seem to have, like, much control over what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah, I want to know your thoughts. What are your thoughts? You finished it, so, like, what are your... Yeah. Definitely um, sounds like you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, de- definite, definite Tupperware. I really, really like it. Um, Sophia Lewis is so good. Like, there's voiceover in this show, which... I think can be like really hit or miss, but it's surprisingly very, very funny. And I think feels very authentic for like a teen going through the things that she's going through. And what I love the most is like the stakes aren't very high. Like in impulse, we see like what happens to her and why these powers kind of happen. And like, yeah, this girl is dealing with the death of her father, but like, we haven't seen that. So like the plot that we're seeing is just, the stakes are just normal high school shit. But when you're in high school, that stuff feels so big. So like you're talking about like, she has a crush on someone. So at one point like that all comes to a head and like, yeah, in three years you're going to be like, man, remember like, how blown out of proportion that was but um it doesn't feel that way at the moment and when you can like cause explosions obviously there's a lot of um like opportunity for comedy and for good drama because these things are like really important to you when they're happening and then on top of it you're like oops i made a big scene with these magic powers I have. <laughs> so yeah. then people are like catching on to it and be like, what's up with you girl? And so, well, she's got, yeah, a, really she's got it. a crush on, is it Dinah, her friend? Yeah. Dina, Dina, mm-hmm. Dina. She's got a crush on Dina and Dina is dating kind of like the high school quarterback. Jock. His name is Brad. 
And that tells you everything you need to know about this character. Yeah, d- date rapey Brad. I don't know. I'm, 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 Brad. I'm just guessing. But like, well, like he's introduced you. You he's introduced in the show before you know that he's dating her friend, and he's being he makes like a fucking like blowjob joke to his teacher yeah. in class, and you're like, all right, fucking Brad, I see exactly who you are. You fucking douchebag. Brad's a douchebag. Douchebag Brad and. Here's the thing, like they're sitting at a table, she's got a crush on Dina, and he's there with Dina, and they're giggling, and he's got his arm around Dina, and and I mean, like, it's really making her upset and uncomfortable, and she just wants him to go away, just go away, and she's looking at him, and all of a sudden, she basically, with her telekinetic powers, forces a nosebleed on Brad, and so I was like, okay, this show could get really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, with stuff like that, because uh, it, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit about um, uh, Chronicle. If you've ever seen Chronicle, the Josh Trank movie, I haven't. Oh, watch Chronicle. That's a great movie. Like, I know there's a lot of shit about Josh Trank after Fantastic Four, but Chronicle's a great fucking movie. Um, uh, what's his uh, Dehane, uh Dane Dehane. What's his name? Insane and the Mem Dane. What's his fucking name? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. <laughs> he, he was uh, he, he, like, yeah, fuck it, the Dehane kid. He's in it. Chronicles a good fucking movie. It's one of those. Uh, it's one of those. Uh, you know, uh, for not camera. Those camera movies like the Blair Witch and shit. Uh huh. Yeah, found yeah, footage. Field and shit. Yeah, found footage film. It's a found footage film, but it's uh, deals with like superheroes, like these kids. They come, they come in contact with like this alien rock that's, you know, emitting this energy and it gives all of them powers. And then they start getting telekinetic powers and then they have to, you know, like they're going to school and they're doing all the stuff and they got the powers and the things happen. Watch it. It's good. It's called Cratical. Um, I was digging, I'm so digging this one. And so far, uh, two and a half episodes in, like the question to me is like, when is she going to tell somebody about her powers is she going to tell her friend dina or and and don't spoil this for me and i I know you won't but is she going to tell it to dina is she going to tell it to her younger brother liam uh who is obsessed with superheroes is she is the first person she's going to tell this guy that she's kind of like on and off again seeing i don't they're friends but they had kind of like a romantic connection uh this this kid stanley barber (sighs) Who I love. He's the best. I love, I love that kid. <laughs> he reminds me a little bit of like, uh, Ducky from like the, the John Hughes movie. Was it, uh, John Cryer played Ducky in a John Hughes movie. But, uh, I, I think, I love the kid. I think he's great. I, he's just so interesting and unique. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm digging the show so far. It's definitely one I'm gonna have to keep on and finish. Winkler, you should start this one. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's on my list, man. I got a couple shows to watch, but that's definitely on the top tier. The first episode's like 19 minutes long. Second episode's maybe 20-some minutes long. I mean, th- these are short episodes, too. And they pack Yeah, a- I watched this thing in one sitting. Oh, yeah, they pack a lot into these Accidentally. episodes. Accidentally. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of sat down and just got lost in it. And then next thing you know, you're like, I'm done. Wow, holy shit. And there's no eighth episode. No, no eighth episode. I was like, all right, two more episodes. We're going to finish it. That's fine. And then it was over in 20 minutes. So what are you going to rate this? Tupperware. So far, I'm going to give it a Tupperware as well. It's definitely got my interest. And uh, I, I don't know. I hope the rest of the 
hope the rest of the season's as good as what I've seen. But I, I was expecting to come into this and it have like a PG-13 kind of feel, but it's definitely R-rated. It's pretty fucking cool. I'm digging it based on a comic book that I've never read nor have I heard of. Uh, I didn't realize it was based on a comic book. Um, it's the same director as End of the Fucking World. Oh, God. Oh, God, I love that fucking show. Uh-huh. I think I like I'm Not Okay With This more than that. But just because I think that the like the characters are maybe a little bit more relatable. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, oh, totally. But, like, yeah. both are extremely good. Did you know that this past week I got ki- we got kicked off iTunes? What? Yeah, uh, I'm back on now. But I failed an iTunes review over a couple things, and that was one of them. Uh, the end of the fucking world. Because it ha- it went uh, it was in a show title of ours, and it uh, it goes against like iTunes iTunes Apple Podcast law or something. You can't you can't add asterisks in your titles or something. You're like, oh, oh wow. man, I'm trying not to curse in your fucking thing. Exactly. And now well, you kick me off. It has asterisks in the poster. I know. I just basically put in the t- in the title. There are a couple things. They knocked this off. And, like, I had set up the podcast seven fucking years ago, and they're telling me, like, oh, you can't do this. And so I was like, okay, I changed that. And they're like, oh, and on top of that, episode 215, where you talked about end of the fucking world, you have asterisks in your title. You got to take care of that. So I had, it's like, God damn. That's somebody's job. It's ridiculous. It was, yes. Shows and do this. It it said, it said, it said I had failed the, I had failed the iTunes review. And so they kicked us off of iTunes. Everybody that was subscribed to our podcast still had access to it. But like nobody else would be able to find us unless I took care of all these things. And so for a, and this happens like literally before I go to C2E2. So as I'm at C2E2, I'm also trying to fix problems with the podcast and I'm sending emails to Apple and stuff. And it was just ridiculous. And I literally just got this fixed yesterday. So it took a fucking week. Apple is so hard to deal with when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, God forbid you have to go through this with your podcast because it's a bitch. Mm. Anyway. No asterisks. I'll remember that. No asterisks in your titles. And, yeah, ridiculous. Um, I did see The Way Back. Did uh, Winkler, did you see this one? Yeah, yep. Saw it last night. Let's talk about this. The Way Back, also known as Finding the Way Back in some markets, I found that out, is a basketball drama directed by Gavin O'Connor and written by Brad Inglesby. Gavin O'Connor directed uh, Miracle, Warrior, and The Accountant. Warrior is one of my favorite sports movies ever. I don't know if either of you have seen Warrior. It stars Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, two brothers that are like basically kind of like MMA fighters. Mm. It is. Nah, have you damn. seen it? No, that's great. I haven't great, seen though. it. You have? I have not. You guys have to watch Warrior. It is. Nick Nolte was nominated for Best Supporting Actor um, that year. Warrior is tremendous. It is tremendous. Like I couldn't find it streaming anywhere when I wanted to watch it, so I just bought. I bought the Blu-ray. Then I had my dad watched it. Um, I had my dad watch it. He loved it. Like everyone that I've talked to that's ever watched Warrior absolutely loves it. It is, it is a, a tremendous movie and it's got a lot of heart. 
it deals with family. It is uh, Gavin O'Connor is the kind of guy that you want doing your sports movies. You know, he did Miracle, of course, which is another sports movie. This guy is fantastic. But this movie stars Ben Affleck, Al Madrigal, uh, Michaela Watkins. Love Michaela Watkins. Janina Gavin Carr. Um, love all these actors. Act- it's about a former basketball player who turns down a scholarship to the perennial powerhouse college basketball program, the University of Kansas. Now, an adult struggling with alcoholism is offered a coaching job at his alma mater. Uh, as the as the team starts to win, he may have a reason to confront his old demons. Um, Winkler, I'm going to talk to you, dude. I mean, you saw this yesterday. I, I myself watched this yesterday. This was, for the past few months, I haven't been like broadcasting this. But to myself, it's been one of like my most anticipated movies of the year. I'm a huge basketball fan. Um, and, uh, I was just like, this is just kind of like the perfect movie for Ben Affleck right now. Kind of reminded me of like, uh, if you, if you've ever seen Hoosiers, Hoosiers, you got Gene Hackman as the, as the head coach and Dennis mm-hmm. Hopper plays the alcoholic assistant coach. That's struggling with alcohol, alcoholism. His son's on the team. And this was just kind of like, for me, it was like basically you're taking Gene Hackman with all of his basketball knowledge and you're taking like the, oh, Dennis Hopper's character had a ton of basketball knowledge, but you're basically mold, turning those characters into the same person. You, you've got the head coach who's dealing with alcoholism. And, uh, I felt like this was kind of like, I've been more excited about Ben Affleck's directorial stuff than I have been about his acting, you know, in front of the camera stuff. But this was one of those movies that I was like so looking forward to because I love basketball and all the trailers looked really, really good. What'd you think, Winkler? Yeah, I'm on the same page as you, Brian, to be honest with you. I, when I saw the trailer, I saw Ben Affleck was doing a sports movie. I'm all about it. Um, and especially, like you said, you know, Ben Affleck, he's been going through some shit lately in his life. And uh, for him to make his return to the big screen on a movie like this, man, I was just super pumped up about it. And uh, it didn't let me down, man. Like, I had, honestly, the best time watching it. I am right there with you. I, I, I'm I, telling you, like, I love – I. I love basketball movies. Hoosiers is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Coach Carter. Um, uh, my favorite documentary of all time is Hoop Dreams. If you've never seen Hoop Dreams, watch it. Seek it out. Both Rod, uh, both uh, uh, Siskel and Ebert gave it thumbs up back in the day. It came out in '94. It's about uh, you know two kids uh, in the inner city, and it's about their. Uh, uh, them chasing their NBA dream. And they follow these kids throughout their high school years, all four years of high school, and see, like, you know, uh, if they're going to make it to the NBA. And um, I highly recommend Hoop Dreams. But I, 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 lo- I love basketball movies. And we don't see a lot of sports movies come out these days. And one of the reasons I think we don't see, especially baseball. Um, and, I, man, I miss Ooh. I miss baseball and football movies. I love baseball and football movies. You know, The Natural, fucking great fucking movie. Feel the Dreams, great fucking movie. I love sports movies. You don't see a lot of sports movies come out anymore because they don't do well internationally. Basketball yeah, and movies. also oh, – go, No, go ahead, dude. Uh, also, I just think that like with sports movies, there's that cliche kind of vibe that goes with each one. And because so many have been made, and I think a lot of people maybe – a lot of – 
like production companies turn them down or people don't want to take the risk to maybe make the movies because, you know, like, the, like you said, you know, a lot of them don't do well in the box office because a lot of people think like, oh, you know, I've seen that story before. Yeah. And, um, it's unfortunate, man, because like, for instance, with the way back, um, is it like cool if I get rolling on it or go for it? Know? All right. Because in this instance, like this was not a cliche movie. Like this was to me a one of a kind sports movie. Um, in my opinion, this is one of Ben Affleck's best performances, mm-hmm. like of his career. And I was honestly so pleased that he was able to put on a clinic for everybody because I was particularly impressed seeing like a large part of this movie had to do with alcohol abuse and alcoholism. And he just so recently like dealt with that. Mm-hmm. So like for him to take on a role like this, obviously he felt a little comfortable seeing as uh same director as the accountant. So he's like worked with him before, but um, I just think it was incredibly brave of Affleck to like take this on and just fucking nail it, man. Like just nailed it, man. There's a scene in this and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about when I start to talk about this. There's a scene in this where he's offered the job as head coach. He's offered the job and he's basically telling the guy that he's not going to do it, but he'll, but the guy insists that he gives him until the morning to think about it and then to call him back in the morning. And there's a scene where Ben Affleck is at home in his fucking apartment. He's dealing with some stuff in his own life. There's been some, there's been some really terrible things that have happened to him. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there is a, there's, there's many reasons that, that going back to his past and then also, um, in, in, in kind of like, um, uh, his present, uh, within the past few years, there's been some things that have happened to him as well. He's lost, he's lost a lot. There's, there's relationships that have, uh, that have crumbled, uh, very important relationships. And, um, but, uh, th- there's a scene, so he, he gets back to his apartment and opens up the, opens up the fridge and, and, and you see this routine that he's got, mm-hmm. this routine. He's got like, he's got like all these beers, these cans of beers in the fridge. He'll put one in the freezer and then pull one out of the freezer that's gotten really cold, ice cold, and he'll pop it open. And he'll start drinking, but he's rehearsing this phone call that he's going to have with the 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 guy who asked him to be the head of the basketball program he's rehearsing this phone call like oh no i can't do it i can't be a part of this it's just a bad time i got a lot going on and then they'll cut back to the refrigerator where he'll pull out another beer from the freezer and put another one in the freezer and this goes on and on and on this is happening all night like we're seeing like and we're seeing like he's just downing beers he's getting drunk he's he's downing these beers but at the same time i'm thinking to myself like if it was so easy for him not to take this job, he wouldn't be rehearsing this. If he didn't want to take it, he wouldn't be he's it's on his mind. He can't stop thinking about it. He's put basketball out of his mind for like 25 plus years now. But like now right. he's got a chance to make things right and um and not fuck it up. But he can't stop thinking about it. He can't stop thinking about it. If it didn't mean if it was so easy to just turn this job down, he would just go to bed, wake up the next day and make that phone call. But he's rehearsing the phone call over and over and over again. And he's drinking. That's his way of coping with things. Um, That was a powerful scene for me. Just like the little things that they throw into this movie. Yeah, because that scene that uh, you just brought up, like the rehearsal scene. 
Um, another thing I noticed, that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie, um, because as he was, like, drinking more and they, like, mashed it up as he was, like, going to the fridge and back, going to the fridge and back, every time he was on the phone, he was, like, a little more, like, standoffish about it. Yeah. Like, he started off, like, oh, thanks for the offer. You know, I'm not going to get, like, too into it. But, sure. like, each time he was just, like, so he was trying to think of ways to not do it rather than just, like, embracing it and you know, taking the job. Like it, it was kind of sad to see, but it was a really great scene, man. There's, it was just well put together. There's one of them with the, one of the rehearsals where he was just like, no, I'm not going to take your fucking job. He like dropped an F bomb. I was just <laughs> yeah, like, like, your team <laughs> shit. Fuck you. <laughs> I was just like, holy shit. But I'm going to tell you something about Ben Affleck's acting in this one. And I have not been like the biggest, like, you know, cheerleader of his acting, um, in the past. Like I loved him in chasing Amy and I, and I, 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 I Dude, I think he did a great job in Gone Girl, but I don't mm-hmm. think he was the best part of Gone Girl. Um, I think, you know, the female lead in that movie was definitely, Rosamund you know, Pike. Yeah, Rosamund Pike was definitely like leaps and bounds better than him in that film. But in this, playing a high school basketball coach and the speeches that he had to give were so inspiring and so heartfelt. And the way that he was shaping these boys and the way that these boys believed in him when he taught them something and when they put it out there on the court and it came to fruition and they saw that this guy wasn't bullshit, it was a fucking beautiful thing. And the the passion in which he delivered these speeches, so inspiring. There was one time he's delivering a speech and I'm, you know, I, I gave a fist pump in the fucking theater because I was fucking moved. It some of the best acting I've ever seen out of Ben Affleck. This is an absolute Tupperware for me. I guess I'm a little bit biased because I love basketball movies and I love Gavin O'Connor. But like Ben Affleck was like the one thing I was like, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't worried about him in this movie, like from the trailers and everything, even though I've had kind of like a, a history with Ben Affleck movies, not always being like my favorite thing. I was not worried about, I felt like this was his, this was his chance to shine. And that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. (laughs) It seems like he has really turned like a corner into like very blunt honesty because he just did that interview where he talks about like, like his struggles with like alcoholism and everything. So it's like, if he's putting that in his acting, I can only assume like how good he is in this movie when it's about that, but also like how good he's going to be in the future when he has kind of like accepted all this shit and is like working through it instead of pretending everything is like all good. Well, I mean, he completely, go go ahead, dude. No, completely like a hundred percent. Melissa, I am, I'm on board with that statement 100%. Like, I feel like if he can do this on his, like, kind of, like, quote-unquote comeback movie and just, like, put it out there and just, like, let everybody see what the hell he can do and accept all the shit that he's been through, all the sh- all the shit talking that's going on, and just for him to just blow out this movie is just, it's the way he needed to come back, and he fucking knocked it out of the park, and I'm on board with you. Tupperware all day. Yeah. Um, there were some like scenes later in the movie, um, that were just kind of just like hard to get through, uh, just because of just like the topics that were being talked about and mm-hmm. the situations that were going on. They were just really, uh, you know, just really touching scenes that were, uh, hard to get through without, you know, without giving them a nice little cry. I had a, a nice little cry in the theater. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will say one thing. Uh, this movie was an hour and 48 minutes. I could have done, I could, they could have 
added another 15 minutes to this movie and added more montages of the team practicing together, uh, learning, mm-hmm. going through basketball drills and stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that I loved watching, like when I watched Hoosiers or even like, uh, I don't know, this is an older movie. Not a lot of people have seen it, but it's called The Pistol and it's about Pistol Pete Maravich, uh, a real NBA player, um, that, uh, you know, it's about his childhood and him like, you know, going through drills and just being a naturally gifted basketball player. But I would have loved to seen like more kind of like I could you could give me fucking another two, give me two 10 minute montages of him just teaching these guys drills, teaching them the fundamentals, teaching them uh, playing basketball. And I would have just been uh, it would have just made this movie even better. Like a lot of times we're like we're bitching about movies being, you know, too long. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, you could have given me an extra 15 to 20 minutes on this one, added a few more things. Um, I, I, God damn it. I'm, I'm going to put this up there with, uh, I, I, it's hard to put it up there with Hoosiers. I've seen it once, but it, I'm going to put this up there, with, you know, with uh, some of the, some of the better sports movies that have come out within the, you know, I'm going to put this up there with like Coach Carter. Um, we are Marshall. For sure. We are Marshall, another great sports movie. Uh, I can't put it up there. I gotta watch it a few more times, to be quite honest with you. I can't put it up there with like The Natural. I can't put it up there with Field of Dreams. I can't put it up there with Remember Ro- the Titans. Remember the Titans. I can't put it up there with Rocky yet. But let me watch this a few more times. Let me appreciate that Ben Affleck performance for what it is and mm. it is beautiful and these speeches are inspiring and the passion is just amazing. Um, Tupperware the fuck out of this one. Tupperware the fuck out of this one. The way back. You got to go see this one in theaters. Support sports movies. Guys, you want sports movies? You ever want to see another fucking Varsity Blues in the theater? You got to fucking support sports movies. You got to let Hollywood know that you want sports movies. That it doesn't always matter about the international market. Um, you know, the international market's great. But if we're fucking basing everything off the international market, we're not going to get fucking baseball movies. We're not going to get baseball movies, guys. Fucking, uh, they don't give a fuck about baseball in other countries, except maybe like Japan. Japan loves baseball. But I, I don't know. It's just, I love sports movies. I don't watch every fucking sport. You know, I don't even, I don't watch fucking NASCAR, but I'll go watch fucking Ford versus Ferrari. You bet your fucking ass I'm going to watch Ford versus Ferrari. Anyway, I'm, I'm now, I'm, <laughs> I'm just angry. I just, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's wrong with me? I just get so passionate and angry about stupid shit. Anyway, let's take a quick break. I got a dog barking. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Good Pop, Bad Pop. Okay. Hey, we are back. Welcome back to the show. We're back. We're officially back. This is the thing we're doing. We're back. And, Melissa, I'm going to talk to you about what you have for Good Pop, Bad Pop. 
Cool. Um, yeah, so I have been trying to catch up on, and I'm not all the way there yet, but um, The Sinner on USA Season 3. So um, The Sinner is on USA, and Season 3 has the recurring detective character played by Bill Pullman. He was in the first and second seasons as well, because the concept here is basically an anthology where each season is this detective investigating a crime. Um, have either of you seen the first or second seasons of the show? I have not, but I will yes. tell you that Bill Pullman is my favorite president ever. Okay. If you're watching uh, Independence Day, just throwing it out there. <laughs> um, so, like, the kicker of this show, because there's, like, a lot of, like, crime investigation shows like this but what makes this one kind of special is that you see the crime and who committed the crime from the very first episode so the fun is then watching the investigation take place and then the reveals um, about the crime and about the characters involved obviously the crime and the characters are never what they seem on the surface so the season is kind of digging into that and seeing like why the person committed this crime and, you know, who the people were who, you know, lost their lives or committed a heinous crime, you know, et cetera. So, so it's one, first, is it one crime per season? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the first two seasons are on Netflix. So the first season is with Jessica Beale. Um, and she committed the crime. So then you get to watch like what made her snap basically. Um, but I skipped season two, but then after Birds of Prey, I was feeling like I really needed to be watching more Chris Messina, and he is starring in this season of The Sinner, so that's why I started watching it, and it really did not disappoint, because he's definitely acting like a weird psychopath in this show also, like, not in the exact same way as Birds of Prey, but it's still really great, and I've been loving it. Um, so Matt Bomber is also starring in the season. I mostly know him from, uh, Magic Mike, but he was also in Doom Patrol. I mean, yeah. not a lot, but he was there. <laughs> is, is, is it, is it Matt Bomber or Bomer? Ooh, I don't know. I, I know. Bomer. Or if it was Bomber, there'd be two M's. Yeah. I don't know. It could be Bomber. Hooked on Sonic. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. It's a mystery. I don't know either. I, I'm hoping uh, he'll join up. But he's really a, good in the show. <laughs> I, I just I like I hate it when I don't know how to pronounce somebody's name. It drives me nuts. Like when I Saoirse Ronan, she drove Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> that fucking name drove me nuts. If you go back and listen to old episodes, I'm calling her Saoirse. I'm calling her everything but Saoirse. I think Char- Charlize Theron was another one mm-hmm, for the longest time. One. For the long, Matt Bomer, Matt Bomer, go go ahead, talk about the center. I think it's Bomer. Anyway, yeah. So he's been really great in these first two episodes. So his name's Jamie, um, and he has like his life together. He's got a nice wife. They've got a great relationship. They have a baby on the way. Like she's super pregnant. And then Chris Messina's character, his name is Nick, and he's an old college friend. And they've lost touch, and you find out that, like, Jamie cut Nick off because Nick, like, wanted too much. But you don't know specifically, like, is it romantic? Is he just, like, a possessive person? Like, what is the nature of this relationship? But, like, you get the sense from the very first scene that they're in together that this is, like, a very intense relationship. 
And then in the first episode, like, I won't spoil who does the crime and, like, who dies, but one of the men lets the other die in a car accident instead of calling 911 for help. So you're like, why would it be better to essentially, like, cause the murder of your friend than have them survive this ex, you know, this accident? So the rest of the season will be watching, uh, the remaining character who didn't die in the accident deal with the aftermath of the accident and the death of their friend and like the character that's remaining is like very much losing it so you see him like hallucinating like can't keep his shit together like he's like slipping at work slipping at home and then you have the detective Bill Pullman on the case uncovering the nature of this relationship and like the lies that have already been told and I've only seen the first two episodes so far but I'm really really enjoying it that's awesome. Very so, twisty. so it's kind of like an anthology series, but it, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the same. It's just a different crime each season. So yeah, it's the not same like detective, and then the different different crime. So the cast of characters like rotates around uh, the detective played by Bill Pullman. Have you ever seen the Bill Pullman movie? Where uh, oh that's and it's on USA Network everybody. And you said the mm-hmm. first two seasons of, of The Center are available on Netflix to watch. Yeah, and the first season is really, really good, starring Jessica Biel, and I did not watch the second season. I assume there's good actors there, too, because that seems to be, like, what they're doing here, but I didn't watch it, so who knows? (laughs) Have you ever, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, it's a Bill Pullman movie. I'm looking up what it's called right now as I'm talking about it, but it's it's about, takes place on, like, an island or some shit, like Jamaica or some shit. It's based on a true story, and they find out about a uh, a guy. They're calling like this guy a zombie. Like a guy died, and then came back to life. And they're trying to figure out like how this fucking happened. It's like this. Um, oh God, I'm trying to look it up. I'm trying to look up this the name of this movie. Oh my God, I don't. It's it's fucking incredible. You guys got it's based on a true story. Where the fuck is this fucking movie? I'm looking for it. God, and I'm just, I'm wasting time. People, people are already unsubscribing. You're, un- you're unsubscribing right now. I feel terrible. I'm looking at <laughs> IMDb right now and I'm not finding anything that looks like an island movie. It's, it, it's like. He was on an episode of Law and Order SVU. Wow. I did not know that. What the fuck is this movie called? It's so good. It's so good. Is it? It's not Zero Effect. Oh, Zero Effect's really good. That's Ben Stiller and Bill Pullman. That's a wild movie. Definitely check out Zero Effect if you've never seen Zero Effect. Oh, fuck. What is it called? God damn it. This is driving me crazy. I'm going to have to look this up. Somebody out there knows exactly what movie I'm fucking talking about. It's like it, there's like a lot of voodoo involved. People are thinking like it's a, like a, like a voodoo thing. There's a lot of voodoo involved in this one. It's based on a true story. It's about, they call this guy, like this guy, like they fucking buried this guy and this guy came back to fucking life. Oh my God. What is this called? Did this come out in this come out in the fucking eighties? Did it come out in the eighties? Is it the serpent and the rainbow? The serpent and the rainbow. That's that panel that you went to, isn't it, Melissa? Yes. The rainbow one? Correct. <laughs> exactly right (laughs) (laughs) 
what the fuck? I can't find this movie. I feel terrible. Did I, hold on. Hold on. It has to be The Serpent in the Rainbow. Hold on. Serpent in well, the Rainbow. It have to be. Yes, hold on. Yes, and anthro- voodoo drugs. Yes. yes, it's this definitely. This. It's it's called the serpent in the rainbow. An anthropologist goes to Haiti after hearing rumors about a drug used by black magic practitioners to turn people into zombies. It's a good fucking movie. You got a Wes watch- Craven movie. Wes Craven. Jesus Christ! I watched this movie years ago. Didn't even realize it's a Wes Craven movie. You need to, yeah. If you if you're a Wes Craven fan and you gotta fucking you gotta check this off your fucking Wes Craven list. Watch The Serpent and the Rainbow. It's it's a really fucking good movie. It had me guessing the whole time. I was like, I I <laughs> I'm I'm stupid. Um, let's uh. So yeah, check out The Sinner with Bill Pullman. Did you guys watch Devs? Did you get get a chance to see Devs? I watched the first episode. Yep, I watched it. Did you watch the two episodes or one? Yeah, I watched both. I watched both episodes as well. This is one I've really been looking forward to. Uh, I actually went to the Devs panel at C2E2. Uh, Alex Garland came out, and it was fucking amazing. Uh, Alex Garland comes out, and it's like... I'm in this bubble where I think that everybody loves all of his movies, apparently. And for some reason, Alex Garland feels like people did not enjoy Annihilation. And it was... That is just foolish, because that movie fucking rules. It fucking rocked. (laughs) What's crazy... Check this out. So, like, Annihilation gets brought up by the moderator, and he reacts to where, like, he feels like he's not on social media at all. So you're not going to be able to find him on Instagram. You're not going to be able to find him on Twitter. But the way he reacted was like, you know, that people didn't like Annihilation. And like, this was news to me. Like, I'm I'm in this fucking like Alex Garland bubble where I think like everybody fucking loves his movies. And apparently he's thinking like this movie is not like people don't perceive it as good. But I'm in a room. With Alex Garland fans. And so, like, of course, like, we're there to fucking back him up on Annihilation. And it was just, it was awesome to see so many people get up and during the Q&A and tell them, tell him that they really enjoyed Annihilation. And we, we cheered the movie and, and that was very cool. So this is one of those series that I've really been looking forward to mm-hmm. over the past, you know, six months or so since I've heard about devs. And what blew me away was that this is an FX on Hulu exclusive. It's not on the FX Now app. So if you, if you go to FX Now, you're not going to be able to watch this on the FX Now app. It's so this is like complete evolution in like the streaming wars, right? It 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 totally is. And here's the thing: it's like FX is owned by Disney now, who owns Fox, and uh, yep, yeah. So like. Who owns Hulu. <laughs> Who owns Hulu. And so, like, this is an FX on Hulu exclusive. So you have to have Hulu in order to be able to watch devs. And devs, it's uh, it stands for developers. Um, they've premiered the first two episodes. At the panel, I was, like, super... It was kind of like, it was kind of like, okay, they could premiere the first episode here, but then that gives us less time for us to like listen to Alex Garland. So I was happy with what they did. They actually showed some exclusive clips that nobody had ever seen before from the show. And there's one clip that is going to be in a future episode, which I will describe here in a fucking moment. 
but I want to talk about these first two episodes with you guys. Devs is centered on Lily Chan, a computer engineer investigating a quantum computing company called Amaya, run by Forrest. Uh, Forrest is played by Nick Offerman. Uh, she believes this company is responsible for the disappearance of her boyfriend. It's written and directed by Alex Garland of Ex Machina and Annihilation. Um, it stars Sonoya Mizuno as Lily, Nick Offerman as Forrest, Jen Haas, Jamie, uh, Zach Grenier as uh, Kenton, uh, the head of security at Amaya, um, Carl Glussman as Sergey. Uh, the... This is one of those where, like, I had seen, like, trailers and some pictures and things like that. And then when I saw the exclusive clips, I was just like, this is so Alex Garland. And what I've noticed about Alex Garland stuff is, like, he – and I, I'm not trying to put him – I'm not trying to pigeonhole, like, his art. But, like, in Ex Machina, it's about a guy who goes to – this remote place where they're doing some advanced artificial intelligence. And so, mm-hmm. and then in Annihilation, it's about Natalie Portman's character who goes to this remote place where like this crazy thing is happening and she's got to enter like this, you know, uh, this, um, like this world where, well, uh, this place on earth where like aliens are terraforming earth and in this, you're entering, you've got kind of like um, a, a genius, uh, a guy who owns this tech company, and you're entering a place where they're doing some crazy shit with uh, artificial intelligence, free will, and coding. Things that we, and they're trying to like predict. It seems like they're trying to, tell me if I'm wrong here, it seems like they're trying to predict the future, future outcomes and things like that with the technology that they're using. Yeah. After like the first episode, my, I think prevailing, cause there's, there's like a, a lot going on, but my prevailing theory is that they've like hacked like the, like the matrix kind of to where that they can, um, predict what people are going to do and like going one step forward, like maybe control what people are going to do based on like understanding decision making at that level. Yeah. And during the panel, like they were talking about how a lot of this stuff deals with free will. And mm-hmm. so I know, and they've even mentioned free will in this show. And so like, where is this going to go? The, oh, uh, this also stars Alison Pill. Like, Alison Pill, I'm a big fan of hers. I love her in Picard. I loved her in Goon, of course. Uh, she's been in some other things that I've really enjoyed her in. So I love Alison Pill. And Alex Garland had so many nice things to say about Alison Pill in this. That's so cool. In this first episode, um, you've got a company called Amaya. And uh, I guess what... <laughs> the, I guess Amaya is it like the, I guess like their mascot is that little girl and like, right? Yeah, that shit is real weird. Yeah, like there's yeah, this, I'm still trying to like figure it out. I think we just need to like understand like that's their mascot. Like that's what they came out with was like this little girl is, is Amaya. And so like they have like this outside of the company itself, like there's this giant statue of this little girl, Amaya. And I was like, is she blowing like one of those? Wow. What are those like called? Dandelion. Dandelion where like, yeah. 
dandelion seeds or something. It's really, it's, it's a, it's a bizarre visual. But anyway, um, they both work for Forrest, the CEO of Amaya, um, this boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, Sergi and, um, what's her name? Uh, Lily. And Sergi goes into, a private conference with Forrest and Allison Pill's character of Katie. And he talks about how they have this program that can, um, predict, uh, what a single cell organism is going to do for 30 seconds. They know what they can predict its movements for 30 seconds. And then mm-hmm. after 30 seconds, they can't, but this kind of like he's in Forrest played by Nick Offerman is impressed by this and says, I'm promoting you to devs. Devs is like this new experimental kind of like program that they have going on. It's in this building that's very protective. Um, and he like loses his shit when he sees it and like panics and freaks out and like vomits. And you, they like kind of talk about that machine, but not enough. So you're still like, what the fuck did mm-hmm. he? Right. Like he's like taking in too much for like he can't like understand like what he's taking in. And he just like fucking loses it. So then when you're watching, you're just like, all right, what, like, all right, like you get what's going on, but there are like little nuances where you're kind of just like thinking about what really is the computer system, what's the coding, like, so, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 there's a lot going on with this show. So basically it's like his first day at this job and Nick Offerman's character tells him, you know, like, just sit at this computer and read code and you'll do great. And he's still kind of confused as to like what his job is. Uh, come to find out, like um, he, like you said, he pukes and then he tries to leave the facility. They meet him out in the forest in the woods, and uh, he is. Yeah, I'm going to give a little bit of spoilers here for the first episode because I want people to watch this. It's Alex Garland. If you don't have a Hulu subscription, I hope this sells you on it because I fucking love Alex Garland. But anyway, um, he's out in the woods. Forrest, he's met by Forrest. They have a discussion. Forrest accuses him of stealing his code and then putting it on his watch. And he's accusing him of, and we, that's nothing that we saw. We did not see that happen. We saw him fiddling with his watch, but we did not see him downloading any code yeah, into and his watch. When he was like fucking with his watch, I was like, okay, so are you marking time now? Because you think that this machine is like, fucking with time right like i thought that that was maybe like an option well it's definitely we're definitely dealing with like quantum science here so it definitely could be time yeah yeah but out in the woods he then uh it's uh the security guy meets him as he tries to run away uh uh, played by uh zach grenier uh kenton the head of security tackles him, puts him to the ground, puts a plastic bag over his head and kills him. So now he's dead. His girlfriend. Is he though? <laughs> like, I think he is. I think he's dead. I think, I think, he's I think dead. he is too, but like, then what is, well, th- definitely these other things. <laughs> yeah. He's like a fucking mind. Fuck, man. Well, throughout the episode. Okay. So now they've got to convince like they, his girlfriend, Lily. See, he Sergey. The guy that they killed, they believe that he's working with the Russian government and feeding them the code and secrets and things like that. And we find out that there's like this secret app on his phone, Sudoku, 
app that he's been using to communicate with someone in Russia. And so there's that, that there's that. But then uh Lily is trying to figure out what the fuck happened to her boyfriend. So now Nick Offerman's character is showing her video surveillance camera of him walking off the site. Later on, they show her video of him walking back on to the premises, pouring gasoline on himself and setting himself on fire like it's a suicide. And so it looks really weird. I think it's all stuff that they've done with like computer graphics. You know, it doesn't Mm – It's So it's a deep fake? Total deep fake. Like they're faking like this guy's death because we saw this guy get fucking killed by Kenton. Yeah, I don't know it's got to do with that coding, man. Like they had to have like done something with the coding, either to like you said, get like a hologram of him, or to get like a you know, well, like a copy of him because there's right. an actual physical body there. Yeah. So it's um, but yeah, it's just like trying to figure out all this stuff. It's just really, it's really cool, man. Like taking it all in and just trying to like decipher this shit. It's it's getting pretty cool. There's a ton of questions that need to be answered because we don't know a lot about this. We don't know exactly like what they're doing, what this code uh, involves. Um, we're trying to figure like uh, Lily is trying to figure out what happened to her boyfriend. And the deeper she goes into this, the deeper she gets involved with this and the more enemies that she's going to find herself against. And, and so like, and allies are very few and, and some out, some allies might get killed. Who knows? Like this, this show is absolutely insane. All I do know is I saw an exclusive clip that they haven't shown yet in an episode where she is being driven. And this is spoilers. I guess, I guess it's spoilers for as much as like they showed us during the panel, but they showed us a clip of Lily in a car with Kenton. So this has to be at least episode three or four or somewhere down the line. She's in a car with Kenton, the head of security, the same guy that fucking killed her boyfriend and he's driving her somewhere and it gets really uncomfortable. And she says, let me out of the car and he will not unlock the car. Yeah. And so basically it feels like he's driving her somewhere to fucking kill her. And so what does she do? She grabs the wheel and pulls him off Hell the yeah. fucking road and they <laughs> slam into a concrete median and she gets out of the car and she starts running away towards traffic. And so he's passed out in the fucking car and eventually regains consciousness and is on his way to try and find her. So this, this show is batshit fucking crazy. Um, yeah, if it sounds like we don't know what the fuck is going on, it's because we don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> yeah. Um it reminds me of like the way that I have finally finally realized that I have to watch Westworld, which is just like watch the episode, enjoy the episode and then if your brain feels 
like it's up for the task of like trying to contextualize what you just saw based on what you already know about the show. That's great. And if not, fine. Eventually it will maybe make sense. Oh my God. Westworld. I can't outrate for season three. Fucking Aaron Paul is going to be in season three. Are you fucking kidding me? I know. I yeah, that's so exciting down. news. Man. I'm just like so deeply in love with Evan Rachel Wood. And like, I'm just lucky that Westworld is as fucking good as it is because I would be watching anything that she was in. And so we're just blessed. Oh, well, <laughs> that shit. It's so good. We got fucking Tessa Thompson in that shit too. And mm-hmm. it, she's great in that oh, fucking She's show. a fucking gem, man. Oh, goddamn. Yeah, Westworld. Uh, but you got everybody, please, if you have a Hulu subscription, fucking, uh, now on Hulu, you can click the thumbs up. You can give them the like. And, uh, so definitely, uh, do it for me. <laughs> give the fucking devs. If you have Hulu, give it a thumbs up for me. Cause I want, I want, uh, I want more Alex Garland originals on Hulu. I, I think he's brilliant. But, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Tupperware these first two episodes just because this mystery has left me wanting more. So the first two episodes are available now. What are you guys gonna rate this one? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna follow suit and I'll Tupperware the first two as well, man. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's kooky. It's zany. Uh, but I feel like we're heading in the right direction with this one. Yeah, I'm going to give it a Tupperware as well, even though I've only seen um, the first episode. And I also want to specifically call out Sonoya. I got to look up her name. Sorry. Uh, Sonoya Mizuno, who plays Lily. Um, She was in Netflix's Maniac, and she was so fucking good there. And I'm so excited that she's in something that um, feels kind of of a piece with that, even though I'm sure it's dealing with, like, other thematic elements but i really really love her and like just after the first episode i'm like all right cool this is going to be definitely like a showcase for her oh my god that there's an episode one of the uh, in devs she's gotta she's gotta to find out what happened to sergey her boyfriend who's who, who was killed she has to talk to a guy who's kind of like a a brilliant hacker a, a brilliant you know uh computer tech whiz but the guy happens to be her last boyfriend and they were Mm -hmm. i mean he was really into her and she just basically up and dumped him and left him and now she and then she went with sergey kind of just like left him and 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 there was no closure there for him and so that was sincerely uh, from the bottom of my heart fuck you (laughs) yes yes what was great incredible scene but like it you know for as much as she hurt him, he he does. You guys got to watch this fucking show. Watch Devs, please. Watch Devs. Watch Devs. And, and you know what? Do yourself a favor and watch fucking Ex Machina next. That is just an. I remember watching Ex Machina at an AMC dine-in theater and just drinking margaritas and being blown the fuck away. Ex Machina is amazing. Oscar Isaac, Donald Gleason, incredible fucking movie. Watch it. Watch Alicia Vikander. This is before she was doing Tomb Raider, when she was doing good shit, making great decisions. But uh, fucking love Ex Machina. Watch that shit. Let's talk about Guns Akimbo. Okay. Holy fuck. Guns Akimbo. <laughs> uh, this is one I've really been looking forward to since I saw, like, the first, you know, teaser poster. And then I watched the trailer. In an alternate fu- uh, in an alternate near future, an underground fight club and a criminal organization known as Schism achieved massive popularity by live streaming real death matches between criminals and psychos. 
ordinary computer programmer Miles Lee Harris, who gets his kicks by trolling online trolls, logs into Schism's forum to insult viewers who turn murder into entertainment. Richter, the criminal kingpin and psychopath who runs Schism, breaks into Miles' apartment with his henchmen, Dane, Effie, and Fuckface. (laughs) 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 One of the henchmen's name is Fuckface. Uh, after, After being beaten and drugged, Miles wakes up to find guns bloodily bolted into both of his hands. So like Edward Scissorhands, Edward Scissorhands, Edward Gunhands, Edward Gunhands. <laughs> so we got fucking, we got fucking Harry Potter wakes up and he's got guns bolted into his hands. Miles learns that he has been forced to participate in schism by being pitted up against Nick's, the game's deadliest and craziest killer. So he wakes up. He's got these fucking guns bolted to his fucking hands. Can't get rid of them. Can't take a piss like a regular person because he's got guns for hands. Can't fucking like, feed himself. Don't shoot your dick off. He's yeah. Can't shoot. His, he's worried about shooting his dick off. He can't. He can't <laughs> feed himself because he's got guns for hands. And each of these guns have fifty uh, bullets. And so once those bullets are gone, uh, he, he's got nothing left. It's written and directed by Jason Lee Howden. He's the writer and director behind Deathgasm, which I have not seen yet, but you can, uh, I, am definitely going to be watching it. Uh, you can stream it on Amazon Prime, uh, if you want to. Anyway, Guns Akimbo stars Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Samara Weaving, uh, from Ready or Not, Natasha Lee Bordizo, Ned Dennehy, Grant Bowler, Edwin Wright, and Reese Darby. Who I will just say right out of the gate, Reese Darby was fucking hilarious in this movie. Fucking, is he the like southern he's, one? Now he's the he's the new, he's the homeless guy. He's right? the homeless. Oh, the homeless he bum. Was yeah, so good. The New Zealand uh, homeless bum. <laughs> um, I'm gonna start with one of you guys, My, Winkler. I'm gonna start with you, Mike Winkler. What did you think about Guns Akimbo? Oh man, I thought it was fucking awesome, dude. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Haven't seen him in much lately, um, but I'm glad he decided to do this. I think it was a, uh, it might have been a step outside the box, but lately his work, he's kind of already been stepping outside the box. So I think for him, this was just a good, fun movie, and especially to be able to do it with somebody like Samara Weaving, man. Like, I think those two worked so well together. Uh, I love the story. I love the the camera work, man. Like, there were just quick cuts full action nonstop there were pov shots drone shots like 360 spin shots like the movie was all over the place but in a very like good way like it wasn't like messy like it was messy in a good way so after talking shit to like those people and they show up at his house you're you know shit's gonna go down but uh (laughs) when he wakes up with like the gun bolt to his hands and uh, he starts to do everyday activities like we were talking about before, like going to the bathroom or <laughs> trying to eat food or like he can't eat food. He can't use his phone. He's unlocking his phone with his nose. Like it's so like obscure, fucking hilarious. Um, he can't put on and, his shoes. And so he puts on those like gigantic <laughs> tiger like slippers. He's like yes. trying his best and he's just like, fuck pants. I, it's not happening. He's running around in a fucking robe and these huge, like, yeah, bear slippers. 
fucking well, like, great. Everybody yeah. saw that photo of Daniel Radcliffe like two years ago. And it was like a meme where everyone's like, oh, Harry Potter really lost his shit. And it's like, all right, now I'm going to wait two more years to see this movie. And we finally saw it. And it was Guns Akimbo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- for me, it was like, I felt like it was like crank meets Scott Pilgrim meets I, John Wick. Dude, I have that written down it, right here. This is <laughs> demented Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim meets John Wick meets Crank meets it, it, it's it, it's just incredible. It, 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 I had a blast watching. It, it was just fun. Like it, it, yeah, there's there's stuff that you can kind of like nitpick. There's stuff you can definitely nitpick. But on the flip this side, is like not that movie. It's, this isn't. Yeah, it's so fun and original. Oh my god, it's so fun and original. I. I love the fact that like on the, you know, while all this stuff is going on, it's, it's being broadcast. It's being broadcast. People are watching this. People are, and, 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 uh, people are getting into, into Miles' story and like who Miles is. Like everybody thinks that Nyx is just going to kill him like right off the bat. Cause she's a fucking badass in this. Like Nyx has killed everybody that she's ever taken on before. This, this movie starts with a battle. We see a battle between Nyx and another guy and she like, you know, takes him out. And, uh, this story just keeps going on and on and on. And our two main characters, Nyx, and uh Miles end up, you know, getting to know each other over their kind of like uh, uh battles. I don't I don't want to give anything away, but um I just I had a fucking blast watching <laughs> this movie and um yeah, Melissa jump in. Definitely I want I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Um this movie was completely batshit. I was caught off guard immediately because you get American accent Daniel Radcliffe voiceover. And it, like, doesn't sound like him because I've heard him talk in an American accent before, but never, I guess, this much. So when it first started, I was like, oh, is Daniel Radcliffe, like, not actually the main character in this movie? And then you find out that it's, like, him doing this voiceover. And I'm like, okay, now we're really acting in this. I love it. Um the like I don't even really want to be like oh the complaint I have about this movie because this movie is so insane that it's like why complain about anything like they obviously made exactly the movie that they wanted to make and it is what it is like it's insane it's so fun to see Dan the Radcliffe do an acting exercise of this nature and like Samara Weaving Oh my god, like some of her dialogue was like a little bit eye rolly, but she was very, very committed to pulling all of it off. So that all worked for me. Like when they're having like a whole conversation about shooting people in the dick, I was losing my shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I honestly, I feel like there's a lot more story to be told with her character. I mean, uh-huh. I could actually. Yeah, they, they like shoehorn like some yeah. trauma in there for her. And yeah. there's like, I don't necessarily think that this, this particular movie needed like the interconnectivity of like her story and like the schism story, you know, um, like her dad, like not to do any, but like, yeah, I mean, I was kind of, I was really exhausted by this movie by the end, but just because it's like, it's so much 
like brutally violent action for so long which is fun to watch but at the end i was like i'm so tired like i'm only watching rom-coms for the next two days (laughs) what's crazy about this movie is like it it, it, it's it's okay i don't know how to say this it's it's hard to 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 verbalize this it's anti-toxic masculinity but on the flip side there's so much fucking masculinity in this movie because you got Daniel Radcliffe yeah. who's a, he's a, yeah. he's a, he's so anti-violence and he's he's a vegan for crying but out how loud. How anti-violent can you be when if you are an or, internet troll? Like trolling the internet trolls is not you're not like I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. Like, if your whole thing is like, oh, I'm going on the internet to like troll the internet trolls, like, you're not receiving zero points for that. Like, you're still a fucking internet troll. That's true. But I'm, it, like, it, you're still putting like violence and like hate into this world. But the point I'm trying to make is like, the movie tries to put it off like he's like anti toxic yeah, masculinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the flip side, he has. They bolt guns to his fucking hands. <laughs> I, this movie is like, I can't tell. I think that it is going for satire, but it goes so far into it that I honestly think that it just like is the thing that it was maybe trying to comment on. I th- it has a great villain too. I enjoyed the dude who played Richter. The the psycho who is running the the schism program. I think I like the look of him. I like the joke about how like his crew look like the final bosses of a Streets of Rage video game that cat, <laughs> that cracked me the fuck up. I grew up playing Streets of Rage on Sega. Winkler, what'd you think, dude? Dude, I think honestly, I think um, Samara Weaving was just like. I don't know. Like, I didn't know when it was filmed, I guess, Melissa. You said it was filmed, like, a while ago? I believe so, yeah. Because that would put her around, like, the babysitter time, I suppose. And then she did, like, Ready or Not. And, like, dude, everything she's been in, like, as of the last few years, I've just loved. And this is just, it was just awesome to see her like this. Like, she was this gritty, like, dirty teeth, hawking loogies, blowing lines of coke, and shooting fucking automatic shotguns at people. Like, it was just insane, man. But uh, Danny Radcliffe, dude, he's my homie, man. I didn't know how it was going to be, but he knocked it out of the park for what he had to do. Because uh, for a while, I was worried about, like, the the trajectory of, like, his career. Is he going to do the, these obscure movies like Elijah Wood's been doing and, like, kind of, like, fall off? But he's making his path, man, and I'm, I'm pleased with this one, man. Like, I definitely, for me at least, I'm going to give this... Shit, dude. I'm gonna, I'll give it a high taste. It. Yeah, I <laughs> I loved how Samara Weaving's fucking power up was drugs. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> she walked in when she first interacted with Daniel Radcliffe's character Miles with like a fucking rolled up hundred in her nose. Still, yeah. <laughs> uh, she calls someone a thrift store leather daddy in this movie. <laughs> like, oh my god! When she got her. 
Okay, check this out. She got her fucking middle finger and her ring finger shot off by another character, and she says, like, oh my god, Friday nights when I'm alone are gonna suck or something. Mm-hmm. Basically talking about she lost the fingers that she uses to flick her fucking bean when she's home alone. I lost my fucking shit. <laughs> Oh my god, I lost my shit. I thought that that was brilliant. Like, oh my god. And it was such a quick little fucking throwaway line that if you didn't, if you aren't paying attention and you're not a pervert, you might not have caught. So, I thought that that was really funny. I, I dug this movie quite a bit. There's really nothing like it. Um, I can't think of anything like this movie. I'll give it a Tupperware. I, cause I thoroughly enjoyed it and I will watch it again. We'll probably give this movie a taste it, but just because it's not like it's not my movie. Like this type of like violence isn't for me, so I probably won't watch it again. But like I will give like Daniel Radcliffe and Samara Weaving like their performances are Tupperwares for sure <laughs> all uh, day. And Reese Darby was fucking hilarious. When he Dude, f- there's a point where like Daniel Radcliffe's like all vegan and shit, like you were saying, yes. <laughs> and he couldn't eat himself and almost got feeding him like an eight month old hot dog. <laughs> that hot dog was on the ground next to a used condom <laughs> <laughs> for eight months. He's like, yeah, I've been trying to get rid of that for eight months. <laughs> You'll still be depressed because you fucked up. He's like, he's giving him like suicide advice. Oh my god! Like it is so dark, but like legitimately, if you're in the mood for that, it's hysterical. Yeah, like, so funny. So good. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. You can, uh, it's uh, in theaters, limited release, but uh, you can rent it. I rented it off of Fandango now, and I think it was like seven or eight bucks or something. But. Uh, Highly, highly recommend this one. Um, let's talk. Hey, Winkler, what do you got, dude? What do you got for your own good pop, bad pop? Oh, so um, it's a show that came out a little while ago. It's a 10-episode series on HBO. It is The Outsider, uh, based on Stephen King's novel by the same name. Dude, get uh, me back into this series, man. I'm fucking, I got into like the fourth, I, I'm in the, I'm on the fifth episode, excuse me. And I'm having a hard time getting through this one since Jason Bateman has not been in the series. Man, I loved those first two fucking episodes and I love Ben Mendelsohn. Now get me back dude. into this fucking show because I've, slowly been I had dude I'm not current I'm on the fifth episode and I'm telling you this last episode I've started it and stopped it three times get me back into this one right I got you well let me just uh preface it by saying I just watched the ninth episode on Tuesday I caught up with it and it's fucking mind-blowing like it's intense shit like it's some of it's some good fucking tv so um for me personally, I don't I don't really have shows on like network television that I watch once a week anymore now that Game of Thrones is done. Something to look forward to. And dude, every Sunday night I've been glued to the TV watching this. Uh like you said, it did start off as a kind of a crime drama and then some some stuff happened. We lost some main characters and then it kind of like hit a little bit of a hiccup 
where I was in the same boat as you. I was like, I don't know if I want to continue this. Is it worth it? I'm not really feeling this. And then it hits like this supernatural crime wave. And then it just goes full supernatural thriller after like season or after episode five. So it like picks back up and adds like a thriller twist to it. And it just starts taking off, dude. It goes zero to a hundred. So there are a few episodes to kind of like set up some stuff. But after that, the payoff is immediate and it's ongoing. So Ben Mendelsohn, man, he is the fucking goat. Like as the detective, he's the main detective and he is seriously the reason why I like stayed during those slower episodes. Cause I'm like, you know what? I love his character so much. Let's see what he has to offer. And, uh, he's been killing it. They bring in a, a, uh, kind of like a private investigator who kind of has a site for this, like yeah, think yeah. dead zone where they, if they like touch somebody, they can see the past. Uh, she knows all about the supernatural tells them about El Coco or like the boogeyman kind of deal. So it gets all supernatural and the thriller vibe is there, the crime vibe is there, and uh yeah, it marries up around episode five where you're at right now. So it does have a slow hiccup, but it picks right back up and just does not take the foot off the gas. All right. I need to get back on this one. I don't know. I would dude, those first two episodes I was in love with this series. I was in love with the series. But then again, it's like I I'm fucking I got fucking Jason Bateman, who I fucking love, who I have loved since fucking uh, Valerie, going back to that fucking show back in the 1980s. Neither one of you millennials have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about right now. I say Valerie. You're, you're, right. like, Valerie. you're like, what the fuck are you talking about, you son of a bitch? Valerie? I mean, it's fuck? a really good Amy Winehouse song, so. Oh, shit. Yeah, now, you're so millennial right now. Jesus <laughs> Christ. And I know Ozark's coming back in a couple weeks. <laughs> oh, fucking, oh, fucking Ozark. I love that month. show. Oh, oh my. shit. I ain't ready. The fu- oh god, G- I- Jason Bateman, I love you. Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. he's so good. He is so good. He- I don't think he's doing that Clue movie though. Remember that Clue movie he was going to fucking direct with uh, Ryan Reynolds? Oh, and- I mean, that's a that's a significant loss. See, it, well, you know, and I think the Clue movie they're talking about that again because of like the su- huge success of Knives Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knives Out too. Ryan Johnson, you're. Oh fucking treasure but uh, yeah i gotta get back on the outsider man i gotta get back on that but i think you're right i think it is like the loss of jason bateman that just kind of kills the fucking buzz like yeah and they could have done that a lot better i think yeah no i'll get back on it though i get because i love ben mendelson so i'll get back on it um we all saw a movie called the invisible man and uh, I know this came out last week, but uh, I did want to talk about this one. When Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her, uh, leaves, uh, leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by someone nobody can see. It's a contemporary adaptation of and reimagining of the novel of the same name by H.G. Wells and a reboot of the Invisible Man film series from the 1930s and 1950s. This one's directed by Lee Whannell. It's written by Lee Whannell. Lee Whannell is the writer and director of one of my favorite movies from 2018, Upgrade. Upgrade Mm -hmm. is fucking amazing, people. You can stream it on both HBO and Cinemax. So if you have one of those, 
You have no excuses as to why you haven't watched Upgrade. It is fucking amazing. It is sci-fi awesomeness. It's fucking awesome. I own it. Beautiful movie. Um, the film, it's a, it's a Blumhouse production, but uh, it was uh, an international co-production between the United States and Australia. So I think they were able to put a little bit more into the budget because of that. Um because of that reason. Stars Elizabeth Moss, Aldous Hodge. Aldous Hodge played fucking voodoo in Friday Night Lights. He was in, uh, was it Brian Banks? Uh, he's also in that new Showtime series with Kevin Bacon. Can't remember the fucking name oh, of it right now. He was in a movie I saw last year called Clemency uh-huh. that he's really, really good in. He's a fucking great actor. Marvel, when are you going to fucking get Aldous Hodge to play fucking Luke Cage or somebody in your fucking... Uh, he's, God, he's fucking incredible. Storm Reed, also in this one. She was in uh, that Ava DuVernay fucking movie with... Uh, oh, Wrinkle in Time? Wrinkle in Time. She's it? in Euphoria, too. She's in... Oh, God, yeah, she played the younger sister in Euphoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harriet Dyer, Michael Dorman, and uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen are also in this one. Uh, saw this one on Thursday night, and uh, I'm a big fan of Lee Winnell going into this, but I want to know what you guys thought about this one. I'll start off with you, Michael. Yeah, I mean, this one for me was <laughs> really damn good, dude. Like, off the charts, uh, Winnell movies, uh, Saw, firstly, I thought that was pretty damn good for what it was, man. And Upgrade was amazing. I love the Insidious movies, so I'm a big fan from the jump. Um, I did have my reservations going into it. Uh, seeing as Invisible Man is one of the older universal horror characters, and uh, we've seen what's happened with some of those. Uh, the Mummy, for instance. You know, so like... I like how they put a modern twist onto this here. Um, so with Invisible Man, for me, jumps off the bat and just sets that tone of tension. Uh, it holds it through the entire movie. Like, the way I see it is, imagine knowing something terrible is about to happen, but you don't know where it's coming from, and you don't know who to turn to for help. Like, this is one of the reasons why I enjoyed the movie so much. Aside from, like, the paranoia and the tension that come with the film, it is met with, like, amazing acting and really great camera work. Like, Winnell's ability to use the camera to, like, suggest to the viewer that there could be, you know, someone in a scene or not, then it makes it more exciting viewing experience. Like, for example, there are scenes where there are foot impressions in, like, a carpet or a sheet. And then there are also times where the person's there, but there's not the impressions or the camera doesn't go to the impressions. So it leaves it up to the viewer to decide if they're there or not, which I thought was really fucking cool as well. And it definitely kept you like on the edge of your seat. And uh, I thought Elizabeth Moss was just fucking impressive, man. Like she did a fucking awesome job. Um, I don't know how the hell it would be like being like abused like that or dealing with that kind of like PTSD, but her portrayal of it is fucking outstanding. Uh, she's very convincing. And this whole movie just had you right there with her on the same page, just raw emotion. 
And I think she deserves applause for that. Um, well, hold on. Besides that, Elizabeth oh, Moss, a woman, she plays a woman that's been, uh, that's been, uh, controlled, told what to do, what to yeah. wear. That's totally out of her element. She's never played a character like that before. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a Handmaid's Tale joke, I everybody. A season of The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, it's too sad. Scientologists, so like, it's there's a lot of layers of like complexity to like her portraying. Um, a character like Wait. this and like her character in The Handmaid's Tale. Fuck it. I, I think it was good casting. <laughs> she is the best that I can think of at like telling you things just like with her face and with her eyes. Yeah. Like some actors need something else. They need dialogue or they need like a music cue or they need to be like working off of someone. But the fact that she's acting against literally nothing in this entire movie is like insane. And like when she, when uh, Lee Wano puts the camera directly on her face, you know what she's thinking. Like, you know what she's seeing just based on her eyes. Like it's crazy. She's insanely good in this movie. I think she's really good. Let me, I got a question for you. If you had the uh, you had the ability to become invisible, what would you do? And I don't care. You go sinister. I don't give a fuck. I'm not gonna judge you. What would you do? If if you've had plenty of time, I've given you I've given you 15 seconds to think about it. You've had plenty of time. You've probably had your whole life to think about this. We've all thought about like what we're gonna do if we go invisible. I want to know what you're going to do. What are you going to do? Melissa, what are you going to do when you go invisible? What are you going to do? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> knock it off. Now, you know exactly what we're going to do. I are you going to, no, hold on. Are you going to break? All I can think about you- is like dumb shit, like breaking into the humane society and petting all the cats. Like what sinister shit am I going to do if I'm invisible? Like You don't I have don't to know. do It doesn't have to be sinister, but like, like for me. Like go creep on all the hot boys? Like <laughs> Yeah, you could fucking. Go hang out in the locker room? <laughs> you could hang out in the boys' locker room if you wanted to. You know what I mean? It could be. It's just, just going to be like, I'm going to go hang with Wang. You know what I mean? That's what I'm. <laughs> that's my Thursday when I'm invisible. That could be your thing. You could hang with Wang. Here's the, or hold on, hold on. Like I personally, there's two things that I would do. I'll, I'll tell you one right now. I'm going to Roswell, New Mexico, and I'm finding out what the fuck is going on in, in Area 51. I'm wa- hell yeah. I'm fucking walking in in into Area 51 because before about like Area 51, like you show up there and they're like they got the signs that say you will be shot on sight. You know what I mean? You'll be shot on sight if you fucking walk past this point. We're going to shoot you on sight. And they're not bullshitting, dude. They remember fucking uh, what was that storm Area 51 bullshit that was going on? Uh, what a nightmare. I always thought, like, how would you get onto Area 51? What could you do to get onto Area 51 other than be invisible? And I was always thinking to myself, I would wear a suit. <laughs> this is fucked up. I would, I would wear a suit of babies. <laughs> oh my God. I, I would have <laughs> 18 baby Bjorns. <laughs> I would wear a suit of babies. Of, I would, like, like I would have babies. Velcroed onto my body. Who's gonna shoot a Who's gonna shoot a suit of babies? You know what I mean? Like that's that is that is the ultimate suit of armor. 
That is the ultimate. Su- I'm guessing that some of these snipers that they've got at Area 51 that are trained to kill when people walk across that line of Area 51 or send you that warning shot. I'm I'm going to throw this out there. I bet some of them are dads. I bet some of them are dads. And I'm telling you, when I walk, I guarantee you, when I walk in there with my suit of babies, my suit of baby armor, there's no way. I'm walking. I've got free range. I have free range at fucking Area 51. I'm, it's a, it's almost like I've got the fucking, like i got a VIP pass to Area 51 when I'm walking around with my suit of babies. Fucking, some of these babies are pissing all over the floor. It don't fucking matter. They're crying, whatever. I'm walking around. I got, but you know what? I'm going to bring some treats. I'm going to bring some treats from the babies. I got my fucking Gerber. I got my fucking <laughs> Batman Gerber fucking utility you belt. Ziploc bags of cheer. Yeah, dude. I got, I got, I got Cheerios. They can, I got fucking, uh, those, uh, fucking, uh, things that they suck on. What do the babies suck on? What are those things called? Pacifiers? Pacifiers. I got a fucking pass. I don't have any kids. I don't know what pops. I got, (laughs) I've got fucking pacifiers and shit, but I have free range. I can walk around and do whatever the fuck I want to at Area 51 with my suit of babies. So that's what I'm doing. I'm fucking, I'm walking into Area 50. If I can't turn invisible, I'm wearing a suit of babies into Area 51. That's, I, is that weird? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is, but I mean, it makes sense because yeah. dude, even when you get to the lower levels and you get to see the aliens, even they won't fucking attack you because you got a suit of fucking babies. I got a suit of babies, dude. They think it's like a bartering system. Like, oh, thanks for the babies. We'll let you walk out of here. Holy shit. You got a suit of babies. I may even offer up one. (laughs) I may even offer up one of the babies that they can raise on their own. You know what I mean? Take this one. This one's been crying his fucking head off. I can't wait to get rid of him. Take him. Take this baby. You know what I mean? Raise him as your own. There you go. Anal probe the fuck out of him. Have at it. Anyway. Um, so that if I, but back to turning invisible, <laughs> I would turn invisible and I would walk onto Area 51. Um, Winkler, what would you do if you could turn invisible? Uh, I got another thing. I'll bring it up here in a second. Winkler, what would you do? You, you can turn invisible. What would you? What would you do? I'd honestly just go up to Alaska, get on a boat, and uh, watch a bunch of fishmongers elbow some fucking fish. <laughs> You're, you're, you're bringing it back to that. <laughs> yeah, the circle of life. I love it. Um, the second thing that I would do is I would go to uh, children's t-ball games. And when the kids – check this out, dude. Check this out. When the kids go up the bat, like the dad is like watching like Junior get up to the plate – and like he's the kid swings and it's a total miss. But I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take that T ball and I'm gonna chuck it as fucking far <laughs> as I can throw that thing. And the kid like the, like the parents the parent is gonna think like oh my god, my kid is just a natural. Yeah, we talked about the natural earlier. The fucking was it Robert Redford in the natural? And so like the, he, the, the parents gonna think like, oh my god, my kid's fucking amazing at baseball and shit. And I'm gonna do this throughout the kid's entire fucking baseball career. So it's oh gonna, yeah, it's gonna, <laughs> gonna shadow one kid like all the way through school, through, all the way through his fucking life, dude. All the way through. 
And then until it's like that one big game when the scout comes and then I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm oh, gone. We're gonna fight. <laughs> Is that fucked up? Yeah. <laughs> but that's like a really great fucking idea though. <laughs> I can only think of like some silly fish joke we made like an hour ago. Like that was good. <laughs> the oh, dad's going to go home and tell the mom like, oh my God. Oh my God. Cause she, she's, she's, she's I don't know. Maybe she wasn't there. She's a shit mom. And he's going to be like, oh my God. You should see, you should see, Ju- you should see Junior. Oh my God. She's a home, it's a home run. It's a home run. <laughs> I'm going to do this for fucking 18 years of this kid's life. I'm going to find and a way to do the this. Game, she's like, Texas is here. Arkansas is here. Florida is here. Honey, have the best game of your career, and you just fucking dip out. Yeah. <laughs> Later, bro. <laughs> have at it. All right. Yeah, um, back to the Invisible Man. Um, I, uh, I I really enjoyed this. I'm a huge Lee Winnell fan to begin with and and this was one of those movies I was really looking forward to um i i think this movie had a ton of tension and and it it was such a modern day twist on on this i i thought that the and god it's it, i don't really want to spoil kind of like mm-hmm. what this movie's all about but um and it's hard not to so i won't but um I thought Elizabeth Moss was fantastic. Aldous Hodge was fantastic. Um, I, you know, like the, it's one of those things where she's living with this guy. He's very controlling. She escapes him. Um, he fakes, you know, there's, there's a death that's faked and, and we do have someone that's, uh, that's kind of basically, that that's that's invisible that is kind of like attacking her and and making her life a living hell and trying to make her feel like she is going crazy and trying to show other people around her that she's very close to that she's going crazy but in all actuality these things are actually happening and we as the audience know that these things are happening um I, I thought the film was fucking tremendous. This is something I feel like everybody needs to see in the theater. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was just Lee Winnell again, just fucking knocks it out of the park. Like this guy is fucking just an incredible director. Melissa, what yeah. are your thoughts? No, I totally agree. Like I'll give it a Tupperware. I fucking love this movie. Um, I loved Upgrade. I love Lee Winnell. I obviously love Elizabeth Moss and, um, I loved this movie so much, but it is the only movie I can say that I like truly love that I was sitting in the theater being like, I cannot fucking wait for this to be over. Like I was so, I wanted to crawl out of my skin during so many points in this movie. I, I was so tense. I was so anxious. I was just like, how is it possible that I have been this level of 100% anxiety for this long. Like, it is incredible. Especially because, like, if you've seen the trailer, you know that he shows up eventually. So 
when you're waiting for him, I'm like, how am I this keyed up about it when I know it's going to happen? But it's just that, like, you don't know where and you don't know when. And I was just feeling every single thing that Elizabeth Moss was feeling. And, like, you know, like, when... Especially, like, when I'm alone in my house, like, obviously I don't think there's invisible men anywhere, but, like, when something is, like, weird and you just, like, know, like, the movie does such a good job of just, like, giving you the experience of, like, her intuition, and what I really appreciate is that the movie never, ever wants the audience to, like, doubt her. The people around her are like, I'm not sure, like, I think that you might be crazy, but the audience is, like, 100% with her being, like no sir like he is not dead like he is out here doing things and i just really appreciate that because i think that this movie could have been um is she crazy is she not crazy is this real maybe maybe not and i'm just really glad that the movie seemed to have like a point of view that that was like very very much on her side the whole time the invisible man was me in high school (laughs) <laughs> that's not funny I'm sorry <laughs> as suit of babies as suit of, isn't that fucked up that that came out of my mouth that I'm making people th- dude it's it, it's it's kind of fucked up but also kind of brilliant when you think about it right a suit of babies going into area 51 kind of brilliant Dude, I yeah. think that's the best like form of defense. Like you said, like yeah. there's no need for a suit of armor when you have a suit of babies. A suit of babies. Then that way you get nobody attacking you, right? Because you've got the babies. You've got you've strapped on some fucking velcroed on some babies onto you all over. <laughs> Just a fucking suit of babies. It's awkward to walk around, and yeah, of course, there's a lot of spitting up and crying and bullshit that you got to deal with. But on the flip side, dude. It's fucking, it's easy street. You're walking around. You can you get like, access to any place you want to fucking go. But like, tell me like the setup for this. Are you at like a, uh, Sizzler's parking lot, just like taping Velcro to like the back of babies and then just like slapping them on yourself? Like, what's the setup for this? Dude, there's, you definitely have to have, I don't know. You definitely have to have some connections at a nursery. You've got to. <laughs> Access the Velcro. Um, you know, you, you want to know a seamstress or somebody that's really good into the, in, in the cosplay community that can make the suit for you. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, fuck. I don't, you don't want the kids upside down either. You don't want the blood. You don't want the blood rushing to their baby heads. You know what I mean? So it's it's a delicate process, and you got, definitely got to cover the vital organs with the babies. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just jokes, people. It's I would never do it. It's just a fucking joke. I would never fucking do this. I would never fucking do this. It's just fucking jokes. Christ. <laughs> The more we're talking about, like, the logistics of it, the more, like, real it is. I know. You can't sit down either. That's another thing you have to consider. You can't sit down. 
because you got to put one over the butt because there's no because if they see that's like your Achilles heel if you don't cover like one part of your body with one of these babies you're basically like Achilles like that that's what they're going to shoot for oh shoot them in the butt like it's always like you know like smog in the fucking uh uh, Lord of the Rings, where he had like that one scale that's missing, and that's where you could stab that fucker and kill him. Mm. It's that same thing. You no, you got to be decked out with uh, with live babies. There can't be, you know what I mean. You can't have you can't have an Achilles heel when it comes to uh, one of these babies on your body. I've been talking about this way too long. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I've pissed off so many mothers. So many mothers are offended right now. You gotta understand. It's all jokes. Just a joke. We'd never do this. We'd never, we'd never do this. Oh my god. Alright, let's see here. Do you guys- oh, I, oh, real quick, before we move on though, I don't wanna get, like, cause I'm notorious for forgetting the rate. I'm also gonna Tupperware Invisible Man. Tupperware, I Tupperware it as well. Fantastic fucking for movie. Sure. Amazing performances sure. all around. By Elizabeth Moss, Aldous Hodge, uh, fucking, uh, Lee Winnell, you're amazing. And god damn it, if that Crow reboot does happen, if Lee Winnell's not directing the thing, it's gonna be a pile of dog shit. Just throwing that out there. Um, fuck it. I have, guys, I got three more fucking things to talk about. No, four more things. We're not even done with good pop, bad pop. I, I, earlier in the episode, I'm pissing and moaning about how I, I hadn't watched anything. Apparently, I've watched everything. I've watched <laughs> I've watched so much shit that we're talking about baby suits, live baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Michael, is this the episode where everybody's done? They're just done. They're done with me, right? Like, like, no, I'm, oh my god, I, I had to collect my fucking self. Oh, I, dude, that's just the, I don't know, dude, like, that's just the funniest fucking thing I've heard in a long time, dude. Dude, it, it's all funny uh, games when I'm talking about T-ball, but when I start talking about a baby suit, <laughs> showing up to the T-ball game, it's all funny games, but I talk about a baby suit, powered by Gerber. <laughs> Oh my god, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. I got more shit to talk about. We'll eventually, we'll eventually get to another segment of this fucking crap ass show. <laughs> Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit. That freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, 
it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we're back. You know what I what I really want to listen to uh, is uh, the conversation between the Area Fifty One sniper and the person who's like in charge of like Area Fifty One, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, uh, got a situation down here." Uh, there's a, looks like there's a, a, a male, you know, possibly mid thirties, early forties and, uh, wearing a suit of babies. <laughs> I want to hear the awkward conversation of like how the, I'm back on this. Yes, I'm back on this. I want to hear how that conversation goes down. How, like, how do you report you that? Like, uh, Romeo, do you have any, uh, do you have a sight on his vitals? <laughs> like, uh, no, no, he's got his neck, his heart and, and his ass covered, fully covered. Listen, do you have a shot that doesn't include a baby? <laughs> you gotta be sure. Cause that is not covered by our insurance. I was like, I, I want to see the headline the next day. Like, Oh baby. <laughs> <laughs> I just I really want to hear the awkward conversation that they have to go through. Dude, uh, the the title of the article is going to be Area 51 Babies. Oh, it'd be uh Okay, I get the <laughs> If you can if you can fit 51 babies on your body. Area, oh, brilliant. So you put 51 babies on your body and oh my god, that is so meta. Oh my god, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I might be able to get 51 if you can't. I'll just roll with you. Dude, dude, you can. <laughs> if you haven't seen Michael Winkler in person, it is, it's like, oh my God, you're six foot seven. I was blown away at your size. Like, holy shit. You could definitely fit 51 babies on yourself. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, if any of my like friends, when they have kids and stuff, they're like, oh, you want to hold them? I'm like, oh, sure. I hold them. It's just like with my palm. I just like palm a small child. <laughs> uh, you could like, like no, you you need to nestle it in your chest. I'm like N- yeah, my hands as big as a normal person's torso. We're good. You could have like guns akimbo, but baby edition where you have babies bolted to your hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> guys! I saw a movie uh, called VHS. This is something I've been looking forward to. This movie uh, was originally a Kickstarter. It had a limited theatrical release at select Alamo Drafthouse theaters. Uh, it wasn't. I found out it wasn't available at all Drafthouse theaters, but it's now available on video on demand. And I saw it on Fandango for four ninety nine. Uh, it's a bizarre retro comedy shot entirely. On VHS and digital beta cam, VHS takes us back to a simpler time when 12-year-old Ralph mistakenly records home videos and his favorite late-night shows over his parents' wedding tape. The result is a nostalgic wave of home shopping clips, censored pornography, 
and nefarious true crime tales that threaten to unkindly rewind Ralph's reality. So you can, this is what I dealt with. Check the movie's shot on VHS and digital beta cam. <laughs> so you can rent it on Fandango now. In high definition for four ninety nine or standard definition for three ninety nine, but it's shot on VHS. So I was like, if I rent it for three ninety nine, will it look the same in standard definition that it does on HD? I I, I rented it on HD for the extra buck, but I think I got swindled. Did I waste a dollar? Did I waste a dollar there? I mean, I feel like. Maybe yes. I think I I think I got swindled. <laughs> <laughs> it's directed by Jack Henry Robbins. He's the uh son of Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon. So, Jesus Christ, the cocktail of sperm and that egg. What a you're the offspring of a power couple, right? I mean, you're the child of Tim Robbins, Shawshank Redemption, and she, it, it fucking Susan fucking Sarandon. Are you kidding me? Like you shot out of Susan Sarandon's vagina. You originally shot out of Tim Robbins' penis, and now you're making movies. If, if you guys could be, if you could choose a, any Hollywood people to be your parents, like who would you choose? Who would you choose? Winkler, who would you choose? If you could be like, if you could be like, fuck, um, man. If uh, I could, yeah, yeah, I feel you. Okay, yeah. so let me get uh, Quentin Tarantino and Julia Roberts. Holy shit. Quentin Tarantino, Julia Roberts. All right, I like that. That's a good one. What do you, what do you think of Melissa? Um, Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph. How does how does how does how does that work? They adapted me. Leave me alone. <laughs> no, I'm talking biological. Well, magic time. <laughs> um. Okay, Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. Okay, I thought you were going. Ooh, I like that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. It might be Tom Cruise. Of course. And Kathy Bates, just because I want I, I, oh, the, the visual on those two fucking. Oh, my God. Tom Cruise fucking Kathy Bates or vice versa. Christ. Wait, what are their teeth going to look like? <laughs> what are their teeth? Gonna, what, 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 what's going on with their teeth? Oh, you didn't know about that Tom Cruise teeth thing? No, what's going on with Tom Cruise teeth? Oh, I didn't know about it until like a couple weeks ago. My buddy was just like, I was talking about a Tom Cruise movie, and he was just like, dude, have you ever looked at his teeth? They don't line up. I go, well, what does that mean? A lot of people like have bad teeth, and he goes, no, 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 dude. Like, his jaw is like set to the side. So when you put like a line down his face, his front teeth are like to the side. I never, I'm gonna have to, oh my, now I'm never, if I see it, I'll never be able to unsee it. Maybe don't, maybe don't see it, cause you love him so much. Tom Cruise teeth. There are a lot of photos with the line conveniently drawn down the middle so that you can use it as a reference point. Have you guys been watching those smile commercials? It's that fucking, it's that, it's like the, instead of getting fucking uh, braces, you can do that smile thing. 
Oh, like Invisalign? I've seen the commercials. Yeah. I haven't been actively watching them. I haven't. My teeth are fine. I have, I have, uh, my teeth are fine for the most part. So it's like, not like I'm watching. It's not like that's catching my attention. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I thank God a lot of fucking infomercials aren't kind of catching my attention. Because it's a lot of shit that's like kind of like fucked up with you. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, you, you got problems with your penis? Uh, take this. T- take these extends. And make you... you know, I, thank God. I'm not like... It's not like fucking like, you know, Saturday night at 2 in the morning and I'm sitting there watching like an extends infomercial for 30 minutes and like hoping that these testimonials are like the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you have terrible arthritis and you can't pick up coins? Right. Here's this magnetic pad that you could bet. Let's like, fucking... I bought a couple of those. Let's talk about this amazing catheter diabetes and all this shit, you know? <laughs> Christ. I thank God I'm not, like, invested. And my time is not spent, like, watching these infomercials and hoping for, yeah, this will be the one. Sorry, guys. This is fucked up. Um, VHS. Yeah, talking about this. It stars Carrie Kenny um, and Thomas Lennon. Both are from Reno 911. Uh, Mark Proksh. Uh, Courtney Peroso, Charlene Yee, uh, she's from, uh, The Disaster Artist. She also voices characters on Steven Universe. John Gemberling is in this. He's, uh, from The Fat Guy Stuck in Internet. If you remember that show on Adult Swim, I was a big fan of that. And then a couple kid actors, Mason McNulty and Ron Bronslaw. Uh, Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon, uh, the parents of the director, they are, they also make cameo appearances in this. Um, it's all shot on VHS, like I said. It's a comedy, and uh, you get scenes from the main character, Ralph, and his life throughout this. He's he's gifted a camcorder, and he's recording. He's recording over his parents' wedding, so like every once in a while, you'll see scenes from his parents' wedding. Their marriage is not so perfect, so you kind of see that play out as well. So th- it does tell a story, but on the flip side, there's a part in this where the father tells the son that if you plug it into the TV, you can record shows off of it. So you're seeing like crazy shows from like the 80s that that are set in this world that are kind of like shows that were being broadcast in the 80s there's like a qvc kind of like home shopping network show uh and it's hosted by thomas lennon and this other woman and they're basically playing a couple that are talking about different products that they're trying to sell but they also have like their own history where they were married at one time they got divorced and they kind of bicker back and forth about their marriage to each other while they're talking about like maybe a pen that you should buy so it's pretty fucking funny there's a carrie kenny does a show called painting with joan and it's kind of like a bob ross painting show and she's like all right so now we're gonna paint some snow on these mountain mountain caps so we're gonna use this uh this uh, glacier white paint here and uh, we're just going to kiss the canvas with white here we never kiss the canvas with your lips you don't want to literally kiss the canvas with your lips because these paints are toxic and they could harm you Uh, and and then there's a point where she's like all right so um now we're going to finish the details on these 
she's she's still painting like this mountain landscape but they like pan over to the left of the painting and she's like now we're gonna paint these ships from xenon uh from the xenon galaxy and this is a planet that's been led by female leadership for over five thousand years which is (laughs) so it's like pretty wild and then like they pan down and she's like and uh now we're gonna you know, finish like the main part of this painting, which is me personally dunking on Dennis Rodman. And so it's like, she's like, and this is the hardest dunk I've ever performed. So you're seeing a mountain la- landscape. And then in the front, you're seeing like Joan dunking on 1990s Dennis Rodman with the green hair wearing the 91 jersey. And he has his face in her crotch and she's dunking on him so her crotch is in his face as she's dunking she's shattering the backboard the glass backboard and she's like some of the moisture that you see there is not sweat (laughs) i am fucking rolling they also have like an antique road show type of show that they do where you know a guy is like being brought like different uh you know, like, uh, objects and things like that, where he tries to guess the value. And there's like one, like a guy brings him this, uh, I think, yeah, a guy brings him like this antique bowl. It's almost like a porcelain bowl and it's very decorative and he's looking at it and he's like, yeah, this bowl was, uh, was used for some of the earliest heart surgeries where they would, they would take the heart out of the body, they would put it in the bowl, and then they would, uh, try to replace the heart with, uh, with, uh, with something else and blah, blah, blah. And he's talking about this and, uh, he's like, yeah, but it never worked because they, they couldn't perform heart surgery back then. They didn't know what they were doing. And then finally he just breaks down and goes, nope, I think I'm wrong. I think this is just a bowl. <laughs> and, so, and, and it, the the movie kind of devolves at one point where like there's a there's a, the, a folding chair on top of the table and he's like ma'am this is just a folding chair it's just a regular folding chair it has no value at all this is actually pretty new it's it's just a weird show it's very tim and eric um and then there's also like porn parodies that they do uh there's a porn parody called hot winter and in this porn parody like you have these women they're spouting off facts about global warming like real facts yeah these are like well these are real facts about global warming and then all of a sudden they hear a la- like a knock at the door and one woman goes who's that oh that's rico he's hot want to have a threesome so it's like <laughs> And there's a scene where scientists are getting ready to show their data about global warming and their whole data, like they're getting ready to show their data and it's just the men unzipping their jeans, getting ready to show their dicks. It's pretty, (laughs) this, I don't know. I fucking got a kick out of it. I, I, it doesn't even sound like I'm describing a movie (laughs) cause it's so weird, but I fucking dug it. It's called VHS. It does have like, it does have a story within it, but it's really fucking weird. I recommend it. I'll give it a high taste. It. I did dig it. So, and it shot 100% of VHS and digital beta cam, which added to like the fun for me. So you did have like the black bars on the side and everything. So 
I fucking dug it. I saw Onward. Did you guys see Onward? Did you see Onward, Michael? Yeah, yeah. This is the new Disney Pixar movie. Set in a suburban fantasy world, two teenage brothers, Ian and Barley Lightfoot, go on a journey to discover if there is still a little magic left out there in order to spend one last day with their father, who died when they were too young to remember him. It's directed by Dan Scanlon. He's been with Pixar for a while now. He's directed Monsters University. This stars Tom Holland, uh, Chris Pratt, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Octavia Spencer, Mel Rodriguez. Mm. I love Mel Rodriguez. Uh, he voiced Colt Bronco in this. He's from uh, How to Become a God in Central Florida on Showtime and also The Last Man on Earth. Um, Lena Waithe is in this as well. She's the showrunner on Showtime's The Shy, and she acted in Ready Player One. She played Officer Spectre. Um, Ali Wong is in this as well. She played Officer Gore. I saw this one in 3D. Had to drive out of town to see this one in 3D, but I was glad that I did. What did you think about this one, Michael? Oh, man. Right off the bat, uh, I'm going to do it now so I can just get out of the way and not forget about it. This thing is a Tupperware all day for me, my friend. Onward is so damn good. Like, Pixar keeps amazing me. Every movie that comes out. And uh, you got to tell yourself, you know, maybe Pixar is going to, you know, come out with a dud one of these days. Not this time, man. Onward is fucking fantastic uh, to be able to create like a full fantasy world with such a variety of like different creatures. They have minotaurs, they have centaurs, they have uh, elves, they have cyclopses. Dude, it's like insane. And uh, the two main characters, Ian and Barley Lightfoot voiced by uh, Tom Holland and Chris Pat, respectively. Uh, these two are, like, the perfect voices for this movie, and it just works so well. Um, overall, like, the whole storyline with, um, you know, the father being gone and uh, on his birthday receives this magic staff, and they need to track down a magic stone in order to finish the spell to be able to spend the day with their dad. And... Uh, just the whole journey was fantastic to me. Like this movie was, it had so much fun along the way. It had so much emotion. It had so much character. Like it was honestly maybe my top favorite Pixar movie aside from like Toy Story and Monsters Inc. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. I, I, they had to track down what, what they called a Phoenix stone, which would bring him back. Yeah. Like, you know, a Phoenix rises from the ashes. Mm -hmm. And like this is the best phoenix saga that i've seen ever it beats both x-men movies where they tried it so like uh <laughs> i it, you're set in a fantasy world where like magic was prevalent at one time but they basically kind of like our world where they kind of like um adopted uh science and technology and so people that were once using magic back in the day are now using science and technology so instead of being able to light a room with magic they just started to use electricity. And so like you have like elves and like orcs and, and uh, cyclopses and all these different creatures 
instead of using magic, they're, they're just, you know, they're driving around in fucking SUVs and they're, you know, they're, they're using electricity and they have, you know, dishwashers and all these things that we have modern conveniences. And so they've kind of forgotten their magical, uh, past, but you have Chris Pratt's character of Barley Lightfoot who is obsessed, you know, with the magical past and even has like, he's a Dungeons and Dragons freak. I think they call it, they call it something else. Um, I can't remember what the name of the game was, but basically it's Dungeons and Dragons. So he's very well versed in this, in, in, you know, in their past. And, um, you have these two brothers who they have their father left them, uh, a spell, a magic stick, like a magic uh, staff and a Phoenix stone that'll bring him back for 24 hours. He died of a, of a, of a terminal disease and he actually died before the youngest son played uh, by Tom Holland. Ian was born. So he never got to spend any time with Ian. Ian never met his father, but now he's been given this staff, this magic, and he's able to spend 24 hours with his father. Well, the thing is, it's like, when he fucking uses the magic, it only brings back half of him. So, like, we only see his legs throughout this movie, which pretty funny. There's some pretty funny parts of this Dude, movie. It was such a funny bit. Man. You get a biker gang that's made up of pixies, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, I mean, and they, they basically go on their own quest. And there's uh, to f- to find another Phoenix Stone. Um, Octavia Spencer as the Manticore. She was oh my goodness, phenomenal, great character. Dude, I, uh, like what I loved real quick. Sorry, is like that. It was like a uh, it was like a Chuck E. Cheese type place. Yeah, yes, with like the Manticore as the, as the mascot. <laughs> like that was the fucking that was one of the better scenes, man. Like this whole movie is just full of yucks like that, man. It's really good. I Tupperware it as well. I, I had a blast with this one and I was really worried about it too because I'd seen like some of the critics kind of like saying like, uh, it's not a great Pixar movie. They're kind of panning it a little bit. It still has an 86% or so on Rotten Tomatoes, 85 maybe. So it's still fresh, but like on the flip side, I'd heard some other critics saying it's not that great. It's not my favorite Pixar movie, but it's one I would definitely watch again, and I had a blast watching it. And um, I I really appreciated like the kind of like the um, the family message that we got in this one, right? And like, um, what I also thought is like through like all the fun along the way, like most Pixar films, there's a bigger meaning behind it. And yeah, uh, for me, like you said, this one's family. Um, for me specifically. Lately, I've been making it a point. Me and my brother have been making it a point. Uh, he lives on the other side of the country. So we've been making it a point to, like, talk more. We talk once a week for a few hours and just, like, record and have a little fun. And uh, for me, this movie's message was just, like, appreciate your family, man. Like, the sometimes the things you're chasing and the things you desire have been there the whole time. And you don't even, like, take the time to realize that. As where this case for Ian... He's had barley this whole time, and he's never looked at him in that light. But after spending this time with him, he kind of looks at him like a father figure. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's really touching, man. Like, this one kind of got me choked up a little bit as well. Appreciate your family because, like, one day, like, they're there. And the next day, somebody's wearing your baby as a fucking baby on a fucking baby suit and walking into (laughs) Area 51. And, like, now it's like, where's your baby now? You know what I mean? 
It's like, <laughs> wow. Sorry, I was laughing so I was mute. <laughs> Don't mute it because then it makes me feel awkward. <laughs> I need those laughs when I say something so, so terrible. <laughs> My laugh is so like obscure for a large person. It's so like high pitched and squealy. <laughs> It's like a pig being like roasted. Uh, if you have a Live. chance to see Onward in 3D, I highly recommend it. It's fucking gorgeous in 3D. So highly. I might just go for a second viewing to see it in 3D. Yeah. I only got to see it in 2D. Dude, I had to drive 45, 50 minutes out of my way to catch this one in 3D. So, and it, but it was worth it. It was worth it. Um, I saw amazing stories on Apple TV plus Winkler. Did you get a chance to see this one? Uh, I only caught the first episode. Yeah, well, that's all they've dropped. I guess they're dropping this one week to week, which is weird. Apple TV Plus likes to drop three episodes at once or sometimes just all of the fucking season at once. Like they It's do. super weird that they're not doing that uniformly. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. weird. It's like the old days of Hulu where like sometimes Hulu <laughs> would drop all the episodes and sometimes they'd drop them week to week or they'd drop two episodes. That's bizarre. Um, this yeah, is even like devs, you know, sorry, but like even devs dropped two right off the bat. I think devs needed to drop two. It was smart of them to drop oh, two. Oh, yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, I probably, <laughs> unless we were, weren't talking about it, I would have been like, yeah, hey, I don't know. Yeah. This is a reimagining of the anthology from visionary Steven Spielberg, Amazing Stories, executive produced by Spielberg, will transport the audience to worlds of wonder through the lens of today's most imaginative filmmakers, directors, and writers. Yeah, this, guys, I grew up watching Amazing Stories. Like, this was like an event when I was a child watching Amazing Stories. I loved it. And so it was kind of a blast from the past for me watching just like the, the, um, opening credits with the music. It, it's like, it's a lot of the familiar stuff that you saw in the original, like the, the music and like some of the visuals that you see in the opening took me back to like when I was a kid watching amazing stories. Um, the first episode was called the seller. It's directed by Chris Long and it's written by Jessica Scharzer. It's about, while restoring an old Iowa farmhouse, Sam discovers a time portal in the storm cellar that transports him to 1919. So you've got a guy from 2019 being transported to 1919. And it starred Dylan O'Brien from the Maze Runner movies. And uh, he was also in MTV's Teen Wolf. Uh, not to be confused with the Michael J. Fox movie, uh, the MTV series of Teen Wolf. Yes, there was a series on MTV. And if you don't believe me, look it up. It was not the movie. It's the TV series. But um I'll be honest with you. I don't think that this was the strongest episode that they should have premiered mm. for, for Amazing Stories. And it was nothing like, in my opinion, it's not like the Steven Spielberg Amazing Stories of old. I, I'll give it a standard taste it. Um, I felt like it ripped off some of my favorite movies. I felt like it was a rip off of Titanic. Uh, <laughs> and I also felt like a rip off of Somewhere in Time with, um, you know, Christopher Reeve and, and Jane Seymour, which is one of my favorite 
top 10 movies of all time. It's one of my favorite, you know, science fiction romance, science fiction romance. There's not a lot of science fiction romance, but I, somewhere in time is just an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. This was just, this was not my favorite thing. Winkler, if you like this, just let me know. I'm not going to bag you. Oh, um, no, I'm letting you do your thing because I, uh, I appreciate the nostalgia factor to it. Um, which I'm sure had like a little bit to do with it. Um, I, I'm with you. I'm at a, I'm just at a standard taste it. Um, I like the idea of it. I like that it's an anthology. Um, but like you're saying, it's a reboot. So there's already been episodes. And, um, like you said, to start off with an episode that isn't like that strong, like it isn't kind of like a punch you in the face. Um, then I think they might have could maybe could have like put a different episode first to like get people hooked. Yeah. Yeah. To stick around. Cause like when Twilight Zone came back, when Jordan Peele like produced that, I thought that first episode was great and it made me stick around. So like for instance, I watched it with my dad. He watched the originals. I watched the new one. I liked the new one and moved on and he moved on with me. So it's like, I liked it for what it was. Um, it, it did have a little, you know, corny, like, Titanic vibe to it. I agree with that. But uh, I did like the interactions between the two. I do like Victoria Pedretti. I love her, actually. She's uh, Haunting Hill House and um, You, season two. Oh, I do love her. Yeah, like, she's great. So I, I like where it's heading. I'm definitely going to still stay tuned. But uh, I think it could have started off stronger. I agree with you on that. Yeah, you basically got a guy who's like working on restoring a house with his brother. The house has a lot of history. Uh, there's a storm that happens and, uh, something to do with the storm with the, the air pressure and during the storm, like the, you're fixated on a barometer and like when the barometer drops to a certain air pressure, it transports him a hundred years in the past when I guess like, back when like the last kind of storm took place. And so he meets this woman, falls in love with this woman very quickly, very fucking quickly, almost too quickly. I don't think they spent enough time with one another to be quite honest. That's, that's one of my biggest problems with this is I felt like when I'm watching Titanic, I, I, I get the fact that Jack and Rose fall in love for me. It works. Jack and Rose, when they fall in love, I, I get it. It's like a whirlwind romance, and it happens quickly, and I fucking buy it. I didn't buy this shit at all. When I watch Somewhere in Time and Christopher Reeve falls in love with Jane Seymour, I fucking buy it. It's a whirlwind romance, but there's chemistry between those two actors. Right. Unfortunately, I didn't feel it here with these two actors, sadly. And so it, this, this didn't impact me enough. It just felt like a really fucking weird episode of Quantum Leap that I wanted to end. And I just wanted to see Sam on his next goddamn adventure the next week. Let's just chalk right. this one up to bullshit. <laughs> but I'll, I'll give it a taste. It, it this is not, God, it, this is not, this doesn't even touch what I saw from Steven Spielberg back in the eighties when I was watching amazing stories when I was a child, those were amazing. Those were amazing stories. I'll give this one a taste it. I'll, I'll stick with it though. Um, we'll see where it goes, but who knows? Who knows? We'll see where it goes. But to, uh, just real quick touch on the romance thing that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I felt that as well because like you brought up with Titanic, right? Uh, it's a quick relationship. 
Um, but they're, I feel like if you're on like a uh, vacation or if you're on like an adventure or a cruise or something, there's like this like whimsical kind of like feeling about it and you feel like more free and you, you kind of do things like outside of the box. So like that was believable for me. Um, but I agree with this one. Uh, their first interaction without like spoiling anything was a, was like very hostile. And then it just seemed like the next time they saw each other, it was just the exact opposite without any like yeah. reasoning for it. You know, well, it just felt like she viewed him as like an escape from her bullshit relationship that was, she was going through. It was right. like, <laughs> I don't, I, I didn't see any fucking sparks flying and shit between those two. I, it was yeah, weird. I definitely agree on that. I don't know. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about and then we can move on from this fucking Godforsaken good pop bad pop segment that we've been fucking floundering in for the past three fucking hours or whatever. <laughs> I want to talk about a show I watched uh, on CBS All Access. It's called Interrogation. Interrogation is described as an original concept based on a true story that spanned more than 30 years in which a young man was charged and convicted of brutally murdering his mother. Each episode is structured around an interrogation taken directly from the real police case files with the goal of turning the viewer into a detective. The first nine episodes of the series will be available to watch in any order. And the conclusive, oh. and the conclusive season finale will be released at a later date. Now hold on. They, they, they said the first nine episodes of the series will be available to watch in any order. I'm gonna correct that a little bit. So basically, you do need to watch the first episode first. Watch the first episode first. After the first episode aired, it then it then says that you can watch the the eight episodes that are available. You can watch those in any order that you want to, and then they'll up they'll then they'll finally release the season finale. Um, so this one stars uh, Peter Sarsgaard. Um, as Detective David Russell, he's, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's husband, uh, talented actor. Um, Kyle Gallner, David Strait Town, uh, Cody Smith McPhee, he played, uh, Nightcrawler in the newer, uh, X-Men films. And, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, who hasn't shown up in an episode yet for me, he plays Sergeant Ian Lynch. I watched the first episode. So I can't tell you about how this works overall um, with uh, watching episodes out of order. I'm definitely going to be watching episodes out of order. Um, but So are you just going to go like random? I'm going to go random. I'm going to write down which episodes I watched, though. That way you're just going to do it to like do it to like experience the yeah. how they put it together. Yeah. Like I think honestly, I, I think what I'm going to do is like. They've got episode one. You got to watch that one. And I think like, I'm not going to go to episode two. I'm going to go to episode eight, <laughs> you know, next and see, see where that takes me. And then, I, then maybe I'll choose an episode in the middle, like, you know, four or five. And, uh, but I'll, I'll eventually get to all these episodes. This reminds me of like, you know, our obsession with like, uh, true crime dramas and mm-hmm. uh, true crime podcasts because this is based off of like the real um recordings that they had when they were you know uh doing like the the interviews with um the the, the yeah inter- the interrogations of the, the 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 prime suspect suspect here so you've got a young guy like in his early 20s and when you meet this guy he like 
is entering his family home, which he's had a strained relationship with his mother and father. But his mother is on the ground and she's bleeding. She has two knives in her back. The first thing that he does is try to treat her and help her. Now, I personally would have been on the phone with 911 and then I would have come over to her. Like he's on, like we're seeing him on her back and he's like, mom, I'm going to pull these knives out of your back. That what? way, no. that way you can help. It'll help you breathe. And so he's yeah, pulling all the blood. I know. I know. It's like, dude, he ain't watching enough Grey's Anatomy. Dude, he fucking, Fact. he's, he's in a, that ER, man. He's a fucking idiot. And so like, but, Later on, like in the episode, you find out like he's, he's a drug abuser. Um, he has been begging his parents for money and it's probably to get more drugs and things like that. The cops are 100% dead set on like this guy killed his fucking mom. But on the flip side, like later on in the episode, we find out that he hangs out with some people that might be questionable. He also takes a polygraph test, fails it, fails Ooh. it like, like no other, like the guy who's fucking conducting the polygraph test says like, I have never seen a higher level of deception than fucking doing this polygraph <laughs> test. But I, for one, know that polygraph tests are not a hundred percent accurate. And especially if this guy's coming off of drugs, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Because he is coming off of drugs. Um, I, like my thought would be, uh, like, re- sorry, real quick. Go like, ahead. My thought would be, like, how do they present it to you? Um, like, do they show you his point of view of, like, thinking he's helping his mom? Or do they show it the point of view from the cops, like, surveying, like, what happened? They show it from both, in my opinion. Like, at the beginning, oh, okay. it shows, like, it's like you're believing him. And then later on, I'm going to spoil the first episode. Uh, not everybody has CBS All Access, so this is maybe the only way you're going to hear about this show, and I don't feel bad about spoiling it. Uh, and there's really nothing to be spoiled because you're the detective when you watch this. You're supposed to make your own decision. I don't believe that this case was ever solved, so who knows. Um, but there's a point in this episode where, like, the dad is listening to, like, his – answering machine this takes place in the early 80s i believe 1983 the dad is listening to the answering machine and it like it picks up the answering machine picks up like the son talking as this is happening with the mother and you hear the son say i'm sorry mom i'm so sorry i'm so sorry like and it almost sounds like it's like he's guilty like he did fucking kill her um and it's all over, like, I think they're saying it's all over, like, $150, which is, like, her grocery money. And so, like, we're, th- I'm thinking, like, did he kill her over drug money? He wanted to fucking get, like, did they get into a huge argument? She said some mean things that the family has changed the locks on the doors because they didn't want him in there because he is a drug addict. And he has been probably stealing from them. Did she say some really mean things? Did he overreact? Did he kill her? Um, but by the end of the episode, I'm thinking like there's other shady people involved. Did some of his friends come over and kill her? I guess there's a guy named Chris, Chris or Christopher that, that they think might be involved in this whole thing. 
I'm one episode in. Uh, they're they're packing this. This is like a ten episode series. It's crazy how they're rolling this out. They're saying watch the first episode. After that, you can watch episodes two through nine in any fucking order. And yeah, we'll, that seems insane. Does seem insane. Yeah. And then you can watch. Then finally, we'll at a later date release the final episode, and it'll wrap everything up Damn. for you. So it it's kind of gimmicky, but on the flip side, it's experimental and it's a I, it might be a fun way to watch the series it's called interrogation it's on cbs all access peter sarsgaard's fucking great in it he's really fucking good uh i haven't even gotten to Vin- vincent d'onofrio and i love that guy so this is one of is the best yeah this is one i'm gonna be watching this is one i'm gonna definitely stick with so I w- honestly like after you gave me a couple spoilers like I'm now I'm gonna like go to C- CBS and like get that to watch it and uh like the whole idea of this concept with watch however you want yeah if they knock it out of the park this could be like a big fucking deal well, that's the thing. If you do start watching this, let me know what order you watched it in. I'm going to document what order I watched it in and then we'll I'll follow up with you in the future. And yeah, yeah, because like, I don't know, like, does the order affect the way you enjoy this show? Like, that's Mm -hmm. very experimental, but you got to hand it. Yeah, you got to hand it to to CBS All Access. Like, um, it it was the um, the uh, last year. It was um, too old. Black Mirror. No, there was an ep- there was a series called uh, "Too Old to Die Young" or something. It was from um, uh, Wyndon Refn, that that director that did Drive, and they said that you could watch. He said that you could watch those episodes of that show in any order that you wanted to, and it's still the same outcome. And I don't, I don't know if I buy that shit. I watched the whole season. I did enjoy it, <laughs> but like, I don't know if I could watch it in any fucking order. So I don't know. I think it's it's kind of like it, I don't know. It's like it's it's almost like uh, it's almost like fucking some of these shows that they're coming out with now are like almost like choose your own adventure books. Mm-hmm. Which oh god, what, they did that with that. Yo, you did you mention that that Black Mirror yeah, episode, Black Mirror. that Black Mirror movie? Yeah. What was that? Bandersnatch? That was garbage. Yeah. Bandersnooch. <laughs> oh my god. Bandersnatch is, I'm sorry. Bandersnatch is a clusterfuck of bullshit, in my opinion. Well, like, I, that's what, that's what they're doing with this, though, you know? Like, they're trying it out to see, like. Well, it's. I don't know, man. I don't get to choose, like, what the killer does or doesn't do. Like, I don't get the. Right. It's not like I get to fucking choose, like, what the killer ate for breakfast that morning. And that's what Bandersnatch did. <laughs> like, you know yeah, what I mean? That was corny as fuck. That was corny. Cornflakes as fuck. Uh, that's all I got for good pop, bad pop, people. So watch, check the, if that interests you at all, check out Interrogation. It's on CBS All Access. That's all I got for good pop, bad pop. We good? We gonna move on? Yeah. Let's take a break. Come back. We'll do the pop culture leftovers news. How's that sound? Sounds great. Are you giggling? Over, are you giggling over there, Winkler? Bro, I stay giggling on this shit, man. Like, this is fun as hell. Dude, I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm glad you enjoy it. I don't think anyone else listening is enjoying it, but I'm glad you're having a good time. It's not about that. 
It's not about that. It's not, yeah, it's not about, about us. No, this is all about <laughs> self-satisfaction. This is 100% masturbation with us right now. I don't give a, seriously, like, this is all Did about I love us. How- uh, good pop, bad pop, three and a half hours. Oh my, what the fuck? And I'm like, at the beginning of the show, I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't watch anything this week. And it's like three hours later, like, what the fuck, dude? Well, I, um, oh, before we take a quick break, yeah. um, do you, if, if it's cool, obviously, like, you, you're fucking, you're the man around town, but if we get to, uh, the, the last of us, that'd be cool. Oh, the, the, in the news segment, I brought, I, I, yeah. I, I definitely got, uh, that, uh, in the, in the new segment. Yeah. Because I knew. I, there's a bunch of news. I don't know if we'll get to it all, but that one I'm super stoked about. We'll, we'll definitely be talking about The Last of Us. Cool, cool. All right. We'll be right back, you sons of fucks. <laughs> Fucking old school. are so fresh. Snap. All right, we're back. And it's now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Yeah, 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 read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, I got a question. We talked about aliens earlier with uh, Area 51. If you, uh, let's say you walked outside and you saw an alien spacecraft, like in your fucking yard or some shit, what the fuck would you do? What would you do? I mean, are like aliens present or like, can I just like go poke around and investigate and like go snooping around? You're literally 15 feet. It's like, it's fucking three o'clock in the morning. And you fucking walk out. Maybe it's foggy outside and shit. But you see something and it's a fucking alien craft. What do you do? Go check it out like I'm Ginger Spice. What are you doing, Michael? Mm, I like that. Well, firstly, I would just set up my camera immediately and like put it on the ground. Because typically when this shit happens, everybody has blurry ass pictures. Yeah. And it gets distorted. So I would just set up my camera and then I would just walk up try and make friends with these aliens and uh, just see what they're about. You know, I'm, I'm terrified of two things. I'm terrified of two things. I'm terrified of aliens. Cause you never know if like they're there, if they're going to be peaceful. I'm terrified of wild animals. Cause there's no, there's, there's no bargaining with wild animals. You can't bargain with wild. <laughs> you know what I mean? You step outside and all of a sudden, like, let's say you step outside, there's a coyote there. Or like a fucking cougar or a bear or something. And I'm not going to bump into any fucking bears or cougars. But if I'm like, you know, like on a trip out in the woods and shit, and all of a sudden a cougar or bear is there, you can't, it, it just, you're fucking food to them. If you, if they, if they feel that you're food. So I'm terrified of aliens because like, you can't, you know, who knows what the fuck they're going to do. Like they're going to fucking, you know, shoot you with some beam and then bring you on the boat, the ship and then they're going to fucking check out, they're going to do anal probes on you. They're going to, shove shit in your butthole they're gonna fuck you know what i mean they're gonna they got you on one of those fucking 
Uh, those fucking medical fucking tables. It's all steel it's and just shit. cold metal. It's cold metal. Yeah, they always talk about that cold metal. They know it's not like they're. It's not like they're you know pr- the the laying you down on a fucking uh, posturepedic temperpedic posturepedic <laughs> mattress or some bullshit. It's always cold metal with them. Christ, always cold metal. Fuck off with your cold metal aliens. But like. If I saw an alien craft, and I've said this before, I know Dan West knows exactly what I'd do. I, I, Dan West knows exactly what I would do. I've talked about it on the show before. If I saw an alien spacecraft outside, you always hear these stories of people like, I saw an alien spacecraft, and then, you know, I, and then it flew off suddenly. I have trained myself in my mind. I, I'm gonna pick up a rock or something, and I'm just gonna throw it at it. <laughs> Really fucking hard and see what happens. With your luck, it's just gonna come back and shoot right back at you. Probably. And you didn't even put your, your suit of babies on yet, so you're unprotected. But I'm also gonna throw this out there. I hope that like I think the reason we haven't been attacked by aliens is because one day they did land and they came out and they looked around. And they encountered my other biggest fear, wild animals. And I think, like, I think a bear or a cougar <laughs> ate an alien <laughs> one time. <laughs> Nature don't fuck around. You're not gonna fucking get a fuck, you're not gonna fucking, you're not gonna fuck with a bear if you're an alien. Like, dude, like you say that, which is like, I, I agree with you on like wild animals being like actually terrifying. Yeah. But, uh, but bears, man, you're right, dude. Like bears are just monsters on Earth. Like bears are fucking monsters. What? So like, yeah, if I ran yeah. into one of those, I would, I would be, I don't know what I would do. I would love to see an alien try to communicate with a bear, and that bear just fucking just fuck the shit out of the, <laughs> out of the alien. Like, like when I, Hulk when he's slamming Loki back and forth. In yes. Avengers. Yes. Fucking. Oh, I literally thought you meant sexually, and I was like, "This took a weird turn." No, I'm not. I'm not talking about uh, the rev, the revenant. My mom, my mom thought that that bear was raping Leonardo DiCaprio in the Revenant. She read an article. Ah! Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to ask her for. My mom was got to commit. My mom, commit. my mom texts me one day. She's like, "I'm not going to see that Revenant movie. I heard that Leonardo DiCaprio gets raped by a bear." I'm like, "Mom, that's Leonardo DiCaprio's in a bestiality." No, he's a forceful rape. Leonardo DiCaprio's a furry. I had no idea. <laughs> Yeah, I think somebody in the page said that there was like a furry convention, like a couple blocks away from C two E two when we were there. No oh, shit, man. be at the wrong con. That was yeah. I brought my fucking elephant costume for no reason. That was me. That's why you guys didn't see me for a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I got some things I gotta go check out. Sci fi has canceled the magicians. What are your thoughts, Melissa? I know you're a big fan. I'm extremely sad on one hand. But on the other hand, they had such an epic season finale um, for season four that I just don't know how the show could ever reach that height of emotional stakes again. So it's like the characters and the audience have gone through the height of what we can go through together. So I think that this season to wrap up and the fact that the, the show's creators knew that this was 
maybe going to be the last season and they structured the season to be a series finale as well. Um, I'm comforted by that. So they're kind of ending on their, their own terms. And also I don't see how they could reach the same highs again. So it's one of my favorite shows. I hate to see it end, but I think that this is for the best. I'm done with, I'm so fucking done with sci-fi. Fuck you, sci-fi. Well, this is, this has lasted the longest anything has lasted at sci-fi. Yeah, that's true. I, like, Especially that I've been watching. I was a huge fan of Deadly Class last Oh one. my god. Yeah. R.I.P. Dude, I loved it. Loved Deadly Class. Fucking loved it. And they canceled that shit after one fucking season. Rick Remender Bombers. wrote a great the fucking book. The kid who starred in Deadly Class is um, having a baby with one of the stars of The Magicians. Oh my Fun god. Fact. I was actually gonna name them as like who I wanted to be my fictional celebrity <laughs> parents. <laughs> it was either Tom Cruise and Kathy Bates or that Benjamin Modsworth and Stella Maeve. Please I, adopt me. That was my second that was my second one. <laughs> that was my second one. Deadline Deadline reported uh Stranger Things season four, Fleabag's Brett Gelman up to regular Ooh. series. Brett Gelman has been promoted to see, series regular on Netflix's Stranger Things season four. On the hit series, Gelman plays Murray Bauman, the journalist turned conspiracy theorist, who was first introduced in season two and had a significant role in season three. Uh, did you guys watch that bullshit Stranger Things 4 table read video that they released that's 56 seconds long? No. Don't. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I was so excited to watch it. It's, <laughs> I was just like, they basically just played like some synthy, you know, fucking Stranger Things 80s synthy music and showed them preparing to do the table read and then Brett Gelman addresses that, you know, like it's, it's starting and blah, blah, blah. Not much to really see there. Really no insight as to what season four is going to be about from that 56 second table read teaser. Uh, but I will say this, Tupperware the fuck out of having Brett Gelman being a season regular on season four of Stranger Things. I personally, unlike others, have loved both I have loved all the seasons of Stranger Things. I've been a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of Brett Gelman. Loved him in Married, which was an FX series that lasted two seasons. Loved him in Fleabag. Loved him in Camping. And to see him be a series regular in season four of Stranger Things makes my heart happy because I'm a huge Brett Gelman fanboy. So um, are you guys looking forward to season four? Brett Gelman, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm about it. Um also an unsung hero in the other guys. Um when he's handing out Arnie Palmies, I thought that was one of like his funniest cameos ever. Um but as far as Murray being back season four, a full time regular, I'm about it, man, because I mean, we could talk about what happens up till now, right? Yeah, go ahead. I don't give a shit. It's, right, season well, three's been out for a while. You go right ahead. Yeah, so, like, without Hopper in the picture, we need, like, another person to, like, take on some more screen time. And I honestly think, like, the character of Murray is that guy. Like, he's already formed relationships with Nancy and Steve and all the other kids. And especially after this last season with that storyline with him and Alexi was just fucking amazing. Like, 
and he's like talking shit in Russian. He's conspiracy theorist. Like he just brings a different layer to that show than because you have the kids, and then you know sometimes you go to like the older teenagers with Steve and Nancy and stuff. But then when you get the adult time, like. Murray is the standout, dude, to me at least. Like, I love him, and I'm excited about this news, dude. Have you guys been watching those fucking uh, those Winona Ryder commercials? <laughs> have, you, have you seen those Winona? Wait, the Invisalign commercials? No, where she's going to, she's in, like, there's this, there's a town called Winona, and she's starting a, like, a, like her own website. I, I think it's like a, a Wix or a Squarespace commercial or some shit. Where she's starting her own website and it's about Winona. It's like a, a there's a town called Winona, and she's in Winona. <laughs> so meta. It's so meta. I love Winona though. Oh, she's great. Have you? Have, she's have my you, childhood. Like she's my first crush ever. I know you guys are millennials. Have you ever seen Heather's? Love Heather's. I haven't. Oh my god, Melissa, get on Heather's. Like I, I don't. Know. I don't know. I, I'd be. I, through the lens of a millennial, I would love to know what you think about Heather's because, like, there, it's it's definitely in a time capsule for 1987 or 88, whenever it came out. Christian Slater, Winona Ryder, uh, the main Heather, that girl, she like fucking look it up, people. She like fucking died. She had some like disease or some shit. She died really young, really fucking sad. Oh fuck, yeah. That's fucked, but her and Beetlejuice, man. When Owner Ryder and Beetlejuice did, yeah, when I was great. a kid, I fucking loved her. Lucas, she was. Was she in Lucas? You ever seen Lucas with Corey Haim? Nah. Oh, you got to go back and watch fucking Lucas. Ah, oh, Lucas is so good, and it's got the well, girl that was on my list. I just added Warrior, and now I'm gonna add Lucas. You got to watch Lucas. I think it's got the girl from Goonies in it, and uh, Corey Haim back. Corey Haim. You ever seen License to Drive with Corey Haim? Are you, are you familiar? Oh my god. The Corys were huge back in the 80s. You guys are, I know like the Corey Feldmans. Yeah, Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. They were the Corys. They did, uh. I'm more of a Corey Feldman guy. They did a movie called License to Drive. They did Dream a Little Dream, which like, oh god, I think it was a crappy movie, but like girls went crazy over Dream a Little Dream. I thought it was garbage. But like, when, like the Corys had like their own fucking one nine hundred number back in the day, where you could call in, and uh, I remember seeing it advertised all the time. And oh, if you call in, you might be able to talk to one of the Corys. I can't imagine how much money that fucking one nine hundred number. Yeah, are you? Do you Dude, even know what one nine hundred? Do you know what one nine hundred numbers are? Are you millennials? Yeah, I mean, am I? I'm a millennial, right? Like, what You're, year did millennials start? Ah, fuck if I know. I, th- I, I think you're probably a millennial. Yeah. I, is a 1-900 the same as a 1-800? 1-900s were like when you'd call in and it would be like two ninety nine a minute for you to fucking. Oh, so when you call, call to talk to like Cleo? Like Cleo. Yeah. Oh, I was just about to say that. Miss Cleo or whatever, the fucking, uh, the psychic lady, right? You get your future <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was very racially insensitive. She sounded very Jamaican. She probably was from the Bronx or some shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I got so in trouble for calling 
I called the 900. I got so in trouble for calling one of those sex 900 numbers when I was a kid. Oh my God. What did they say to you? Did they ask you for your birthday? Check this out. So I called the 900 number. Cause like, dude, I'm fucking like 12 years old and I'm like, I'm curious about sex. And so I called the 900 number and they, you know, like, like, of course they're talking to a fucking 12 year old. So I'm trying to talk like I'm an adult. And like, oh dear God. they're trying to figure out if they're talking to a child or not. So they're like asking me like all these questions and shit. And they're like asking me like what my job is. And like, what did I, so I remembered a Chevy Chase movie where he was, he tested food additives. So I said that <laughs> I told them that I worked at a company where I tested food additives. That's such a bizarre fucking poll. <laughs> But I was, I'm fucking 12 years old and I'm curious about sex and I was, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to a woman about it. And so, yeah, like, oh my god, my parents fucking killed me when they got the phone bill that much. <laughs> Your mom got the bill in the mail. She's like, honey, you, you called the sex hotline for three hours. I told, I, well, I lied to him. I was like, I was trying to talk to the Corys. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, so when did the hotline people realize that you were a child? They didn't. They didn't. Stop. They didn't. Yes, they, did. they did not. They did not. I <laughs> I tried to make my voice sound super deep. It I'm not saying like the conversations went long because like I I hung up. I called a couple times and after a while I was just like nervous and shit and I would hang up, but like yeah. Yeah, it was it was fucked up. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I don't That's know how we got talking about this. <laughs> oh, me neither. But I'm fucking with it, man. That's so funny that you said a <laughs> what did you say? Food analyst? <laughs> I said I tested food additives. <laughs> I just I was trying to think of an adult job, and I remember watching a Chevy Chase movie where that's what he did for a living. <laughs> I, oh I, I work with food additives. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, I, uh, news from Dark Horizons. The Last of Us becomes an HBO series. Sony PlayStation and Naughty Dog's highly acclaimed video game, The Last of Us, is set to become an HBO TV series, which will see Chernobyl creator Craig Mazine serving as showrunner and executive producer. I'll tell you one thing. I've played The Last of Us a handful of times. It's a really fun game. And I'm also a huge fan of Chernobyl. Loved Craig Mazine, what he did, his work with Chernobyl. Um, the game followed Ellie and Joel, a teenage girl and a hardened older male smuggler who navigate a zombie-ridden world two decades after a horrible fungal plague spread throughout humanity. It was released in 2013 and was awarded Game of the Year honors by many outlets, along with selling more than 17 million copies. This is a video game adaptation. We've seen video game adaptations flop over the past few years, but on the flip side, we've also, we've also had Pokemon, Detective Pokemon, do really well. And then even more recently, Sonic the Hedgehog has been like a fan favorite uh, over the last few weeks. A film adaptation of The Last of Us has been in the works for years, but never quite 
coalesced and was always seen as a problematic due to the sheer density and quality of the game's long narrative being near impossible to compress the two hours without losing what makes it special. So, guys, now it looks like we're going to get a series that is going to reportedly cover the events of the original game along with new content and some elements likely in the forthcoming game sequel releasing late May. Winkler, I I know you've got thoughts on this. Is this a game that you are uh, familiar with? Is this a property that you're a fan of? Oh, man, this is one of my favorite games. Um, I love this game. I've played it multiple times. I've heard all the news about it becoming a movie, never coming to fruition. But um, now that it actually got announced, especially being with HBO, I'm more than happy about it. Um, we saw what, like you said, we we saw what Craig Mazin did with Chernobyl. Yeah. And the fact that he's tied, like he's teaming up with the creative director and writer of the actual game, Neil Druckmann. Like, this is this is going to be a, this is going to be a killer, dude. Like. They'll be able to have so much freedom with HBO, especially like as far as the design go of the infected, which is what they call like the zombies um, in the game. And also like the level of gore, violence, you know, sex scene, whatever they want to do. Like there it's limitless with HBO, which is where I feel like a lot of other maybe not game adaptations, but like zombie shows have kind of uh fell flat like the walking dead being on network maybe they couldn't be as uh as aggressive as they wanted to if they were with hbo and uh i feel like the way hbo has been rolling out shows like they're going to give them some freedom to do whatever the fuck they want and um furthermore i'd also like to think they would carry over gustavo santaleo who did the score for the game which is just like fucking it's brilliant like the score is brilliant he also did um, Brokeback Mountain. He did the score for Brokeback Mountain. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, I'd imagine they would pull him over as well. So now I think, like, a lot of the news that's popping is for, like, who's going to star in these roles. Yeah. And um, I just want to say real quick, I know it's unlikely, but I think a Logan reunion would be, like, the most amazing casting for this fucking show. Oh, fuck. Are you kidding dude, like me? Hugh Jackman, dude. Hugh Jackman and Daphne Keene would be like, it would. It's unbelievable because like Hugh Jackman wouldn't do like a long running series, but like Daphne Keene's already signed on with HBO yeah. for her work in His Dark Materials, so yeah. like she's already there. Drop that fucking His Dark Materials bullshit and fucking do. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, <laughs> but like she signed on for another show besides that. Like in her contract, I just read today. Right, she's on for another show besides that. So it's just like, come on, Hugh, <laughs> like come on down, bro. Oh my God! See, here's the thing. It's like I think that this could uh, pull over. This is definitely going to pull over video fans of the video game, but it also could pull over fans of The Walking Dead or early fans of The Walking Dead that have been let down over the last few seasons. I. I'm still current on The Walking Dead. Um, I'm still watching it. There's been seasons that have let me down. But on the flip side, it's like I love any new zombie material coming out. Um, I'm not, I don't suffer from the zombie fucking fatigue. I, mm. <laughs> I, I'm mm-hmm. just one of those people like you throw anything zombie my way. I'm going to be watching it. 
So, um, yeah, this could definitely pull over some of the fans of The Walking Dead that have been left let like let down over the last few seasons, and then definitely fans of the video game. This has the potential to be huge. Melissa, is this anything that you're familiar with? Have you ever heard of the game? Or oh no, not at all. I think I've heard of the game, but yeah. like. Never played it. Didn't realize they were making it into a TV show. But I'm always excited when something that seems like it's going to be too much for a movie actually gets to be a TV show instead. Yeah, yeah, same. Like that. that like, that's what this ha- is. We love to see it. That's what happened with Lock and Key. That's what's gonna. Yeah. That's what's starting to happen with Why the Last Man. So yeah. Um, fuck. It even happened with. Well, Watchmen was a movie, and then they made it a series. I, um, yeah, I can't wait for this, and I fucking love your fan casting, Winkler. I think, like, <laughs> I think, like, I, dude, I think Jackman is like wishful thinking, but Daphne Keene could happen, right? No, but like, if you're going, if you're trying to give you know to make the best show possible that reunion would be fucking phenomenal ah it'd be so good man like it'd be so good i was reading around today and like um another one i saw like i didn't come up with this one that one i thought of because i was reading about daphne king that one that i read today was um nikolai costa waldrove who played Oof. jamie lannister and Caitlin Dever, who played, uh, uh, I forget her fucking name, but she's in Booksmart and Unbelievable, Unbelievable on Netflix. Yeah. Mm. So, like, I think those two would be great as well. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just fun to think about just, like, new combos of characters that could, you know, lay this story out that I've loved for, you know, six years now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, can't wait. It fucking, it's HBO. Like, oh, Christ. Who knows? Like, the... HBO is just killing it. I, I was I was into his dark materials for the first few episodes, and then I I, I dropped off of it. Sadly, I was just like, now they're talking about hanging out with polar bears and shit, and I was like, this is getting dumb. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Did any of you stick with that show? Um, I finished it, but I also read the book uh, in preparation of watching the series, so. It's hard to and like the book didn't really grab me, so it's hard to say whether I would have stayed with it kind of yeah. without that. Um it's not something that I'm like super looking forward to the next season of or anything, but right. you know, it was fine. News from Dark Horizons, uh guys, I don't know if you have like it's one of the here's 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 it's a, it, I never know with like the guests I'm going to get because like you guys are younger. I don't, you might not have grown up with these guys, but I grew up with a Canadian sketch comedy group called The Kids in the Hall. And I have heard of this. This show ran from 1988 to 1995. It was on Comedy Central. It was also on HBO. I grew up watching Dave Foley, Bruce McCullough, Kevin McDonald, Mark McKinney, and Scott Thompson. And, uh, this was produced by Lauren Michaels of Saturday Night Live. And I was a huge fan of Kids in the Hall. We're getting a revival series for Kids in the Hall on Amazon Prime Video. And it's gonna start, uh, they don't have a premiere date, but it is happening. I, this means, like, this means so much to me. Like, these guys were, 
comedic geniuses when I was a fucking kid. I, I mean, kids in the hall were, for me, it was like me and my friends back in like grade school and high school, we'd talk about like the episodes that we saw and we'd like just absolute geniuses. Dave Foley went on to, of course, to do news radio. And he was basically kind of like a behind the scenes writer on news radio. One of the biggest reasons why that show is popular other than, uh, Phil Hartman. Bruce McCullough followed him, bought his fucking comedy album, watched his episode on Tom Green. Kevin McDonald went on to do a few movies. Mark McKinney went to do, went on to do, uh, you know, uh, he, he did Saturday Night Live actually for a season or two. And then, uh, is do, you know, Superstore, Scott Thompson, fucking love Scott Thompson, huge fan of Scott Thompson. Um, but, uh, I, I would be willing to bet that neither of you have watched Kids in the Hall. Would I be correct? Yeah, for me, yes. <laughs> yeah, for me as well. Um, but you brought up Superstore. Is that Glenn and Superstore? I don't, I don't watch Superstore, but I know Mark McKinney's involved. Like an older fella? Yeah, he's older now. Yeah. Dude, if it's Glenn, then that's the funniest fucking character in that goddamn show. But, um, when I, when I read, when I read about it, I looked up a couple of YouTube, uh, videos to see some skits. And, I mean, I've never seen it, uh, so I'm not familiar with it, but, uh, you know, I love SNL, I love Mad TV. So it's something I'll definitely like check out when it gets rebooted. I'm always looking for some sketch comedy improv type shit. So I'm all about it. Oh, God damn it. I, I love the kids in the hall. Absolutely love the kids in the hall. Uh, one of our listeners actually got to hang out with Dave Foley one night and sent me some pictures and told me some stories about Dave Foley, which I will not get into on the <laughs> air. But uh, that was very cool. It's crazy, the community that PCL has and some of the stories and inside stuff that we hear about. I actually got to interview um, a guy who, who made a movie with uh, I, Mike Hatton. Who, uh, he got to make a, uh, he, he got to make a movie which Dave Foley actually starred in for him. Um, so I got to interview Mike Hatton who made a movie with Dave Foley and we got to talk about Dave Foley. I'm a huge fan of Dave Foley. Mike Hatton was actually in, uh, Green Book, that movie that came out with Viggo Mortensen. I interviewed Mike Hatton and on that episode <laughs> that we had Mike Hatton on, there's a part where Mike Hatton, where we're talking to him and we're recording and we're talking about his movie that he made and he is pissing and you can hear him peeing. Oh my God. And he's like, I don't know if you guys heard that. It's like, cause like we heard him like buckling his belt and then he then goes on to tell us that he was pissing. It was pretty hilarious. You gotta do what you gotta do, man. Sometimes you just gotta piss, you know? And sometimes you're on a podcast and you're pissing. You're talking about your project, your movie that you made, but you've also gotta drain the main vein. You know what I mean? <laughs> Shit like that happens. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, for instance, if I'm playing like Xbox or something with my friends mm -hmm. and they get up and go take a leak and it's just splashing in the toilet, I'm just like, yeah, dog, like, mute your shit, bro. But if then again, if you're like interviewing somebody, it's like <laughs> kind of like fucking content at that point. Dude, it was fucking amazing. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> I have, I, I, I literally have audio 
of this guy who was in that movie Green Book, who was also in a movie with Dave Foley. And I have audio of him fucking taking a piss. That's so bizarre. It's so weird. It's so weird. Oh, God. Uh, Quibi news. Are you guys familiar with Quibi? Oh, yeah. Now I am. It's I couldn't before. avoid their advertisements when I was watching the Oscars. Oh, fuck. They were all over the Oscars. They were all over the Super Bowl. Quibi starts, uh, stands for uh, Quick Bites, which is going to be a service that's going to launch April 6th. Uh, they, uh, check this out. Fucking Jesus Christ. I don't know. I've been kind of like, uh, bagging the service as far as their pricing point. But on the flip side, kind of praising it for like all the talent that they've been able to corral. It's amazing. Uh, check this out. And it, one of the things that me and Jake had a big problem with is like, how much are they going to, how much content are they going to have when they launch? Mm-hmm. Listen to this. This comes from Dark Horizons. The company plans to produce as much as 175 series and 8,500 hours of content by the end of the first year of operation. The service packages its films and TV series in 10-minute clips that will be easy to watch while you're on the go on your mobile devices. So you'll only be able to watch Quibi on your mobile device. But listen to this. They're going to have at launch 50 fucking series available at launch. That's a whole hour. Holy shit. You know how many years (laughs) it would take DC Universe to get 50 series on their service? (laughs) Right. 75 years. 75 fucking years. You're absolutely Titanic. It's been 84 years. You're absolutely right. (laughs) But I... I have the full. I spit out my fucking drink. <laughs> they have. They're gonna have fifty series available at launch on April sixth for people to watch. I have the full list. I'm gonna please read every single no. entry to me. I, I'll tell you what. I will put. I'll put the full list in the show notes, or I'll post the link to Dark Horizons article in the show notes if you want to see the full list of shows. I'll give you a few shows as an example. Uh, as far as like scripted shows, they've got a show called Survive with uh, Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones and Corey Hawkins of 24, also of uh, Straight Outta Compton. They're going to play the only two survivors of a plane crash who must make their way out of a remote wilderness. There's another another show called Most Dangerous Game with Liam's, Liam Hemsworth, one of the Hemsworth brothers, playing a terminally ill man who, in order to provide for his pregnant wife, after he dies, enters a deadly game where he is not the hunter, but the prey. Christoph Waltz also stars. Whoa. Are you fucking kidding me? Check this out. Here's I fucking a, love Christoph Waltz. Here's a comedy with two people paired that I never thought would be paired in a comedy ever, but I fucking love it. Will Forte and Caitlin Olsen. Yes, Will Forte mm-hmm. of SNL fame, of fucking MacGruber fame, of fucking uh, The Last Man on Earth fame, and Caitlin Olsen of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and The Mick star as would-be TV house flippers who inadvertently come across a stash of drug cartel money. To pay it back, they have to renovate the cartel boss's mansion, played by Andy Garcia in a show oh called... My- <laughs> 
in a show called Flipped. Uh, Another show, uh, the unscripted, they've got thanks a million, uh, celebrities. Th- these are unscripted shows. So kind of like reality shows or game shows and like things like my that. ride or something. Yeah. This is called thanks a million celebrities surprise people who have influenced them by giving them a hundred thousand dollars, which they must then pay forward. Jennifer Lopez executive produces and will be featured in an episode. Uh, Chrissy's court, Chrissy Teigen. Provides presides over small claims cases in this courtroom show with her mother Pepper Ty as bailiff. Oh my God! Yes, give me. Punk, <laughs> punked, punked is coming back. It was fucking on MTV with Ashton Kutcher. It's coming back. A new version of the MTV celebrity prank show hosted by Chance the Rapper. So, oh stop! I'm I'm not even kidding you. It's crazy. This is just, this is crazy. And we know that we're fucking, we're getting an Antoine Fuqua show. Steven Spielberg's doing a fucking show. Uh, fucking, what's his name? Zach Efron's doing that, uh, that wilderness show where he's bare grills and he's out there trying to survive wild animals and shit that we talked about earlier that will fucking kill you in, you know, in any situation. I'm, I, Quibi, I'm gonna, I'm going to be dropping money on Quibi. Um, yeah, it'll be kind of hard not to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be looking at my phone watching content on Quibi. Can't believe it. It's fucking weird. Well, I think the fact that they're going, like, mobile, like, easy to stream, easy to absorb kind of shit. If you could do it on your lunch break or your smoke break or at school in your study hall or something like that, like that's definitely like a route to go because people are doing YouTube. But if you're putting actual shows out there with actual content, storylines, like respected actors and actresses, like I think that could actually make some money. It's weird that they say their target audiences for those who are on the go, who have limited time to consume content uh, such as uh, while commuting or at the gym, and then they and then like the Spielberg thing is like a it's kind of like a horror thing, and I guess like they're saying like the Spielberg show you can only watch at night. They will only let you watch it when it's dark outside. That's kind of cool. It's kind of weird. I don't. Oh, it's fucking weird as shit. Like, that's for sure. Yeah. Let's talk. Okay. Quibi. God damn it. Rebecca, you're fucking right. They've earned my fucking 499 or whatever the fuck it is a month. You're right. I'm going to be watching 50 fucking shows at launch. I'm impressed. They're doing a fugitive. Are they doing a fugitive show? I think like that, the old Harrison Ford movie from the nineties. That's one of the better 90s flicks, though. It's fucking good. Um, Indiana Jones 5, Steven Spielberg. This came from Variety. Steven Spielberg won't direct Indiana Jones 5. James Mangold in talks to replace. So James Mangold, the director of Ford versus Ferrari, the director of Logan. Spielberg's not coming back doing Indiana Jones 5. James Mangold. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on Indiana Jones movies, but uh, I mean, my, my thoughts on Indiana Jones are uh, they're good. 
uh, until like the last one. Yeah, Indiana Jones Four uh, is not beloved. Yeah, it's it's a flop. But like, I honestly like didn't even hate Shia LaBeouf that much in it. Well, I think like with Shia LaBeouf now, he's kind of had a resurgence after the Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, I right. love him. And Honey Boy. Yeah, me too. Like, I, I don't know. He's He's got a soft spot in my heart. I just always love Shia. I don't think they'll bring Mutt back. He played Mutt in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't think they'll bring right. him back. But, like, I think, like, after the Shia, we're going through a... A Shia LaBeouf zone? Buffasance, right? A little bit? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. You know what I mean? We're going, I mean, I, I think he had a killer 2019. Oh my god, insane. Yeah. Honey uh, Boy was fucking one of my favorites. That, yeah, Peanut Butter Falcon was also one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. I think Honey Boy was my favorite like movie of 2019. It was really it was good. So good. Really fucking good. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, uh, for me, I grew up watching Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones was one of those movies that I grew up watching. Um, and it's hard to think about a Indiana Jones movie without Steven Spielberg and, um, George Lucas being involved in. And now they're saying James Mangold. But on the flip side, I've also got to think to myself, like, what did James Mangold do with an older Wolverine? Made him fucking awesome is what he did. Right? <laughs> so like That's actually a fair point, yeah. Now we're getting like an Indiana Jones who's gonna be twenty years older than probably the last time we saw him. You know, the last Indiana Jones movie I believe came out in two thousand eight. They could jump ahead about twenty years, fifteen, twenty years in the future. We're dealing with an Indiana Jones probably in the late 60s, early 70s at this point. And um, James Mangold did a great job with an older Logan. I don't know. Maybe Is it time for a fresh take on the character with a new director? Or is it blasphemy that fucking Steven Spielberg is not going to be involved in this movie other than possibly executive producer uh, I don't know I it's I I can see both sides of it I'm torn I Is I, this like Spielberg's choice did he have anything to do with picking the new director or was he just like hey I'm not here for it anymore and the studio said well we'll do it without you anyway like what do you think his level of involvement was here it is Uh, Spielberg will remain as a hands on producer on Indy 5 according to a source close to the filmmaker the decision to leave the director's chair was entirely Spielberg's and a desire to pass along Indy's whip to a new generation to bring their perspective to the story so he felt so then, like it, he felt like it was time to that, move on. Yeah. So that's that like a choice that I can respect. Reboot, right? Like, I don't know. I just think like because if you got Spielberg, right? Like I remember being a kid watching the originals with my dad and like you know, just like vibing with him, loving him, and now like he's clearly saying like, you know, like my time is done. It's now to move it on to somebody else. So are we facing a re- reboot here, or are we still getting, you know, Harrison Ford doing his thing? 
Okay. Here's a, uh, as far as reboots go with Indiana Jones, if you're talking to Harrison Ford, if you're talking to Spielberg, they are going to downplay reboots all day long. Like, okay. It's, it's almost as fucking adamant as Zemeckis and Bob Gale are with, uh, with Back to the Future. Those guys are like, uh, in our lifetime, we never want to see Back to the Future rebooted. Bob Gale, the writer of Back to the Future, is like, I never want to see a fucking reboot of Back to the Future. Zemeckis, the director, is like, I don't want to see this shit happen. You can almost say the same thing about fucking Indiana Jones. Like most, like back in the day, I was talking about like, oh yeah, if they fucking reboot, if they, you know, Disney's got, if they reboot, we got to get Chris Pratt in there as fucking Indiana Jones, you know. Oh my God, that would be amazing. But Spielberg, it seems like Spielberg and even Harrison Ford is very protective over that character. They do not want to see anybody take the mantle of. So then why hand it off? To another director with Spielberg's blessing, but they're not handing it off to another actor. Gotcha. The only other actor that, that has played Indiana Jones has been, um, um, River Phoenix, who played a young Indiana Jones, and then the actor that played Indiana Jones in the Indiana Jones series that was, uh, I think lasted one season. So it, it it's, it's, it's a very, <laughs> I don't know, it, it's weird. I, I think like before, it, it, I think it will get rebooted one day, but I think we're looking at Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford both dead at that point. And I know that sounds fucked up for me to say it's kind of morbid, but I think like, that's what we're looking at. And I also feel like that's what we might be looking at as far as like back to the future, getting rebooted, Bob Gale and Zemeckis are dead. And then they'll fucking Hollywood will be like, let's cash in on this shit and make another back to the future. You know, Robert Downey Jr. And Tom Holland. Uh, I think they, I think, I think you got to kind of do that now because you, when you when you look at Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox was playing a seventeen year old when they fucking did that movie. I, you know, yeah, you got to do that now. Yep, you can't. And he's starting to just get out of that age too. Yeah, yeah. So he looks young as shit. He's like twenty one or twenty two or some shit now. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Indiana Jones 5, I think like James Mangle, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go with somebody, if you're gonna go with fucking an older Indiana Jones, cause he is older, he's old as fuck, I guess you're gonna, James Mangold makes sense, he did fucking wonders with, uh, an older Wolverine, we'll see, it, it's, I don't know, it's fucked up, cause it's not, it's not Steven Spielberg, which is, yeah, so. We'll see what happens with that one. Uh, I got news from Firewire, uh, firewireblog.com and it looks like, um, they go on to say last year Netflix announced that they're developing new animated series adaptations of award winning author Roald Dahl's iconic stories and characters. Talking about, uh, you know, Willy Wonka here. Looks like Academy Award winner Taika Waititi has officially signed on to direct two new original animated series, which will be based on the 1964 novel Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, one of Dahl's most recognizable works. The first series will center on the book, uh, book's famous 
characters, including the eccentric char- uh, chocolate factory owner Willy Wonka, while the second one will be a fresh take on the Oompa Loompas, the small humans from the Loompa Land. Uh, this is a quote from Taika Waititi. I grew up reading doll stories and lived large parts of my young life in those magical worlds. So finding just the right creative partner to bring Willy Wonka, Charlie, and the Oompa Loompas to life in animation was a daunting task. Uh, oh, who fucking... Oh, this is from uh, Melissa Cobb at Netflix. I apologize. She said... Uh, until Taika walked into the room, then it was really obvious. If Dahl had created a character of a filmmaker to adapt his work, I'm pretty sure he would have created Taika. Um, mm. So it looks like Taika Waititi is going to be developing a couple of animated series for Netflix based on uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Thoughts? Sign me up. Yeah, I'll watch whatever Taika wants to do. Um, when it comes to Ronald Dahl, I want to see the big friendly giant. Well, that's not what you're BFG. getting. I know. <laughs> I, I love uh, I love Dahl stuff. Matilda, Willy Wonka, James and the Giant Peach. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm a big fan. Um, I wasn't a fan of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp. Uh, I just wasn't. Um, yeah. I liked the original, and I liked the book. So I see a lot of potential here, especially with Taika Waititi's fucking, like, zany sense of humor and his style. Like, I think this is the perfect guy to do it. Whoever that was from Netflix got it right. Like, this might be the perfect pairing right here, especially if we get an Oompa Loompa origin story, too. Like, mm. That that'd be some shit, man. Can I get Taika Waititi as the voice of Willy Wonka? Yes, he always acts in what he's directing. I feel like that is he not is out Willy of the Wonka. question. <laughs> yes, I just like I love this news, but like I was thinking today, like who could we get to play Willy Wonka? And I'm just like, why can't we just get fucking Taika Waititi to be Willy Wonka? Like that's perfect. Yeah, I don't see why not. <laughs> that has yeah, to happen in heaven, man. That has to. Ha- they, yeah, this is like this is perfect. There, there's no perfect. There's there's no other perfect director for this. I'm glad it's animated because I don't think anybody can replace yes. Gene Wilder live action. But if you gotta if you gotta have somebody in there to direct these stories and you're doing it animated, I think Taika Waititi's perfect. And honestly, just give him the fucking voice. Let him be Willy Wonka. All right, let him be Willy Wonka. I tupperware the fuck out of this news if that happens. Even if you let him do his thing, and then yeah. after let him do a Matilda series, and then a James and the Giant Peach series as well. Fuck it, like let the doll times roll. I agree, and like keep him busy with doing this shit. That way, he doesn't ever have to fucking do that Akira movie, which I think would be (laughs) fucking suicide for any director, to be quite honest with you. It's suicide for any director to do it. I don't even think Taika could do it. Like, I think he can do anything, but I don't, I don't think there's any director that can give us a live action Akira movie other than maybe One of the biggest Akira fanboys, and you can see Akira influenced in all of his work, has been Josh, Josh Trank. Josh Trank loves Akira. Like, he even, in, like, 
fantastic, even his Fantastic Four was influenced by Akira. Chronicle, which I talked about earlier, was influenced, like, he loves Akira. I don't know, Josh Trank might be able to do it, but who the fuck knows, I don't know. Let's move on into Marvel news, how's that sound? Great. Alright, I'll play that bumper here real quick, it takes fucking like, <laughs> five minutes to play this fucking bumper. <laughs> Hang out for five minutes. Marvel news. You know what? You know what I hate mm. is uh, when uh, certain uh, fucking uh, companies use terminology, and we're it's like we're supposed to know what it, like it's a big deal, like we know what it means. And I'll explain what I'm saying that what I'm okay. saying here. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say like for example. Yeah, like um, beer. When beer, like, you're watching a beer commercial, and they're like, uh, old Milwaukee, or, or they're like, uh, Beachwood aged. Oh, and you're like, what the fuck does that mean? No, you don't say that, though. Like, you, when you're watching the commercial, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, it's Beachwood aged. <laughs> oh, it's Beachwood. You don't question it, because you don't want to feel stupid in the moment. They make you feel like everybody knows what Beachwood aged means. When you're watching those commercials, it's not like you turn to, like, your partner that's sitting there next to you and you're like, hey, what speech would – like, you're worried that if you, – you're worried that if you turn to, like, the person next to you and you're like, hey, do you know what Beachwood aged is? Like, you're worried – they put you in a position to where, like, you're worried about it. You know, saying that, like questioning it, because like they might laugh at you because you don't know what Beachwood aged means. But on the flip side, like you damn well know they don't know what the fuck Beachwood aged means. But what the fuck is Beachwood aged? Do you guys know? Yeah, no one knows what that means. I mean, I can make something up. Let's go, make it up. I mean, like, isn't Beechwood like a tree? So maybe they made like the barrels out of a Beechwood tree, and that's what they age the shit in. Because that's what age means when you're talking oh, about alcohol, right? right? Why does it's that like filling right. in the barrel? It sounds right, but like, why would that mean anything to you? Like, oh, thank God, thank God, they've improved upon the process of beer, and they finally found a way to Beechwood age it. Like, what the fuck does that mean for you as a consumer and as a fucking lover and kind of? sewer of beer it doesn't mean shit i've had beach would be to show if you say it with confidence i've had anybody will just believe anything i've had beach would before but it was basically me on a beach with a fucking heart on and <laughs> yep 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 that's as far as Beachwood as I've ever gotten is just being a fucking lonely piece of shit on a beach you know what i mean with a heart on, that's Beechwood aged. What the fuck? Get the fuck out of here with your Beechwood aged bullshit. I like, made a, uh, a beer runner out of a piece of driftwood I found on a beach one time. So I guess that beer would have been Beechwood beer. Have you ever been to a bar and like, all you know, somebody 
Yeah, you're you're asking you're at the bartender's like, well, you know, what can I do for you? What can I get you? And you can be like, and you're like, uh, uh, you point to a beer on there. Maybe they have like a beer, and you're like, uh, um, is that Beechwood aged? Has anyone <laughs> ever fucking said that? Is it? Is not, it I'm fucking out. It, yeah, exactly. If I'm not, consider me the fuck out of here. I'm out. If it's not Beechwood aged, it's not good for me. I'm out. Beechwood aged. I get now we're gonna I'm gonna have some motherfucker that fucking is all about beer and can tell me works for the company. Yeah, works for the company. You don't you you don't know about Beechwood aged. Let me tell you about Beechwood. Ten percent of our barrels are made out of Beechwood. Oh Christ, Beechwood! You and your fucking Beechwood aged like like, like certs too. The fucking mint with the like certs. You know what I mean? Certs and certs that 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 mint that you put in your mouth. You can get it in wintergreen and and you can get it in uh, peppermint and all that shit. And they're like, certs. Like when I was a kid, like their big thing was like, now with Retson. What the, the fuck, fuck is that? What the fuck is Retson? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? With now, ooh, now with Retson? What the fuck what is the Retson? What before? Yeah, what was going on before? <laughs> what the fuck, what, what the fuck were you putting in my fucking mints before Retson? Now I'm all like defensive. Like, whoa, whoa, I, you, you, you telling me I was supposed to have Retson this whole time? <laughs> like Retson replacing bleach. You're just like, what? No, no shit. Yeah, what have I, what have I been ingesting before this? Christ. Retson. What the fuck is Retson? Anyway, sorry. Marvel News. Um, Saw some set pictures from the Loki TV series. This comes from comicbook.com. I sent, I, did I send you guys these links? Yes. Yep. Yeah, so it's like, uh, comicbook, comicbook.com had set photos. And, uh, we got a, a look at Lady Loki. We got a look at Owen Wilson's character and a possible Ruxin nod. So, um, yeah. The full gallery of high-risk Loki photos have now been revealed, and as well as a closer look at Sofia DiMartino's Lady Loki. We also see Owen Wilson's character and what looks like a desolate future. So we know this is time travel involved. It looks like we're looking at a desolate future here. Low-res shots from the set of Loki found their way online. Now we have a full gallery, courtesy of Just Jared, and there are even more exciting reveals about the Disney Plus series. For starters, we can now see that the Time Variance Authority, the TVA member in the hood, in fact, is Owen Wilson. The actor is rocking a mustache and is clearly not Kang the Conqueror. Unless he's a very early version of the villain, of course. He's definitely working closely with the God of Mischief, though. And it could be that's the only way for Loki to learn, to earn his freedom. The gallery also features a more detailed shot of Sofia DiMartino. And it now seems clear that the British actress is indeed portraying a female version of Loki in the show. Their costumes are almost identical. And it doesn't seem likely that Enchantress would be imitating the villain in that way. Finally, we see what looks like a pretty desolate landscape, and it's possible this is either the future. Uh, 
what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> sorry, I got a message. And <laughs> um, uh, it's possible this is either the future of a uh, or a post snap MCU. Interestingly, uh, there's a Rux cart evacuation shuttle, and we can't help but wonder whether that's an offshoot of Roxon, a villainous organization that could factor into Thor, Love and Thunder in a big way. If Taika Waititi is planning to follow the comics, so yeah, we got we got uh, we got a Roxon uh, tease, and in the comics, Roxon Oil was a uh, leader in the en- energy industry. Um, it diversified into high tech research and development. It aided in developing uh, Shield, and uh, in in recent years, the company has been backed by suspect endeavors. In its drive for political and economic power, um, this is where it affects the MCU. Ruxin. Mm-hmm. Ruxin's okay. current reputation and business business practices largely began with Hugh Jones, its president, a corrupt and cutthroat businessman. The board, under his direction, was responsible for the death of Tony Stark's parents and the acquisition of Brand Corporation. Um, the brand corp became Ruxin's front for uh, mutagenics and robotics research, spawning such villains as Orca, Manticore, Nemesis, Killer Shrike, Bushmaster, and Delphine Courtney. So, I don't know. It, it seems like Ruxin's like a terrible fucking, uh, one of these big businesses that has too much power. Uh, in the comics was responsible for the death of, uh, Tony Stark's parents and, uh, could be making, uh, could be making some waves here in the Loki, in the Loki TV series. Yeah. And this is, and I'm not super familiar with like anything from the comics. So like this is the Loki series is supposed to have implications in the MCU going forward because they kind of came out and said that like everything that's going to be on Disney plus is going to be tied into like everything, everything. So, um, I mean, it's interesting that people out there have ideas of like what these tie-ins are going to be at this point, because I personally have no fucking clue. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can agree on that because I am not familiar with the, uh, story pieces either in the comics, but, um, what what I can comment on is that the fact that Owen Wilson, um, who is, you know, kind of like a zany kind of out-of-the-box actor, is joining into this Thor universe that, you know, people like uh, Jeff Goldblum have joined into. And um, I just think he might fit very well with, like, the style that uh, Tycho's going in if he does take on these, like, further movies going forward. Yeah, it's... Tycho's not going to be... I don't know how involved he's going to be in the Loki series. Uh, oh, I, I just mean if he's, like, in the uh, movies, like, after, like, Melissa was talking about. I don't know about the series, but, like, if he's connected to, like, the MCU afterwards. You would think that he would... I, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, you got to think, like... He's got to have some kind of like involvement in this since it is a fucking Thor centric character and we're getting Thor love and thunder. It definitely, I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I think these Disney plus, I think you're right. I think these Disney plus series and 
the movies are going to be really working hand in hand going forward, which is an interesting thing to think about since we've basically just been following the movies. Like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a thing, but like you didn't have to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to understand the movies. And are we, I don't know. I don't know if we're there yet. Right. Like, are we at a point now where you need to watch Disney Plus and the movies? Right. Right. Holy shit. mm, I don't know if we're there yet. I think like, I think like if you watch the Disney Plus series and you watch the movies, I think it'll enhance your viewing of the movies, but I think the movies will stand alone on their own. They'll find a way to stand alone on their own. We'll see. It's interesting, though. Um, but, yeah, they're filming for fucking Loki, and pictures have been released. Videos have been released. If you want to see these, you can follow us on at PC Leftovers, where I've posted uh, the video link and some of these pictures. So check them fucking out. Entertainment Online had an exclusive for Thor Love and Thunder from an interview they had with Tessa Thompson, who plays Valkyrie, and she confirmed in the interview that Christian Bale will play the villain in Thor Love and Thunder. Um, there's audio from this if you want to check it out online. I was going to play it, but I'm pretty fucking lazy right now. Unless you guys want to fucking hear it. I'll play it if you want to fucking hear it. Whatever you want, man. Do your thing, brother. I don't know. Let's see here. If I can fucking get into this thing, I'll play it. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I was thinking about playing it. Be good. I could play it and then I could fucking just like drink. As, fucking play it, dude. As it's, as it's play. Hold on. I'll try to play it here. This is, um, yeah, this is Tessa Thompson. She's talking to ET online. If I can get this pulled up, I'll play it. I apologize. I love Tessa Thompson. She's really fucking good. She's great. She's the only good part of Men in Black. Oh, God. That was terrible. (laughs) It was so bad. She was great, though. That movie should have been directed by Taika Waititi. Dude, what sucks is, like, for those uh, reviews, I did fucking Rise of the Phoenix and Men in Black, man. Oh, now we got to listen to a commercial before this fucking shit plays. (laughs) This, we canceled that YouTube Prime when Wayne got canceled, bitch. What the fuck? You just want to stay in. Enjoy the great taste of Dunkin' at home. Oh, you can you can have Dunkin' Donuts coffee at home now, people. How about that? Christian Bell is going to play our villain, which is going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be good. Tessa Thompson is spilling some brand new secrets about Thor: Love and Thunder, and only ET has the exclusive details. We cannot wait to finally watch Valkyrie come back into our lives. Thor, Love and Thunder, what can you give us? Do you Have you read the script yet? Have yeah, you- yeah, I've read the script. Um, I can't tell you much, but lots of exciting text messages exchanged between Natalie and I. Uh, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. You know, Taika's writing, directing, um, some familiar faces, some new people into the mix. Christian Bell is going to play our villain, which is going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, my one last question is, right now she's the king of Asgard. Will she maintain that title? Oh, yeah, she's no. Of course she will. <laughs> I love that. I love that. She's not a queen. She's a king. <laughs> no, she's king. If she can't find her queen, she'll just be king and queen at the same time. <laughs> Before Tessa takes it back her crown. <laughs> yeah, so not a whole lot Solid there, response. but 
Uh, we know that Valkyrie is going to be king of Asgard, and then we also know that Christian Bale is going to be playing the villain in Thor Love and Thunder. That has been confirmed. So people that were thinking he's going to be uh, Beta Ray Bill, I unless you're thinking Beta Ray Bill is going to be the villain of the movie, I don't think that's happening. I think that the rumor that I'm hearing is that he's going to be playing Balder the Brave. And Balder the Brave in the comics is the half-brother of Thor. He's a companion to the Warriors 3. And if I had to guess, he's pissed off that Valkyrie is going to be the king of Asgard. And he feels like he has a rightful... He's the rightful heir to the throne if Thor isn't going to take the throne. So, of course he does. Well, and to that I ask, like, where the fuck you been, bro? Like, where the fuck, like, why the fuck have I not seen Baldur the Brave? Right? Like, where the fuck have you been? So, you know, Valkyrie's been there. She's been, she fought in the fuck, she fought in Endgame. She was there for Ragnarok. Where the fuck has Baldur the Brave been? Why have I not heard about his fucking half brother? I guess I could also say, like, why did we not hear about Hela? Is this another fucking, I don't know. How it, many secret siblings is Thor gonna have? No shit. What the fuck? Do we have to have we have to have Mori come on to this fucking new movie and do some <laughs> D, do some fucking DNA testing and shit? Yes. Christ, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I I looking forward to Thor: Love and Thunder. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Chris Hemsworth's character in it. Fucking oh, yeah. Natalie Portman coming back. She's going to be Mighty Thor. I don't know. I think what it's I going to be. Thing about is, um, what, what do you think is going to happen with Chris Hemsworth? Seeing as, because I don't know when Endgame left off. You know, he was the as Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And now that that got pushed back, now we're going to get Love and Thunder before. Guardians 3, so, like, I don't know, how's he gonna get, like, chimed back into the story without, like, having, I don't know, they're gonna have to, like, kinda, like, make something work for that to happen, right? I don't know, I mean, it could, is it that big of a thing? You know? Well, I just feel like if he left off like that, then... Yeah. Time frame-wise, but, uh, besides that, I mean... Like you said, um, Christian Bale, like Christian Bale's the shit. I, I'm down with all that. But what I know about like Beta Ray Bill is that he might be a like a CGI kind of character. From what I've like read. I like to, I, I like to call him like Beta Ray Bale. Ooh. Hey. <laughs> Name dropper, dude. Uh, but I don't know if they want to hide that cute face behind like a CGI character. Yeah, we'll see what they do with Bale. Um, I was hoping that he'd be, uh, oh god, who's the fucking character that in, from the Jason Aaron run, let me look it up, that from the God Bomb arc. Uh, Thor, God Bomb. This just makes me feel bad and makes me need to catch up on all my shit. Gore. I was hoping that he would be Gore the God Butcher. From, oh, the uh, God Butcher. Yeah. I heard about him. Gore, I was hoping he'd be Gore the God Butcher from the fucking Jason Aaron run, but we'll see. That was a fucking dope-ass fucking 
run of the comic. Christ. Fucking amazing. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, as far as the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, I think they could, yeah. like, there could be like a, just a quick thing at the beginning. If they really wanted to do something at the movie, at the beginning of the movie, they could just have a quick, like, scene of like the Guardians of the Galaxy, like, dropping them off and rocking right. and saying goodbye and that's it. I mean, if, you know, it, it doesn't happen. I mean, I'm good with it. I just didn't want it to be like a thing because everybody like in the MCU like fandom on like Reddit and shit is just like fucking bugging about timelines and yeah. drop offs and pickups. Like, yeah. Yeah. I get it. All right. Let's move on into DC news. What the fuck? Christ. <laughs> I'm looking at the time. Do you guys want to take a break, or are you ready to go into DC now? Um, I'll take a quick break. Let's do the break. We'll can. come back, do these. I, it's gonna. It, we're gonna wrap this shit up real quick. I love like our listeners have to be loving that. Like, oh my god, the hosts are ready to end this shit like so quickly. They're so invested in this show. The hosts are ready to wrap it up. Five hours later. Five. Yeah, I don't even know how long you've been doing <laughs> this crap. <laughs> It is almost five out. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with DC News. Sounds good. BRB. All right. We're back. It is time for DC News. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. I got a DC email here. From one of our listeners. It's from uh, Khalid. And he uh, says, Hey guys, my name is Khalid. I'm an Arabic fan of yours. Just wanted to thank you so much for the hard work you do. Hearing your interesting conversation about how uh, about who should be the next Joker. And I would love to see... Dude, drum roll. We were talking about who should be the next Joker. And he goes on to say... I would love to see Jake Gyllenhaal. Hey. His character Ooh. in Nightcrawler was absolutely mental. Uh, here is an edit I saw of how he would look with the makeup on. Love you guys. Uh, love you a lot, guys. So he sent me a picture of Jake Gyllenhaal wearing the Joker makeup. Um, oh, my God. Like, I... I I never even considered Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, like I, you know, I, he was uh, he had his role as Mysterio in the Marvel movie Spider-Man: Far From Home. I personally love this idea of Khalid's, and uh, I don't mind him playing both characters. And 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 Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Heath Ledger were both. Uh, they were friends. I mean, they they started in Brokeback Mountain. What are you guys' thoughts on uh, Khalid's suggestion here of Jake Gyllenhaal as the Joker and the next Joker? I would love that. I love Jake Gyllenhaal, and like the weirder that we can allow him to be, I think the better. Well, wasn't he weird as fuck in that Okja movie? Yeah, oh, and like yes. Nightcrawler, and like even his Mysterio had like a. Uh, thread of just like instability about him yeah right i was gonna bring that up that he kind of had a like a little bit of a joker vibe with mysterio so like i loved jay Hall and nightcrawler specifically he was fucking awesome in that super crazy 
but still was able to hold it together when he was dealing with like the big wigs in the company. So he has that like double persona that I think he could fucking rock that role for sure. Yeah. Ah, Khalid, that's a fucking fantastic suggestion, man. Uh, there is no, and from what I've read in other articles from other outlets is that there is nothing in the contracts for these actors for them not be, uh, for them not being able to be in both Marvel movies and DC movies. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Everything I've read says like that's not like a stipulation or anything. I love your suggestion. Jake Gyllenhaal is the Joker. Um, fantastic suggestion. So I'm digging it. Um, I posted on Twitter uh, maybe a couple weeks ago um, some leaked photos, what I thought were leaked photos that I had seen on Reddit and on Twitter of Matt Reeves, the Batman. And there's a photo here of what looks like somebody who has um, kind of like a bag over the face and tape around their face, maybe possibly duct tape. They're dead, and they're around their face. It says "No More Lies," hmm. and they're sitting on a chair, a leather chair. And like I said last episode, the rumor I'm hearing is that politicians are being killed in the movie. And that fits with like what we're seeing here with this picture that says no more lies. Politicians are lying to people, blah, blah, blah. And this the chair that this character is sitting in also looks like the same chair from the picture of when they first started filming. You see kind of like the classic Hollywood, you know, uh, action clipboard or whatever the fuck. And um, there's a chair behind it. And in this picture of whoever is, you know, portrayed in this picture where it says no more lies, it looks like the same chair. I posted this picture with that explanation on Twitter and immediately within 24 hours, I got an email sent to my Twitter account saying, hello, the following material has been removed from your account Damn. in response to the DMCA Shit. takedown notice copied at the bottom of this email. And it's my, so I think, I think, I think that the fans of the DCEU leaks or subreddit are onto something. And I think that our post was onto something. I think that, uh, I think Warner Brothers saw my post and had it removed. I think that, uh, it definitely, I think that we're definitely seeing this could be Calendar Man as the villain. And we could be seeing politicians being killed in this new Matt Reeves movie. And from, you know, everything that we've been hearing is that this is going to be a more detective driven noir type of, uh, Batman than we've ever seen before. I've always been, I've, I've been saying I want to hear Batman's inner thoughts. I want to hear Batman's narrative on yes. us as we're, yeah, as we're watching this movie. Fuck yeah. So Dude, that's all I want, man. Like when he's like, 
walking down the street, like Sin City style. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Get a little shades going on. Get some thoughts going on in the head when he's walking down the street doing his thing. Like, that's what Batman fucking is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Can we just, like, bring that to the big screen? And what DC's been doing lately, obviously, is, like, with that R rating. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, let's see what we can do with this. Like, there's a big chance here to get some people back in the good faith of the DC universe. Can we get an R-rated Batman? Is that going to happen? Do people want that? I mean, I know we're going to get – it looks like James Gunn's The Suicide Squad is going to be rated R. But are people ready for an R-rated Batman? I mean, I, I'm i torn on this. I, I think they can still get away with this be, being PG-13. I don't necessarily know if I need to have it being an R-rated Batman film. Melissa, what are your thoughts? R-rated Batman film, Robert Pattinson, go. So this is the first time I've ever been hyped for Batman ever because I love Robert Pattinson so much. So just for like a selfish, like personal reason i would like it to be r-rated just because i think that that leaves uh more room for robert pattinson to do more interesting things um but from like a dc standpoint like you're leaving i think a lot of your core batman audience out when you do an r rating and i think that they are probably going to want to be mindful of that especially since their last few movies have been r rated i'm thinking about like birds of prey and the joker so or was birds of prey r rated it was r rated yeah. Yeah. oh yeah cuz you know the faces and shit um yeah so i'm thinking like They've had some success, but, like, Birds of Prey wasn't as successful as they wanted it to be. And, uh, like I was thinking about already, like, Batman is just an iconic character. And it's, it's I'm like, I'm thinking, like, it's young boys that are going to be the most disappointed yeah. uh, when they can't see this movie. And so I they, they just have to figure out if that's something they're willing to, like, leave on the table. Michael, it sounds like you're down for an R-rated Batman. I 100% get that because me and you were both fucking adult men. We can go see this movie. But on the flip side, I'm going to take you back to 1989 when I was fucking, you know, I was, uh, how old was I? I was an 11-year-old boy and I went and saw Tim Burton's Batman in the theater and... I wouldn't have had that experience and it was an amazing experience and I wouldn't have had that experience had it been an R-rated movie. My parents wouldn't have taken me to that in the theater. Like, you know, I would have had to wait for that shit to come out on like HBO. That's how I watched like fucking Predator and shit. You know what I mean? So, Mm. um, but I personally think that like, you can get away with a Batman movie being PG-13 and having it being a great movie and still being gritty and gory enough. I mean, look at fucking The Dark Knight, for crying out loud, with Heath, with Heath Ledger. I think you can still do it. Yeah, I'm I'm on board. Um, I, I just think that uh, the way DC Universe is going with Joker rated R, uh, that was their best movie ever, I think, to date. Um, but now that like hearing what you guys had to say, I definitely think that Batman, Batman alone, you know, not, not Joker, not Birds of Prey, Batman, maybe, 
maybe you're right. Keep that PG thirteen because that at that point you're just letting down like the younger audience, like you yeah. guys brought up, which which isn't fair. And you can still do like some gritty shit, like you said. Like you can still get away with a lot of shit with PG thirteen. Oh my god! When fucking when the Joker makes that when he does the magic trick and makes the pencil disappear into that guy's fucking head, like that's yeah. I was like, holy shit. Right. Or even when he like sewed that phone into the guy's gut and shit and they yeah. showed like all that, like that, that was like teetering for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm down with PG 13. I just think, uh, DC right now is just seeing what's making them money and their last big bang was an R rated Joker. But then again, that caters to adult fans. So you're, you're talking about a movie here that yeah, adult fans love this, but also, your kind of main core fans are kids. So yeah. I'm with the PG-13. But now. I don't know. Like, like if they're going to make this, like, Sin City style, like you said. Yeah. Detective Noir, like, how many fucking kids are going to be hyped to see a fucking stylistic Matt Reeves Detective Noir Batman? Well, there's another, yeah, there's another talking point because it, it the stylistic definitely has to do with it because you can't do a noir Without a rated R, in my opinion. Yeah. But if they're going like just straight action movies, solid action superhero movie, then then it'll be PG thirteen. So it all depends on what angle this is going at. And right now, we just don't have that info. I mean, because watching uh, Batman eighty nine for me was kind of like it was taken like because I grew up on Batman sixty six with Adam West. It was taking that. A little bit of the campiness, but on the flip side, it, it made it a lot more uh, edgier and more adult. It, and now, now you look at it, and it's like it's nothing compared to like what's out now, as far as like Batman and Hollywood and things like that. But at the time, it was um, it was pretty fucking edgy at the time for Batman, like. Going from Batman 66 to that, I just don't know if they're ready to alienate an audience and, like, restrict it to 17 and older. Me, now, I'd I'd be fine with it if they wanted to do that. But, like, there's a whole, like, age group that would not be able to enjoy this Batman movie. Just like... uh, you know, a lot of kids, I'm sure their parents are like, you're not going to be able to watch Deadpool. Like, like that's not happening right. in our house. You know, you're not going to be able yeah. to watch Deadpool. So like, they know. went out of their way to do the whole PG-13 Deadpool just for that reason. You right. Know? Yeah. Well, that's the only way Deadpool was released in China, too, was when they did the, 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 the Deadpool 2. Deadpool wasn't released in China. Deadpool 2 was not released in China. It wasn't until they did the PG-13 version. That they got that in China. The Batmobile pictures were released this week. Um, I'd been talking about this, hoping that we'd get to see Batmobile pictures released shortly. Uh, I had heard the rumors that uh, the Batmobile was going to be more of a muscle car look. And that turned out to be the case. Thank you again, DCEU Leaks on Reddit. Because they were 100% right with that. Um, the new pictures of the Batmobile, I think they released three or four pictures. I, it looks like they superimposed the Batman in there. It didn't look like there was somebody mm-hmm. 
actually in the suit. That was, it just looked like they took, I don't, it was weird, right? Like a mannequin. It, yeah. It didn't look like they had patents in there. It just looked like they superimposed like Batman or had like a mannequin or something there. It, it looked <laughs> odd. But I think like this, I, like this is definitely not like the Corvette looking Batman 89 car. This is definitely not the militaristic style Batmobile that we got in Nolan films. This mostly resembles it's the, the it mostly resembles the 1966 Batmobile, like from like, you know, the Adam West days. Um, it's a muscle, it's more of a muscle car. It just looks way more high tech than what we got from the 66 Batman Batmobile. Um, I'm digging it. I'm digging it a lot. I think it looks really good. Dude, it looks so good. If you like take a look at it and then you kind of need to look for a minute or two because you're getting, you're getting some charger vibes. You're getting some Corvette vibes towards the front of the wheels, but then you go towards the back end, you're getting some like supercar vibes with like Bugatti style with the engine exposed. Like this thing is a mashup and it's holding that like continuity of being like an old school muscle car at the same time. We got like, it. It looks like a billionaire was a fucking crazy street vigilante and made this car. Like well, that's exactly what it looks like. I got to see it in action though. Like what's it going to be able to do when it's, once it hits the road, you know, like, right, you, like what kind of like tricks and right. tips does it have? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I love the look of it though. Melissa, what'd you think? New Batmobile. Oh, I love it. I love everything about this movie that's come out so far. But my favorite thing about those Batmobile pictures is like the bat cape just like billowing in the wind behind him. Whether he's in the photo or not, but I'm like, cool caper, I love it. Hell yeah. Oh, can't wait. I can't wait. Me oh my god. Either. And like this is how we were all feeling about like the Ben Affleck Batmans too. I was very uh, reserved with the Ben Ben Affleck Batman, uh, to be quite honest with you. But that. I'm just like, I, whenever a Batman comes, like I'm just fucking amped up, you know. Like, but for this one, for some reason, I'm just really like over the top excited for it. Robert Pattinson is the shit. Yeah, I, I, I love him. So I think much. I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. I think this is going to go down as like Heath Ledger as the Joker, where people were skeptical. I was skeptical, and I think like at the end of the day, once this movie comes out, once you get like the talent of like you know Robert Pattinson, Matt Reeves working together on something, I think at the end, I think once this movie comes out, people are going to you know. People, that, I think some people are going to be eating crow on this one that have been talking shit about, oh, the vampire, the sp- the sparkly vampire guy is going to be in this movie. Uh, fuck you. Fuck you. You haven't seen what he's done post-Twilight. Fuck, you probably haven't yeah. even watched Twilight. You, you you don't even know what the fuck's going on. See Good Times. See Lighthouse. And then come talk to me and say this guy can't act. Like, 
you, you judge it off a movie he did when he was 17 years old for his first real fucking Hollywood movie. Okay, do and not erase don't... Cedric Diggory like that. Yeah, it's fucking Harry <laughs> oh, Potter, right? right? He was Cedric Diggory. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like generally, you know, like people are like, you know, just writing him off because, or even adding in Harry Potter, you know? They're, oh, he's the Harry Potter kid or he's the Twilight kid. Yeah. But like, Watch some of his newer stuff, and you'll understand that this guy has range, man. A lot more range than a lot of actors that are, like, A-listers these days have. What was that and, fucking movie I uh, dug him in? That sci-fi? Was it High Life? Oh, uh, yeah. Christ, that was a great movie. It was so good. He was great in that fucking movie. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, I'm I all... Love- I'm all about this fucking movie. I'm I'm all about Zoe Kravitz playing uh, Catwoman. I'm all about mm-hmm. you know yeah. part, they got these they got great actors in there playing these crime fam families. John Saturo, I believe, is playing uh, you know Falcone. Uh, fucking Colin Farrell is going to be playing Penguin. Paul Dano is a Riddler. Are you fucking kidding me? That's beautiful. That's fantastic. Casting. Uh, I am 100% down for this fucking movie. Fucking uh, Jeffrey Wright from Westworld is going to be Commissioner Gordon. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm all about this. Can't wait to see the first fucking trailer. Love the fact that Warner Brothers has given these directors the freedom to release these photos first before the paparazzi gets a hold of them. Zack Snyder released the uh, first pictures of uh, his uh, Ben Affleck Batman two years before the fucking movie came out. Um, here we are a year before this movie's coming out. And uh, it's nice to see that Matt Reeves is able to uh, give us the first images of, you know, um, you know, Robert Bat, uh, Rob Bat Battinson. And, uh, <laughs> and then also uh, he's able to release like the first photos of the Batmobile. It's very cool. And I'm sure that we'll see some of these. Uh, I'm sure we'll see the Batmobile in action when uh, people start uh, filming those uh uh, on, 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 on set location fucking videos that they've been fucking filming and shit. And we'll probably get to see it in action a little bit, but my God, I, I think, I think it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the muscle car version of the Batmobile. I'm digging this. I can't wait. That's all I got to say. Facts, man. And that yep. rear end, like also says like, I'm here to fucking party as well. Like I'm here to mm-hmm. rock, but I'm here to fucking party. So like, I also am in agreement with you on seeing what kind of gadgets come out of this fucking thing. Oh man, I I think like I think they really have um I think they have like a vision for this Batman that they're starting off really kind of like early on in his career. We're talking like year 1 Batman here. And I know it's low profile kind of and like by the time we get to the second movie, the third movie, maybe even the fourth movie in this series, I think you know I'm hoping that Pattinson is going to stick around for quite a while. Um, I think the different iterations that we're going to see of the Batmobile, of the suit, things are going to change. I think that we're just looking right now at the earliest versions of um, of the Batmobile, of the suit, of the Bat Cycle. You know, like, I think, like, we're going to grow with this character as as the character gets older, and I am all fucking in. I'm all fucking in. I'm all fucking in. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm all fucking in. Yeah, I totally agree. 
Yeah, you're getting me excited about this shit, man. Get Matt Reeves. I loved you. I loved what he did with Planet of the Apes. But man, I'm glad that he's moved on. He's doing some superhero stuff here. We'll see what he does with Batman. Can't wait to see what James Gunn does with uh, the Suicide Squad. Hope James Gunn actually sticks with DC. I, 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 you know, finish your trilogy over there at Marvel to kind of say like, yeah, fuck you, you guys fired me. Here's your, <laughs> here's your big fucking finale with, with Guardians. But I hope he comes back. Here's your severance package. Yeah, page. I would love to see James Gunn come back. To DC after all said and done, and and make some other uh, DC properties. You should do exclusive like a five movie deal. That'd be incredible. Be fucking great, guys. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I know everybody. I'm sorry that Jake wasn't here, but I I, honestly, Melissa, Mike, I I think you guys did did a fantastic job this week, and I, I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you for having me too. Yeah, everybody, fun. check out Wild Pretty Things. What are you guys doing over there? Uh, we just recorded today about the Invisible Man, and I think the next movie we're going to cover is called Swallow, which is available um, on demand. So I'm not exactly sure when we're going to record that, but that'll be coming soon. Did you guys see the uh, the Invisible Man emoji on Twitter and how that works? Yes, you can only see it when you're in dark mode. Yeah, once you sw- hey. that shit is clever as hell. There's a handprint that you can only see in dark in the uh, the night mode on uh, on Twitter. I thought that was pretty clever. They took tabs off of that uh, Steven Spielberg night show, huh? Yeah, yeah, they totally did. They totally <laughs> did. Yeah, but um, they yeah, took- no, thank you so much for having me, dude. I have nothing to fucking plug, but I, you know, I love being on. Love everybody, love C2E2, and uh, had a blast, man. C2E2, get on it, people. If you didn't come out this year, if you want to hang out with some of the best people on the fucking planet, if you want to feel part of a community, if you want to know what it feels like to be those fucking cultists that hung out in Waco and that got fucking... (laughs) 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 If you want to know what it felt like to be one of those people at Jonestown... I'm fucking, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally, we don't drink Kool-Aid. We don't do anything weird. But if you just want to hang out with like-minded people that have a great time, join us at C2E2. It's a fucking blast. We fucking had people just fucking coming out, making the pilgrimage to hang out with us. And it's actually, it's gone, you know what? It's gone, it's gone past me and Jake. It's gone past me and Jake. People don't fucking come to C2E2 to hang out with us and meet us. They fucking come out to C2E2 to hang out with each other. They've been talking to each other in the fucking Leftover Army Facebook page. They don't give a fuck about me and Jake. Me and Jake are a fucking afterthought. They come out there to hang out with each other. Me, like, (laughs) it's true. But I want to thank everybody who's a part of uh the of the podcast who listens and if you want to come out and meet us and hang out with us and have a great fucking time seriously like seriously like these are um these are memories that'll uh that'll stick with me for the rest of my fucking life that and it kind of blows me away to sit back and think i'm not trying to stroke my own dick here but it kind of blows me away to when i when i sit back and I look at like Winkler when I look at you hanging out and getting to meet Quentin for the Quentin for the first time, or I get to see you hanging out, uh, Melissa. I get to see you and Rebecca together. Like mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like I know how good of friends you guys are 
you know, and it, yeah, it's the fucking best. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's like, I get to think to myself, I get, I get to sit back and think to myself, like these people that are like good friends that are getting to meet, that are getting to shake hands, hug each other, talk and fucking just like shoot the shit. They never would have met had it not been for like me and Jake starting this stupid ass fucking podcast. And that's a great fucking feeling at the end of the day. I still, yeah. at the end of the night, I still fucking like, cry in the fetal position because I hate my life and I hate everything about myself. But I, on the flip side, I have changed some lives. <laughs> For the better. Dude, next C2E2, I'm just going to come wearing 51 babies, bro. Dude, do it. That's your cosplay. That's your, and nobody, nobody will mess with you. You will be nobody able to even know what the fuck's going nah, on. No, that's 50 or yeah. 40 or whatever. You, you might be the first person they ask to leave. You know what I mean? Just based on your <laughs> cosplay. Like, uh, dude, like, can you get dolls next time? We're wearing live babies. I'm like, dude, I, th- I thought they had to be live. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I think we just lost half of our listenership with the fact that. <laughs> I kept, I kept wanting to bring that up. I was like, nah, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna keep bringing it up. Maybe. Oh, uh, the only reason I brought it up is because we're we're signing off, man. Whoever's gonna be gone because of it is already gone. Oh yeah, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, people that fucking got offended. Nothing to be offended. Yeah. All right. Thank you again, Melissa. Listen to Wild Things, uh, Wild Pretty Things podcast. I, I didn't stumble there at all, did I? That was no, it's perfect. It just rolled no, off the tongue. Excellent execution. It was. It was just, just perfect. Just sounded very natural. Rolled off the tongue. Sounded <laughs> like I sounded like a seasoned podcaster there. I didn't stumble. Nothing. Uh, and no problems there. Um, yeah, Michael. Thanks a lot. Uh, and just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week at episode 324. See ya! Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations! I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and give a shaft of crap. Even though it is shit, 
Where the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the poor kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it, good and taste Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushover Pop culture, leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.